Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Uh, how is everyone doing today? Uh, welcome to a brand new edition of The Sea Report. We are live on this Monday, March 21st, 2022. I am your host, Michael Aaron Cossidis, otherwise known as Mr. C, ladies and gentlemen. And I hope you guys are doing well, hope you guys had a wonderful weekend, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. As you guys might have noticed, we took a four-day weekend here at the Sea Report. Uh, n- not, not particularly for any reason other than, well, we had a lot of stuff going on here at the Sea Household, you know. Uh, I, I know you guys probably don't want to hear about all of this, but, you know, we had a, we had a remodel on my bathroom happening on Thursday. Lasted through Friday. Uh, then uh, this weekend, uh, we were doing a memorial for my father's passing. So, you know, just, you know, fa- friends, family, all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, a whole bunch of things. So just taking a little bit of time. I hope you guys can appreciate and I hope you guys don't mind. Uh, but we are back today, you know, just as a, just as a way to kind of put a little capper on the, the bathroom is completely remodeled. Unfortunately... The uh, repairsman did not uh, solder some pipes right or whatever, and now we have a leak in our living room, so uh, they're taking care of that now. But fortunately, it also did not get in the way of my work as, uh, you know, I, I, my, my, my bathroom is directly next to my, uh, my workstation here where I'm bringing this show to you guys live, so uh, can't quite sit here with the maintenance men running in and out, see as much noise as they were making, and... Uh, all the little songs they were singing in Spanish. Anyways, it was an interesting time, but hey, we're here again, we're here live, and we're here for you all to bring you guys some more stories from the current events and the headlines out there as aggregated throughout all of, uh, you know, all of this information and curated by myself, your host, at this show. And uh, thanks again for joining us. We are live at the foxhole.app. We are live at uh, twitch.tv, pill.net clouthub.something and uh, Rumble, of course. So yeah, if you are watching us or if you have uh, accounts on any of those, any of those uh, platforms, I would highly recommend that you uh, follow or subscribe always for free, always for free, but follow or subscribe. I think the best thing that you can get out of that is uh, getting push notifications on when the show is going live. Uh, other than that, you know, um, we're just uh, waiting for Truth Social to get up and going, at least to create our account, so we can uh, start doing our thing over there. I won't really push any other social media platforms, honestly. I'm not about that. Not about that at all, to be quite frank. And you guys know I don't like to be frank because I already look enough like a hot dog. So anyways, guys, <clears throat> good to be here. And tonight we have a lot of news. Well, actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, we don't have a lot of news tonight. You know, my, my weekend was pretty full and pretty uh, 
conflated with uh, personal events. So I wasn't able, uh, that's not to mention, that's not to mention that I'm actually, I know you guys don't care to hear about this. I'm actually having some issues with my lower back right now. Like uh, I'm quite afraid and maybe I shouldn't be, right? Maybe I shouldn't be afraid because the fear is what's going to drive it uh, uh, of having a spasm here on the screen. Uh, I think I've boiled it down to my posture in sitting, my sitting posture. I don't think I sit right. I think that's the reason why I'm having issues. Oh, on top of the fact that, you know, my gut has gotten a few pounds heavier. Every time, every time I gain weight, let me tell you what, my back is the first to give. My core is absolutely useless. And please, ladies and gentlemen, don't let that serve as a metaphor for myself in general. I'm trying not to, trust me. (laughs) One's core must be strong, ladies and gentlemen. It must be impenetrable. Anyways, well, we'll take care of that later. Uh, But uh, just glad to be up here and... uh, (laughs) talking with you guys tonight. So as I was saying, we actually don't have a lot, a lot of news. That's not to say that there isn't a lot of news going on. Of course, there's always a lot of news going on. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think a lot of the stuff that uh, is really coming into focus is just uh, uh, what, what we already knew here as the absolute ridiculousness of the Biden regime. I, I deign to call it an administration. They administrate nothing but failure after all. So I don't want to call it that. But uh, this regime, you know, and and uh, uh, interesting enough, you know, I really believe that, you know, you could really use a regime like Biden's to really check the pulse of where people are nowadays, because for his uh, poll averages to be so low and uh, for his general statements on any topic to be so disregarded uh, by not just patriots, not just Trump supporters, not just people who love America and understand what's going on, but by everyone at large, uh, you could really say, if you want to get a reading on the American population, generally speaking, uh, just have Joe Biden say something. (laughs) And you will know, in effect, where everyone stands, because no one seems to agree with this man. And no one seems to agree with this man. I mean, you take you take his statements on inflation. Well, it doesn't take like some great big VIP pundit to say uh, you're a liar, Joe Biden. It has nothing to do with uh, inflation. It has nothing to do with Russia. Everyone can kind of figure out that these uh, policies were implemented a long time ago. It also says something about the sad state of affairs of campaign press managers and PR firms, you know, because these guys thought they had it down to a science just because they were able to manipulate things, you know, for decades. And I say decades because I'm pretty sure, you know, where you might have had like, I don't know, a three-letter agency press or a public relations uh, individual embedded in someone's campaign or someone's administration, Back in the day, eventually, you know, it got to the path where it was like, no, this is what we have to do. So because this is the way the public perceives it, because, you know, when it comes down to the way that your John Lehman and Jay Lehman, you know, look at things in their everyday busy designed that way, busy life. And they don't really care about 
the minutia of politics, even though, you know, they might consider politics to be microcosm, what they don't understand that is politics is very macrocosm in regards to the way that they live, you know, because uh, uh, you might say, well, you know, uh, it just so happens that the family structure is breaking down, that uh, both parents and their oldest children have to work just to sustain their household. And, oh, you know, now we have grandma and grandpa and, and an aunt and an uncle and a cousin and nephew and five homeless children moving in with us just to help the world out. It was designed that way. And then and the more it was designed for you guys to be busy with your everyday lives and supporting your family and taking care of it. And, you know, and also providing for your family, not just the things that they need to survive, but also, you know, the, uh, the, the R&R, the vacation, the Christmas presents, you know, the, uh, the, uh, things that you use to, uh, not use the things that you do to, you know, keep the family happy. The, the, the mementos of gratitude that you give to your family as we are consumed in those things, the idea of politicians and governance goes further and further and further and further off of our to-care list, okay? It was designed that way, ladies and gentlemen. It was designed that way. And so, you know, uh, as we're moving along with all of this, as we're, you know, flying through space at a million bajillion miles per hour, uh, they're doing what they want to do. They are doing what they want to do, you know? Uh, But, ladies and gentlemen, one thing is for sure, one thing is for sure. Uh, we're waking up to all of that, you know. We are most definitely waking up to all of that. And, well, you know, when we're talking about things like this inflation stuff and Russia and Putin, blah, 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 blah. Um, it, it's very important to note that uh, everyone is seeing right through it. And that's where these public relations people, whether they were embedded in, uh, you know, they were embedded in the, they were CIA assets or what three letter agency assets embedded in there. Oh, well, you know, uh, we, we take polls. Uh, we, we re reread the ratings according to demographics. We've made a scientific study about it. Mr. President, trust the science, Mr. President. If we say you should do this, you should do this. If we, we say you should look like this, you should look like this. If we say your first lady should be this way, she needs to be this way because that's how the public will respond in kind. Right. It'll keep your averages high. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure Joe Biden can fire. He probably has fired like 50 public relations assets since he's been in office. They're like, and you know how many people that Kamala's administration or regime has fired because, you know, she's losing people left and right. She, she's lost all, did I say she? I'm sorry. He's lost all credibility, uh, this, uh, this Kamala Harris, you know, and they're like, why, why, why isn't the American public believing what I'm saying here, says Kamala Harris. Why do they just see me as like some cackling, uh, you know, uh, uh, a nuisance? Well, it's because she is, he is. But um, they were doing this for a long time. Now, I don't know... If any of you guys saw that movie, it was off of Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. Pedoflix, Pedoflix, that one. Uh, Obama's Pedoflix ownership, right? Uh, what was it? Don't look up. 
Don't look up. Okay. And I don't remember what the general review was from people on that movie. I don't, I, I didn't pay attention enough. Well, I saw this some weeks ago and I, I think I've already kind of talked about it before, but it was to me the perfect illustration of probably what politics have become. When you have someone like the uh, child bloodsucker, Meryl Streep, Meryl, why Meryl, why? Right. I used to be, I used to be a Meryl Streep fan. I used to be a Meryl Streep fan well before she got popular. But um, when you have her playing a president uh, that it's so, so um, in such a, a parody, you know, is just all about uh, is not real. That's for sure. Just follows what her handlers tell her to do. And it's all based on their own assessment and study of the way things work in this artificial society which is what? A facade of whatever they see on the TV. And that is what they believe because they know the handlers of a president like that. Uh, they know uh, how the demographics work, how the polls work, how the numbers work, all that stuff. You know, and so I'm just sitting there. I mean, you know, I cannot help but analyze any media that I see, particularly if it's uh, entertainment. I mean, you, I know a lot of you guys out there in the audience are exactly the same way. You guys sit down to enjoy a movie with your family. And before you know it, you're getting bombarded with uh, subliminal messages from the New World Order, the globalists and propaganda. And it's inescapable. Because once you're awake, you're awake. You ain't woke, you're awake, ladies and gentlemen. You are awake. And, uh, you know, my family used to get quite annoyed with me because I'd be like, oh, you're watching this movie. I just, blah, I just blurt things out. I, I eventually learned to stifle myself. Uh, but eventually a lot of them, they end up doing the same thing too. You know, like they're like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> they just said they were three or 400 years old and that they've been uh, jumping bodies for the last like, you know, uh, three or four lives and uh, they suck the blood of children and uh, they want to destroy America. I'm like, well, the movie tells that to you. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I didn't say that. You said that, not me. So anyways, guys, the point of this is. That Joe Biden's probably fired a lot of press agents, uh, press managers, right? Why can't you get people to believe that I am the good uh, president that everyone should love? It's because everyone in America sees right through you, Mr. Joe Biden. If that's you, even, right? We don't want to get too much into conspiracy theories here at the C-Report. It's much too early for that. Much, much too early to get into uh, conspiracy theories. But uh, yeah, you know, so th there you go with that. You know, uh, even even people like uh, Circleback Saki are having problems now. You know, they're all having problems, right? And then especially with this Hunter Biden laptop thing. Uh, oh, wait, it, you finally figured it out, New York Times. Uh, you finally figured it out, the world. Um, do you, did you, you know, Who's this, uh, you know, about we conspiracy theorists? Nah, no, no, no. I'd rather be a conspiracy theorist than a uh, complicity theorist, right? I would rather question the narrative than go along with it. But they say that, they say that every patriot has a healthy dose of paranoia, as one should. That's your defense reflex, ladies and gentlemen. Defense reflex. And it's all coming out 
It's all coming out. It's all coming out to you now. You know why it's coming out to you now, guys? Because we have waded through the mire of their refute. And by they, I'm talking about the zombies and the armies of the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile media. We'll call it like we see it. I see, I see in my crystal ball here, right? My crystal ball? This ball ain't quite crystal, right? Anyways, um, I see in my crystal ball, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the downfall of the shamestream, lamestream, legacy, fake news, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile media. I see it so crystal clear in our future, particularly because of what is happening in Russia and Ukraine, but even more so because of everything that has happened since President Trump was ejected from office by an illegal administration in a coup of a sovereign country. That's why I see everything that has happened up until this point. Everything that has happened up until this point has had to have happened up until this point. Because otherwise... Wow, every... Sorry, I just had like a blackout here at my studio. Give me a minute. My computer turned off, but it came right back on. My monitor switched off. Did I do something? Oh, I see. Did I do something? What did I do? What is going on here? Okay, there we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to report that I just did not get attacked by the deep state. I just knocked my uh, power source out of the uh, socket. Okay. <laughs> I was like, they're coming for me. <laughs> Live and in person, Mr. C gets arrested on the air. No, just kidding. It's like that, uh, it's like that, um, that one scene from the movie The Stand. Do you remember the movie The Stand? Uh, the 1990s version, not the cheap remake that came out years later. Although, you know, uh, if you've ever read the book, The Stand, it's like a thousand plus pages. Um, the second, uh, the second rendition of that film, uh, brought out a lot more aspects of the book that were not in the original anyways, cause I read the book anyways. So, oh yeah, yeah. Anyways, there's a, uh, there's a talk show reporter in that movie in The Stand, and uh, they're one of those conspiracy theorists, right-wing uh, news shows, right? And in the movie, you know, as this, uh, this uh, Captain Trips plague, the COVID-19, you know, uh, legitimately manufactured uh, disease is taking over the world. You know, uh, you have this, this you know, uh, this pundit who has a hit radio show that everyone's tuning into because of all of the radio shows out there, conservative or not, she has always been on target. This woman has always been on target. So while she's live on the air in the movie and in the story, you know, you have the government just, you know, coming in and busting down her door and like, you know, killing her on the air. She was always over the mark. That woman was. I think she was played by Roseanne Barr in 1990-whatever that movie came out in. I could be wrong. It wasn't Rosie O'Donnell. I know that for sure. Rosie O'Donnell would never sign on for a gig like that. It might, I think it was Roseanne Barr for some reason. Anyways, yeah, so I was like, that's going to happen to me, right? Yeah. Well, no, you know, if that was foreshadowing of a, of a, of a, um, a, a radio or a... Uh, 
someone who does all that stuff like me, right? I could give you the perfect answer of who that could be. And uh, we'll be talking about her a little bit later on in this broadcast tonight, guys. But anyways, yeah, no, 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 no. No FBI, no three-letter agency, no uh, San Antonio Police Department's going to come busting down my door during a live broadcast. Although they have knocked on my door during a live broadcast before, ooh, months and months ago. I was up here doing a show in my loft. There's a knock at the door. They go answer it. It's the police department. They're looking for someone. Uh, but fortunately, they just had our apartment buildings confused. They were not looking for me, Mr. C, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, okay, well, that served as a big distraction towards my point, whatever it was at the time. I don't remember. But uh, as I was saying, guys, as I think I was saying, you know, um, people don't believe, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, people don't believe them anymore. Okay. Uh, take, for example, there was, a, there was one recent one. Well, b- beside the fact that, you know, Joe Biden is trying to blame inflation and gas prices on Russia. No one is ever going to believe that. I mean, it's, as, it's like they don't realize that everyone is watching them. Well, we are in a different time. There has been a significant shift in the uh, attention span of not just people like you and me, those of us who are tuned into this broadcast tonight, but into the general population of the world. You know what? Scratch that. The general population of America, because I'm pretty sure the people of the world were probably paying a lot more attention to these things way before your average American. And that is not to say that your average American in mass is still paying attention. A lot of them are still stuck in that, uh, de- that designed cycle of life and children and work, 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 uh, rest, relaxation, self-pleasurement, etc., it's designed that way. It's why I can't. I almost cannot be mad at them, and I cannot get frustrated at them. Because first of all, if I get frustrated, I am just going to give up on myself, right? I'm gonna. If I get frustrated, if I give into any of those frustrations, like why aren't any more people awake, or why are they still wearing masks, or why are they still uh, decrying President Trump, or can't they see? Well, uh, slowly they see. I think. Their spirit sees first, okay? And then by design, they're very detached from their spirit, okay? Or their gut feelings or whatever. And by design, they don't even listen to it or trust it. So what they do is they go along with what has been designed for us since 1933 with the very first television broadcast. That is the... uh, the the renouncing of one's personal logic and uh, uh, discernment and um, uh, what do you call it uh, you know logical thinking and, and and giving that over to what the TV says and they will tell you what to believe and you know what I work nine and a half hours a day I got to come home cook feed my children clean the house do work outside of work hours. And you know what? TV, take the responsibility of telling me what to think because I've got enough on my plate. 
Plus, I've got a whole lot of bills coming up at the end of the month. That is by design. Your Federal Reserve Central Bank and its uh, banking type of policy and system, uh, that which, uh, what do you call it? It, 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 it uh, denigrates the value, the purchasing power of our money, meaning that we can buy fewer things with more money is by design on top of everything else that they've already put on your plate. And trust me, ladies and gentlemen, what they have put on your plate is not sustenance, okay? By design. So that TV, you know, the one that they say, oh, you're going to use your television to, uh, to, uh, as a babysitter for your children? Oh, such lazy parents. But they've already resigned their own, uh, their own actions and beliefs to what the TV says. So they say, you know what, uh, if, the, if the 9 o'clock news, the 10 o'clock news, the 11 o'clock news says this, I believe it. If the cable news networks say this, I believe it. But let me tell you what, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, well, we're at a point that uh, everything that has happened up until now is going to totally destroy... The mainstream, shamestream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile media. They're like at the, they're like at the, the uh, precipice of a roller coaster. And they're about to take a boop, 90 degree vertical straight drop down. Okay. And that's what I was thinking also with this whole uh, Ukraine thing. There was, you know, there's, okay, you know, the more the politicians come out... And they tell you who they side with. Let them. Let them. I think there were some new ones that just came out that were in support of Ukraine. Okay? Let them. Let them tell you they support Ukraine. Let Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell tell you they want Putin dead and that they're on the side of Ukraine. Let them. Every single one of them who supports Ukraine. You take that name down, ladies and gentlemen. You make sure that you understand... That if these politicians who call themselves America lovers or anything American are supporting a corrupt regime in Ukraine, they can't be that stupid. They can't be that stupid. If Joe Q. Public has discovered and realized and understands and can write a book about what is happening in Ukraine within the context of history and other geopolitical matters, then they know, ladies and gentlemen, exactly what the heck is going on in Ukraine. Let them choose their sides. They are still feeble-minded enough to believe that the American people are asleep and not paying attention. What they don't understand is there's a whole lot of 100th monkey syndrome just going on and on and on all around. There's a 100th monkey, monkey syndrome for almost every single issue in the book. Anything that you care to put your light on, ladies and gentlemen, it's spreading like wildfire. It's happening more so now than ever, ladies and gentlemen. But they can't see that. They are so confident and arrogant in their decades-old processes on how to uh, propagandize and fool the American public. They're so, they're so loaded up on their own crap. They've drank so much of their own Kool-Aid that they don't realize the American public has been watching them with no clothes on. 
These people are totally naked. They're totally naked, telling their lies and doing what they're doing. And we're just standing back laughing at them. We're like, ooh, where'd that scar come from? Ooh. It's, 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 oh, you know, you know what the one was? It was uh, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton and George W. Bush, baby Bush. Laying down flowers for Ukraine. Okay, okay, baby Bush. Okay, Clinton, go ahead and lay down them flowers. We are taking notes. Well, we already knew you guys were corrupt. We already knew you guys were war criminals. We already knew you guys are uh, involved in some pretty dark things out there. But you know what? You are just re-fortifying that signature on your documents of uh, expellation. That's not a word. But yeah, you know, I was like, you're really going to do that now? I was like, does nobody in the establishment media, does nobody in the establishment understand that everybody in the world has seen and knows what's going on in Ukraine? Everybody knows what's going on in Ukraine. Everyone knows that you're supporting Nazis. Everyone understands that Obama was behind the coup in 2014. Everybody understands that. This is like very basic common knowledge, guys. And, you know, and we can see the reasoning and the logic behind everything else that comes after that, you know. But uh, I guess they're going to do as they please. They're like, well, as long as we lie consistently, as long as we lie consistently, we will cover our own backsides. So that when things go our way, we can say, well, we lied consistently. Consistency is key. Not just doing it loud and doing it long when you're lying, but consistency is key. And uh, so there they are, you know. They think uh, as long as they lie consistently, as long as they have the actions to back up the lies that they believe in, they will fool the world, ladies and gentlemen. They're having to test their acting skills. Saki warns world will suffer food shortages due to Russia-Ukraine conflict. You know what that means? If Saki, circle back Saki, is saying that uh, the world will suffer from food shortages, what she's trying to say is all of our establishment food vendors will stop delivering food, okay? We're holding the world hostage. We're not going to deliver food, okay? What does, well, you know, I don't know. I heard what? Was it like, uh fertilizer or something like that comes from Russia, like the best. So, you know, I can understand if it's going to impact our bread basket or if it's going to impact our uh, farmers. I guess I'll give you that circle back Saki, but actually really it's your administration that would be causing food shortages, not this war. Can't you just let Putin go in and clear out the Nazis? Can't you just do that? Why do you have to protect them? Hmm? It makes no sense, ladies and gentlemen, no sense whatsoever. All right, guys, I think I've spilled on long enough for the first part of our show tonight. As you know, I, that, that's just my, I didn't get to go through the headlines this weekend, so we're doing it this way right now here at the Sea Report. But uh, thanks again for joining us. I hope you guys are doing great. Uh, let me see real quick. Over at the foxhole.app, we got uh, Aurelius Locke in the house. We got Positive Vibe 72, Mr. Java. What's up, Java? How you doing, sir? We got John Henry. 
7337 hanging out. They are blaming Russia for cyber attacks and it hasn't even happened yet. Oh, well, you know, that's what they do, John Henry. I'm glad you brought that up, John Henry, because I had a point on that story, but I didn't have a way to incorporate it into my just my verbal like, you know, <laughs> spilling just there. But you know, John Henry, just like they did, just like they're doing with nuclear war, just like they're doing with bioweapons and chemical weapons, you know, they have to get ahead of the narrative that they want to paint if they can execute it. At this point, they can't execute a fly. You know what I mean? They can't do that. They just don't have the power to do it. They've lost all of their power. But... Blaming Russia for cyber attacks. Now, here's what I think. Okay, because John Henry 37, when I read that headline, uh, illegitimate Joe says that Russia is going to do cyber attacks coming up soon, coming to a theater near you, right? And, and, you know, we know it's not going to be anonymous, but at the same time, we know anonymous is like CIA assets or whatever, or it's just like CIA people moonlighting as hackers and and using anonymous to trick the feeble-minded... patriots and, and, and to get on board with the anarchists, right? Anarchists are also uh, anonymous people for some reason. Anyways, um, because I, I was like, what, what could be that? Is it because we're really going to suffer a cyber attack? Like, if you think about it, they're saying Russia is going to do a cyber attack against America. How would that make sense? I mean, The only reason why I could think that Putin would do a cyber attack against America is because America is sending them, you know, um, ammunition and weapons and stuff like that. On top of them, what, millions and millions and millions of dollars that they've given to Ukraine, which makes absolutely no sense uh, when you consider how corrupt the country has been. It just makes you wonder where those millions of dollars are going to get funneled to, right? They're probably going to get funneled back into the pockets of the politicians here in the United States of America that are calling for people like Putin to be killed. Yeah, Lindsey Graham was like, I'll say Putin gets killed for like a million dollars. Well, let's just write this bill up. More uh, more war funds and relief funds to Ukraine and we'll make sure that million dollars gets siphoned into five different accounts in your name, Lindsey Graham. And we'll say it was uh, under the uh, whatever you you go you went and you spoke on an online speech for some NGO in I don't know Estonia or something like that you know anyways so it, it doesn't make sense to me that Russia would do a cyber attack on America to stop them from giving arms to Ukraine because Russia's already declared well you know uh, we're gonna we're gonna bomb and destroy any type of. Uh, any type of uh, any type of uh, weapons and, and support that you bring in. So we already know that, right? Okay. And John John Henry thirty seven just reiterated, they are blaming Russia for cyber attacks, and it hasn't even happened yet. Well, I'm getting there, John Henry. Okay, I'm getting there <laughs> now. So. Uh, they, I mean, because you know what, you, uh, John Henry, just take it this way. When they tell you something is going to happen by someone, even though it hasn't happened yet, what they're doing is they're being preemptive, okay? I think, John Henry, you understand this. I don't mean to sound so patronizing. Um, but, okay, so here was my thought on this, okay? Because, I mean, the headline that I read didn't say that they happened already. Uh, this is the headline that I read. It's coming, Illegitimate Joe casually says Russia is planning a cyber attack against the United States. It doesn't say 
illegitimate Joe says the cyber attacks have happened, John Henry. So that's kind of where our understanding and my point of view is different from yours. Because I haven't read anything that says that they already attacked and it hasn't happened. The ones I see clearly say that they're planning a cyber attack. John Henry, just so you know, this is where I'm speaking from. But thank you for bringing this, this topic up, okay? So, as I was saying to everybody, this is what I think. It, it, this is my purview. Okay, it's not even, it's not even anything. Okay, guys, so... Uh, Does that mean that some three-letter agency or some deep state outlet is going to, like, self-inflict a cyber attack on America? Because I don't really think there's anyone right now that would cyber attack America and it realistically makes sense, except for maybe China, okay? But even China, I'm kind of way on the fence on right now with China. Because to to be quite frank, and you guys know I don't like to be frank because I already look enough like a hot dog. I I think that all of these global world powers are rallying against the unseen enemy right now. That's what I think is happening. Whether they're our communist enemies or they are our um, smeared allies, I that's what I think is going on, right? Okay, but but in regards to these cyber attacks, the the first thing that came to my mind was oh. Are they trying to be preemptive about the 10 days of darkness? That's what I was thinking. But uh, that doesn't mean much, guys. I don't got anything to back that up, you know. I don't read the Bible of Q. I just think that uh, if the deep state, I mean, if the, uh, if, yeah, if the deep state were about to suffer a strike against their own personal communications, they would want to get ahead of that. And they would want to uh, forge an enemy so that when it happens, they can act out however they want. So say, because, you know, the deep, the 10, this 10 days of darkness that everyone has been waiting for, like the, the book, like, you know, Armageddon in the book of Revelations. Okay. The 10 days of darkness, like everyone has been like, oh, those 10 days, like, you know, Jesus is coming on a cloud. Like, uh, it may not even be a grid down situation. It might just be a, a. A, a cease of communications for intelligence, for the army, for, you know, it might just be communications for those people, 10 days of darkness, where they don't know what the heck's going on, right? It might just be, uh, I mean, it could be internet access down, you know, but I don't, I don't know. It may not necessarily be a grid down type of situation. I know a lot of people out there are preparing for a grid down situation and they should. They'll be far better prepared than I am. But um, it, it could be any of that stuff. Why speculate, right? But uh, that could be that could be the illegitimate administration that is Joe Biden saying, well, cyber attacks coming. That means that they're aware that uh, they're about to get their communications cut. And when that happens, they're going to be like, well, we're going to strike back. With a nuclear warhead. And then they're going to have to call up President Trump. And they'll be like, hey, President Trump, could you lend us a nuke? So this way we could strike against Russia because they just cyber attacked us and we lost all communications. (laughs) And President Trump's just going to sit back and be like, well, you're fired. Your days are numbered, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, that was awesome. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for that, uh, my dear friend over there at Foxhole. 
Again, that was uh, John Henry 37. I appreciate you so much for allowing me to speak about that because that was on my mind. I just couldn't find a way to get to it. And uh, I don't want to just jump all over the place, right? Hey, Skeeter Burke, what's going on? <laughs> Skeeter Burke says, why didn't they surgically detach his earlobes? Did they think we wouldn't notice? Isn't that right? Good point there, Skeeter Burke. Yeah, what is up with that? Is that a mask or what? I don't know. You tell me. You tell me, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, thank you, Skeeter Burke. Skeeter Burke says, the deep state won't come knocking on your door. They will Seth Rich you. You know what, Skeeter Burke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a whole lot of MS-13 in my hood. That's who killed, uh, that's who killed Seth Rich, MS-13, from what I understand. Uh, and then under President Trump, they got rid of most of them. Now they're all coming back. I still talk about cartels and, you know, stuff like that. I don't care. I've heard cartels will go after reporters and even artists who talk about them. But I don't care. Come and get me. Uh, let's see here. Okay, guys. All right. You guys are still doing good. Let's go ahead and get into tonight's story. That's okay, Ed, Mr. C. We've been inventing new wordies all evening. Oh, that's good. Hey, Texas Gal, how's it going? Oh, man. Uh, Texas Gal says storms have passed and tornadoes missed our area. So good to see. I was not aware we had heavy storms in the area tonight, Texas Gal. We had a little bit of rain down my way. But uh, but nothing that uh, nothing that dramatic. I'm glad you're safe, Texas Gal. Glad you are safe. Excellent, excellent. Okay, cool, guys. Let's get into tonight's report. I haven't even told you what we're talking about tonight. Okay, now um, that was just kind of my. Uh, there's a lot of news out there we're not covering right now. You know the, what? To be quite specific, uh, we will be talking about. Election news tonight. Okay. Um, President Trump has framed a lot of our stories for this evening. And uh, th there's one very important story that I wanted to share with you guys tonight as well. That has to do with Dominion voting systems. Uh, so we're going to dig into some of this stuff tonight. I think you guys will enjoy the information that I have to share. I think, I think it will be of import to most people. Uh, a lot of the things that are going on out there in that field, because again, a lot of these things, it's like, it's like the timing it of all. It's like I said before, you know, uh, uh, these things had to happen this way. The media has had to have continued to spin its lies as it has its entire lifespan uh, but but was never more so evident than when President Trump was in office, okay? When President Trump was in office, uh, their machinations started to become exposed. People could see them because they finally there was finally a competitive voice. It's like it's like the free market for thought and logic, right? In the free market of thought and logic, President Trump's speech, ideas, information was far more valuable and far more appealing to the mass population because it came from truth. 
And when you had something as genuine as the truthfully spoken word and expressed ideals of any individual, but more so, uh, more so important because it came from someone like a president versus the lies, the propaganda, the deception of the shamestream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mocking word, propaganda, pedophile media, they could not hold a candle to him. They could not stand up against his wind. They toppled right over because they were rooted in the shallow dirt of lies and obfuscation, and he was rooted deep in the wells of truth and integrity. So they couldn't stand up to him, okay? And now, since the time that Joe Biden's illegitimate administration has illegally, unlawfully taken residence in the White House, so to speak, the media has continued on its, uh, you know, its uh, jargon spiel. But the difference here is, guys, there was a bifurcation of information. And more importantly, there was a shifting from the people in what they paid attention to, the Great Awakening. And in waking up, a lot of these people were able to see both of these portals of information. And they just, as we all do, go and tend to follow what resonates with us, which is the truth, ladies and gentlemen, is honesty, accuracy, genuineness, okay? So, you know, you can, you can, that's why you can still have someone who watches CNN, watches MSM, uh, BC, whatever, and uh, they, just, they just know, if they don't know that something is not right, but they feel it, then something in their reality just does not feel real. Something in their perception of this world feels shallow. It feels hollow. It feels uncertain. Like, you know, I'm certain about these things, but there's a lot of doubt in here, okay? When you are drinking from the wells of deceit, there will always be room for doubt in any aspect of that person's life. And so they know, but maybe they just can't admit it. And so they know, but maybe they're just not ready to see. They're not quite ready to take the plunge. They're not quite ready to take that red pill, ladies and gentlemen. But it's there. Whether they accept and acknowledge it or not, it's still there. You can see it behind their eyes. You can see it deep inside of them. And, and that depth really comes to the surface when they're engaged in conversation or debate. Because they cannot make a valid point they will either clock you or they will call you a name and storm off or they'll just throw a hissy fit and start foaming at the mouth, okay? Because they are absent something and that absent is the kernel of truth, okay? That's why they are that way because they know something's up but they can't or they won't look into it or admit it, which is fine. Let them be that way. We've, uh, we've traveled far enough, you know, we've grown far enough. Let them be that way. Let them. It don't matter. But um, that had to be that way, of course, as I was saying. And uh, in, in the realm of uh, election integrity and election fraud, we see this exactly to be that way. 
The media has continued to uh, throw out all of its lies and all of its propaganda on everything that has to do with the election fraud, just as they have with every event since Joe Biden assumed, hijacked, squatted on the White House. Every event since Joe Biden squatted on the White House, okay, the media has just been right at his ankles following, connected to his shadow to make sure that they can help him in the process of lying to the American people. Because Joe Biden's like, well, I'll do whatever you want, but we need to make sure that, you know, first of all, that the the people still believe the media. Well, I don't think he's that, uh, I don't think he's that um, intellectual to understand exactly how embedded his masters are in our world. Okay. Kind of what I'm thinking. But, um, you know, they, they have continued. I mean, every single thing, you know, all the way from uh, January 6th, all the way up to election integrity, all the way up to Ukraine and Russia, all the way through Afghanistan, you know, all the way through everything, everything. It's through uh, climate change, the, the Keystone Pipeline, clean energy, you know, every single thing. The media has been there to uh, ensure that the public believes the president and they don't, which means they're not doing their job. They're ineffective. Okay, and they're failing and they don't know what to do about it, because at the same time, while this has been happening, they've had people in their own ranks who are waking up and who are like, why am I doing this? You know, and then those people become whistleblowers or you know what? They just don't want to work for them anymore. And then they're left with the very, very bottom of the barrel talent to help them. That's why CNN can't go over and do international reporting on the scene, on the ground, because they don't. They have to use studios with uh, with the green screens and 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 uh, and cheap prop lighting and 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 sound effects and uh, you, what you a big old fan to make it look like your hair's blowing in the wind out there in the night. Like that's how they are now. They can't, they can't. You watch any CNN news report today and they're live on the scene in, in, in what Ukraine or wherever it is, they're not there. They don't have the budget for it. No one wants to work with them. Why do you think half their speeches are crap? Because you don't have any, any type of thoughtful or intellectual writers that are actually working for them anymore. Why do you think their graphics are crap? Because they don't have any artists or creative types or tech people that want to work with them anymore. No one wants to work with these people. Everyone sees right through them and they understand because they have a moral compass that tells them they're not doing what, you know, it used to be prestigious to go work for CNN. But, uh, you know, President Trump kind of cracked that in half, cracked it wide open to the point that people could see how they were because they were like, oh, you holy crap. You know, not only does it sound like President Trump is telling the truth, it's true. And so they leave their ranks. And so the many become greater and the fewer become smaller. And again, the only reason why the fewer still maintain control is because they have the megaphone, uh, the megaphone uh, uh, brainwashing machine that is the media, the television. First and foremost, video, moving pictures, sound and magic. Gots us all in a spell, ladies and gentlemen. Gots us all in a spell. But not you, my friends. Not you in this audience. Not you catching this report. You guys broke free from that. You guys took the uh, antidote to that, ladies and gentlemen. That good old red pill. Mm-hmm. 
Just what the doctor ordered. Ladies and gentlemen. Tam Growls in the house. What's up? Hey, Donna. What's up? Uh, yeah, Tam Growl says, uh, man, it sounds so Hollywood. You know, the same thing with Hollywood. They got cheap, they got cheap writers, cheap artists, cheap projection. No one, unless they've been in the industry for years and they were at the pedo parties and the adrenochrome parties themselves, they've all abandoned it. Uh, Awaken Mom, hey, what's up, sweetie, says, uh, what we aren't talking about is the entire Biden family knows everything, especially fake Dr. Jill. Well, we have talked a lot about the Biden family and everything that they do and know here at the Sea Reports. Glad that you uh, came up to see some light, Mrs. Awaken Mom. Good to see you. But yeah, so uh, getting into tonight's show, that's why election integrity, guys, it's, this is the best of the best, guys, because not only will we be able to look back at history and say that we, uh, say that we uncovered this grand scheme against America and humanity in defying the globalists and the establishment creatures, the oligarchs, all of those people, uh, we have it on record of how they did it. We have it on record of everything that they did, guys. And that's the best part. The best part is we're not just uh, flying off the seat, uh, the cuff of our, our seat, and we're not just uh, we're not just being emotionally aggressive and active. We have the receipts to back it up. So that's why I really like to focus on election integrity because, after all, our vote is not just our voice and our choice. Our vote is a hundred percent, if not more representative of our sacred sovereign freedom as given to us by God. And that is more important than anything. We can't have anything without the vote. We cannot have the first and second amendment without the vote, without an acknowledgement of our sovereignty, which is that golden ticket that we call our ballot on election day, ladies and gentlemen. It's not because it's a democratic procedure, because it's democracy. The vote is democracy. No. In America, that vote represents your sovereignty as a human being, a free, uh, free moral agent as granted to you by the gift of God to not have to be holden to these uh, ludicrous, tyrannical overlords that want to rule your life and your world and tell you what to think, believe, and do. That's why. That is 100% why, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, guys, so let's get into it. I think I've gone on long enough. This is just the Welcome Back Monday. Good to see you all, my lovelies, and glad you are here with us tonight for the show. Okay, let's see what we got going on here. We'll start with a, um, a few statements from President Trump. Now, like I said, President Trump's statements are pretty much going to uh, frame our, our news report for tonight, at least to start. And then we'll get into some uh, juicy information that I've been dying to share with you guys. For I don't know how long. Uh, President Trump, what, he had a speech in Florida this weekend, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I, I need to go dig that up because um, 
I heard it was a really good one. And then maybe we can uh, share it with you guys. There are a couple of other things. We're, we're a little behind here, but we'll catch up. We always do. Okay. Okay. We're going to start with some President Trump statements. Let me get that on the screen for you guys. And uh, let me do that. Okay. All right. Let's see what our first pr- uh, statement from President Trump has to say. We're going back a little bit, guys. Railanon, thank you for the cookie. Tam Growl, thank you for the can. Much appreciated. All right. It says here, we're five days behind, guys. It's okay. President Trump doesn't have too many more statements than what I'll be sharing with you guys tonight. Ah, yes. Speaker Robin Voss of the great state of Wisconsin just said there was widespread fraud in the 2020 presidential election but that the state legislature cannot do anything about it. Wrong. If you rob the diamonds from a jewelry store, if you get caught, you have to give the diamonds back. Votes should be no different. There is already a very powerful resolution in the Wisconsin Assembly, State Assembly that calls for the decertification of the 2020 election and reclaiming of Wisconsin's 10 electoral votes. There is so much fraud, as Voss knows, that this should be done quickly and easily. And the highly respected special counsel, Michael Gableman, has exposed so much already, including election bribery with Mark Zuckerberg's $8.8 million, horrific fraud stealing votes from the elderly in nursing homes, and rampant ballot harvesting and phantom votes. Far more votes than is needed for the Republican candidate, me, to win. Our country would not be in the mess it's in if Republicans had the courage to act. We would be energy independent, no inflation, the Ukraine desecration would not be happening, our economy would be strong, there would have been no surrender in Afghanistan, and so much else Speaker Voss should do the right thing and correct the crime of the century. Immediately. It is my opinion that other states will be doing this. Wisconsin should lead the way. So who do you think is going to be the first to decertify, ladies and gentlemen? Who do you think is going to be the first? Good question, right? I don't know. If you go over to thecreport.com and you check out our leaderboard, that is uh, the All-American Race to Decertify. Okay? That's the title of our competition. Wisconsin is still in number one spot. Um, You know, Arizona is now in a close second. Now, if we hadn't made up this leaderboard over at crreport.com six months ago or more, we would have had Arizona in the number one spot. Because after all, they did the, uh, the gold standard of election audits, which is, of course, the uh, 2020 forensic election audit. Um, but then Wisconsin came out and ready to decertify. And then you have Gableman coming at them like a hound dog. And that's why we're talking about these topics tonight. All of this very much coincides with itself. And a little later on in tonight's report, we are actually going to address the ballot drops, the Dominion machines, and Seidel, okay? So all of this is very relevant, okay? All of this is very relevant. Um, but yeah, so Wisconsin, I still think Wisconsin is in the lead for decertification first, but maybe not. 
Maybe not, because we have talked about House Speaker, the rhino, Robin Voss, at length here at the Sea Report. There is no question about where we stand in regards to that man and respect and or lack of respect that we have for him and his office. Because the man is a rhino, okay? Now, even in President Trump's statement here, he says that Speaker Robin Voss admits there is widespread fraud, but says that the state legislature cannot do anything about it. Now, on March 1st, when the Wisconsin uh, Committee on Elections and Campaigns Um, When they had their meeting where Michael Gableman gave his Gableman report and he made his recommendations, there was a press conference that happened directly after that. And the attorneys and uh, Representative Janelle Branchen in that press conference said specifically that they can decertify, but the state of Wisconsin has not written up anything in their state laws or anything in their operating procedures on elections that gives them that pathway. So what they have to do now is they have to write up those laws. They have to write up those steps for decertification. They didn't say that they can't. They didn't say, oh, well, there's no way in our state constitution to do it, so we can't do it. They didn't say, oh, well, there's no federal law that says how to do it, so we can't do it. Well, you know what? You know, the framers of this country and their constitution, it's a limiting document. In, in, in 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 its infancy, do you think that any of the framers of our constitution saw a way to realistically, logically, and uh, empirically write up steps for decertification when they never even got there to know how it could happen? No, they couldn't do it. They're like, well, you know what? If this nation can last long enough, if this nation can maintain its freedom for long enough, perhaps our, uh, perhaps our, our, uh, our, uh, uh, those who follow us We'll have the insight, we'll have the wisdom, we'll have the wherewithal and the fortitude to fight for their sovereignty and freedom, but also to lay down new law, ladies and gentlemen. And this is going to be the case. This, that's the main roadblock right there with all of these rhinos, okay, and all of these uh, un-American Americans. You know, the elected officials like uh, they uh, they they will use it as an excuse for status quo. Oh, well, there's no law that says we can do that. So uh, we're not going to do it. That means we can't do it because they didn't give us this. We can't we can't ask for it. They have to hand it to us. No, don't sound like an American to me. I think you better go take that ball and run with it, is what I think. They don't even look at it as an opportunity to make history. Even at the state level, you know, because that pathway is not there. So uh, Representative Janelle Branchen and the attorneys at uh, the press conference said that's what they have to do. They said we have to... Uh, create these election uh, uh, decertification rules, procedures, laws, whatever you want to call them, because they don't exist. But again, 
Our documents are limiting documents. They are not documents that prohibit the people, us, from moving forward or making new litigation, new laws and stuff like that. So they understand that. But Robin Voss is hoping that you don't understand that. And, and, and in that manner, you will support whatever the rhinos, the status quotations, and the globalist, uh, globalist hacks in, our, in, the, in office have to say and think about it. Because after all, our world is designed to keep us so busy. We don't care. We trust them. We trust you, Robin Voss. I need to go uh, get my sleep for work tomorrow. I got a family to feed. So uh, you do what you do, Robin Voss. I trust you. Nay, those days are over, ladies and gentlemen. Those days are so over. All right. Okay, so let's check this article out here featuring your favorite rhino, Robin Voss. Voss says state cannot decertify 2020 election results. And even President Trump called him out on it, guys. That's the, uh, what do you think Robin Voss is doing right now, right? I don't know. He's probably uh, planning to thwart more elections coming up soon in Wisconsin. It says Republican activists still pushing speaker to overturn 2020 election. This is from Urban Milwaukee. So it's a local newspaper. So take this with a grain of salt because you know everything that they have to say or most of what they have to say. If it's not factual information, it's going to be biased opinion. Okay. So it says the powerful speaker of the Wisconsin Assembly met Wednesday with Republican activists who want to overturn the state's 2020 United States presidential election. But he said afterward that he still believes such a move would be legally impossible. Assembly Speaker Rhino Robin Voss hosted the meeting at the state capitol, later telling reporters that he was open to hearing from people who have a different opinion. Of course you are. But Voss remained unswayed by the argument that the state could erase President Joe Biden's electoral victory in Wisconsin, a contest he won by almost 21,000 votes. I still can't believe that the Constitution and my oath that I took as an elected official does not allow me to decertify any election whether I want to or not. Oh, I still believe, he says, I apologize, I still believe that the Constitution and my oath that I took as an elected official does not allow me to decertify any election, whether I want to or not, Voss said. That's not going to happen. And you know why? I bet you Voss says that because in, in the worldview of people who hate America and people who despise our Constitution, it's a, it's a, it's a dead document, right? They're like, oh, we've already, we've already, uh, you know, uh, we've already uh, uh, made laws and procedures and regulations that override the Constitution. It's a dead document. So maybe that's where this is coming from. Maybe that's where this roots out of Robin Voss. He's like, the Constitution doesn't say I can. I'm going to disregard that it's a limiting document and that we could actually do something to build on it uh, and uh, or amend it. And uh, we're just going to say that we can't do it because it's dead. We don't follow the Constitution anymore. They took the four out and replaced it with an of. This is not the organic Constitution that we're talking about here. We're talking about the dead, deceased corporate Constitution. And there we go. There's that double speak, double mean kind of thing that these guys do, the sleight of hand, okay? 
The article continues, Voss's position, which is broadly supported by election law experts and the state legislature's own nonpartisan attorneys, has earned him some enemies in at least a segment of the GOP base. That has been at least partly driven by former president, their words not mine, Donald Trump, and uh, who has continued to falsely assert that he won Wisconsin and other battleground states in 2020. Biden's victory over Trump, according to them, was affirmed by a partial presidential recount, partial, multiple state and federal court rulings, and a review by the nonpartisan legislative audit bureau. While the audit bureau found several instances where the Wisconsin, Wisconsin Elections Commission issued guidance that should have received the legislature's approval first, it did not uncover widespread fraud. But the push among some Republicans to cast doubt on the election have continued, arguably picked up steam, led in part by two people who empowered who are empowered by Voss. The Assembly Committee on Campaigns and Elections has held repeated invitation-only hearings with people who claim the election was stolen, at one point taking testimony from a man once convicted of felony mail and bank fraud. Voss chose State Representative Janelle Branchen to chair the committee shortly after she claimed falsely that Trump had won the election. Voss also hired former state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman to lead an investigation of the 2020 election as a special counsel for the Assembly and recently renewed Gableman's contract through at least the end of April. Gableman issued a report earlier this month that called on state lawmakers to consider decertification, giving the idea new life. But even when Voss has taken a different approach, it has emboldened his critics in the Republican base. Earlier this year, he took away a legislative staff member from state representative Tim Rantham after Rantham repeatedly released videos from his state capitol office criticizing Voss for not doing more to overturn the election. While the move was backed by other GOP lawmakers, Rantham used it to help launch a campaign for governor. Rantham, whose resolution to decertify the election went nowhere in the legislature, tried to attend Voss' meeting with activists Wednesday, but he said Voss told him to leave. More obstruction, Rantham says. Standing in the hallway outside of Voss's meeting, Rantham told reporters that he wanted to file charges against anyone who broke the law in the 2020 election. I think some of the people who are involved in it are in that right room right now, Rantham said. I think there's people in that room that were involved that don't want to see closure on this. That's why they've been obstructing all along. As the meeting ended, Jefferson Davis, one of the lead activists casting doubt on the election, praised Voss for agreeing to talk. Let me say this, Speaker Rhino Robin Voss is a very gracious speaker, Davies said. You can feel the way that you want to about him personally. That's a different situation. But we just had a very productive meeting. Davis' comments were met with groans from some of the activists gathered outside the meeting as Voss walked away, at least two shouted, Toss Robin Voss. The speaker said most of the meeting had focused on voter fraud, which he told reporters had been widespread. According to the Associated Press, 24 people have been charged with voter fraud statewide out of more than 3.3 million votes cast. Voss said he believed the best way to restore trust in the elections was to pass voting laws with the help of a new Republican governor in 2023. Okay, so this is all a bunch of bullcrap from Robin Voss, guys. Even at the behest, even after being thrown under the spotlight and the heating lamp by President Trump, this rhino is still on the rampage, okay?
Uh, I mean, we all heard about what was released in the Gableman Report. Everything that we already knew for over a year here in the independent patriot media scene, right? We already knew everything that they were talking about that he shared with us in that report, but it was finally on paper. It was finally documented. It was finally uh, signed and submitted to the courts, everything. And that's the thing that's important here, guys. The tonight's episode's very illustrative of the long game, okay? And lawfare and what it takes to get things done when you're not just, you know, wanting to, uh, I don't know, storm the Capitol and bust out your guns. We don't do that this way anymore, guys. This is a civilized revolution as some people have come to say. And uh, so this is part of what that takes. Now, you have this, uh, I mean, first of all here, 24 people charged in 3.3 million votes. What about, uh, were any of those 24 people the ballot traffickers that were abusing the elderly in the nursing homes and the rehab centers? I would like to know because that would not equate to 3.24 uh, votes as this article implies. That would, re that would equate to thousands of votes, okay? I think, the, I think the rough number showed it might be more than what illegitimate Joe supposedly won this election with. But there's more than that, guys. Okay, there's a lot more than that. Um, but yeah, so uh, the other thing, the, the thing about Wisconsin that I think is important to note is that Wisconsin has come to the threshold of decertification without performing a forensic audit. That was the path Arizona went down. Okay, I guess the constituents of Arizona are more involved and care more about election integrity than those in Wisconsin, because apparently there were not enough people blowing up the phones and calling their representatives and their senators, telling them that they wanted a forensic audit. Otherwise, they might have gotten it done. OK, I know uh, Janelle Brangen has said that every time she goes around and she's the chair of this election, this committee on campaigns and election, she said every time she goes out to talk to the public across the state of Wisconsin, everyone tells her about how they think the elections were stolen and there needs to be an investigation. So whether she believed in it or not, she is doing the will of the people. And in doing so, she has opened up to these truths. She said that the uh, election was President Trump's. So we know that she was already awake, right? But it's, it's the gas, it's the juice, it's the sustenance, the support of the constituents that has taken Janelle Branchin to this, uh, this uh, stature, ladies and gentlemen. Janelle Branchin would not have gotten where she is today if it weren't for people like you in Wisconsin saying something about it to her. And letting it be known that this is a concern and it's legitimate in your eyes and that they need to either uh, figure out if it's true or not or give us a logical explanation for why it happened. Like do something, dispel it or, or, or make, it, make it real, but figure it out and let us know. Okay, that's your job. All right. So that's what Janelle Brandon's been doing. Okay. Um, but yeah, they, they are... Voss is meaningfully confining himself to the constructs of the Constitution just because there are not words there for him to follow, okay? Follower. He's a follower. He is a follower, this Robin Voss is. He follows his uh, paycheck and he follows those who control him. There's your rhino speaker of the House, Robin Voss. Focusing on election fraud you know, uh, the, the few cases, but, uh, yeah, just keep that in mind. Wisconsin got there. Wisconsin got to the doorway of the certification by means of broken law. 
And what I'm trying to say is that illustrates that there are many ways to get there, but how are we going to get there? Arizona chose the audit, okay? And now they're dealing with what? Wisconsin's broken laws reveal to us the rhinos and the traitors in their state house. And it illustrates to us the importance of knowing and trusting and verifying whom we elect. And it also teaches us how to hold them accountable and the steps that we have to do in order to hold them accountable. And it also teaches us the pathway through litigation, lawfare, the long game, and how to get there. Because on this pathway, whether it be Representative Janelle Branchin or Representative Timothy Rantham or Special Counsel Michael Gableman, they have all faced challenges, obstructions, roadblocks, writer's block, whatever you want to call it. They have faced it down. They have pressed forward and they have succeeded because we are here where we are today, where Speaker Robin Voss has to actually sit down and talk about decertification and show his true colors, which in itself is a blessing, ladies and gentlemen. It's a blessing because now this fool cannot hide behind his mask of uh, love for America and conservatism. He cannot hide there anymore. We see you, Robin Voss. We see you. Okay. And that's how it is for all of them, guys. Same thing with Arizona. Hey, Deplora Laura, how's it going? Same thing with Arizona, guys. Same thing with Arizona. And that takes us to our next statement from President Trump. Let's see what he has to say. This one is from today. Ooh, it's fresh. The ink is still drying, ladies and gentlemen. It says, uh, Arizona Senate President Karen Fan is asking the exact right question about the corrupt Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. What are they hiding now? Based on the already released information regarding the rigged and stolen 2020 presidential election, including mail-in ballots without signatures and forgeries, as well as the disgusting refusal to turn over documents, now is finally the time for the Arizona Attorney General to issue warrants and take his investigation to the next level. The supervisors won't release the information. It must really be bad. The American people deserve answers, and there is no time to waste. Very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. So, now we see. Whenever we had, uh, whenever we had, um, whenever we had the Arizona Senate and the cyber forensic auditors working on their audit for the 2020 general election. Oh, we love Gableman, deplore Laura. Love, love, love him. Uh, but uh, when they were working on that, you had the Maricopa County BOS Board of Supervisors, the BOS POSs. Okay, defying Senate subpoenas, defying the Senate, defying subpoenas, defying Attorney General Brnovich every step of the way. Okay, why do you think that these uh, these bad actors are taking so long? Why do you think rhinos and state legislators are pushing this so far like they're putting it off, putting it off? Great example is the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. They've done everything in their power to extend the time that lapses 
between requests, between subpoenas, between, uh, between anything that they need. Like, they're stretching this out as long as they can. That is the long game, but their long game has a point, ladies and gentlemen. 22 months, and in 24 in some states, but 22 to 24 months after Election Day 2020, all of that information, all of that data can be voided. Now, that's not to say some states haven't already erased that information, but if they can just make it 22 to 24 months before they have to reveal anything, they can erase it and say, well, we were outside of the statute of limitations. We don't have to show you anything because we, we can get rid of it after 22 months. That's why the PR agents and the press, uh, the press people for all of these politicians were like, ah, Americans forget things in three to four months. It's okay. Go steal that election. And go do it sloppily and shoddily and, and obnoxiously. They'll forget about it. They'll go back to their fast food and their celebrities and their everyday life and their kids. And we'll throw in a few distractions. We'll have a war. We'll have a mass shooting. And then and we'll have a celebrity death. And then they won't even think about the elections anymore. Well, they were wrong, ladies and gentlemen. They were dead wrong. Dead to sight wrong. We're in a different era, a different age, guys. We are paying attention. We are active. We are getting involved and we are holding people accountable. Because if I have to live my life accountably, so should everyone else, right? That's the, uh, that's the, that's where it comes from. But that's why I think, that's what I really think is going on with, especially in Arizona, where they don't, uh, where, where they don't honor the requests whether it be from the Senate or the Attorney General, okay? Now, there might be something else going on there with the Attorney General. We'll get to in just a minute. But that is what Maricopa County's Board of Supervisors strategy has been. Hold off, hold off, hold off. Even in the face of the, 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 face of the law in our state of Arizona, the top of the mountain, the Attorney General, we're still going to defy those subpoenas we're going to defy those requests and that's where we stand like they're doing they're doing the uh the cyber forensic audit of the machines the splunk logs the routers etc they have a grand master and uh that is getting held up by the maricopa county board of supervisors it's been months okay you know and that's why i'm glad that people like uh, mark fincham who's running for secretary of state in arizona uh, um, has has uh, given the Senate a mechanism for decertification. So yeah, Arizona is in a close number two, right? They were number one for decertification. Remember, the com, the all-American race to decertify. All right, Wisconsin is in the lead right now. Uh, Arizona is right behind them on number two. Okay, even though Arizona did their audit, right? But Wisconsin got there first, okay? Uh, but who knows, maybe with this uh, Mark Fincham thing... Um, They'll go to number one um, because, uh, after all, I mean, they have all the evidence they need. They don't need the Splunk logs and routers, but that would be the icing on the cake, right? Because at least this way, they could point to what? The connectability of these machines to the internet, where the data was going and coming from, who it was going to, all that stuff that needs to be known has been proven, Regardless of the fact that people like Dominion Voting Systems say that uh, you can't access these Dominion machines, they're air-gapped. They can't connect to the internet, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? 
we got some more information about that coming up tonight. Okay. So, uh, apparently Mark Fincham introduced a resolution to decertify Arizona's irredeemably compromised election. So that's great, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, that could very well be, uh, the mechanism right there. That could very well be the mechanism. It's uh, uh, Senate Bill 1642. Apparently is what that is. And uh, let's see here if I can get you guys any more info on that. Oh, no, I take it back. Not Senate Bill. Duh. Mark Fincham's in the House of Representatives for the state of Arizona. He's not in the Senate. It's, uh, it's, it's HCR 2033. Okay. That is a resolution. A resolution to set aside and decertify three 2020 county elections and reclaim Arizona's 2020 presidential election electors using the state legislature's plenary powers granted by the Constitution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, House Speaker Robin Voss, you remember something called the Tenth Amendment, right? Where anything not cited in the Tenth Amendment goes back to the state's authority? Which means you might have to pave a few roads, Robin Voss. You might have to construct a few bridges, Robin Voss. You might have to create some legislation, Robin Voss. That's what I'm talking about. But yeah, that is uh, HCR 2033 in Arizona. Okay. So that, that is the mechanism that has been provided. Let's see, there was a news release on it. Let's see what that news release says, ladies and gentlemen. It says, uh, State Representative Mark Fincham has introduced uh, HCR 2033, a concurrent resolution calling for the elections of Maricopa County, Pima County, and Yuma Counties to be set aside based on clear and convincing evidence that the elections in those counties were irredeemably compromised. Fincham says, the circumstances surrounding these elections undermine voter confidence in the election system. Moreover, they ultimately translate into doubts about election integrity. The questions first raised over a year ago about the legitimacy of the 2020 general election persist. Evidence and testimony collected since November 3rd, 2020 has reached the point of clear and convincing and is now in the hands of the Arizona Attorney General for action. Citations of various elements justifying the resolution can be found in the body of the resolution. We have debunked the baseless claims narrative promoted by the propaganda pushing media and are now on the business of providing specific relief to the people. Now, the specific relief portion is very important because the specific relief is the reason why the judge in Antrim County threw the case out. He was like, well, I can't provide specific relief to the plaintiff, so uh, we're just going to dismiss the case. I'm not even going to look at the evidence. This happened in all of those cases, guys. Because you know what? I guess the judges can say, just like Robin Voss can say, well, there's nothing in the documents that say what to do. So we're just not going to do it, right? So the judge is like, well, there's no recourse. That's, there's, there's no precedence for him to, on how to give relief, right? How does one give relief to an upset constituency about an election that's gone wrong? 
He doesn't know. He can't provide relief. There's no one that told him how to. So he's just going to throw out the case. That's what happened in Antrim. So, and you see, it is, it is, it is from what happened in Antrim County that you have the legislators in Arizona know how to move next. Okay. They're like, so we're going to get this far in the courts. And then the judge is going to say, well, you have no way to provide specific relief. So I'm going to throw it out. Well, they had Antrim County. So now they are providing a pathway to give specific relief to the plaintiffs or the people. So this way, when they get to the courts and they get to that point, the judge cannot say, well, there's no way to give specific relief. I'm going to throw it out. You see, it had to be this way. Because if Trump had stayed in office back in 2021, February or January, we would have had no way to have known what the next steps would be. And so if it came up again, well, Trump's already served his two terms and now we got another deep state globalist in office and the, the vicious cycle repeats. It had to be this way so that our elections are secure 2020 and forward. Okay. So I'm very glad to know that they are looking at the next steps that they have to consider so that this way they don't get their case thrown out because they did all of that hard work and the forensic audit in Arizona for nothing because the judge was just going to throw it out anyways because they had no ways. That's what happened in Antrim. Antrim County had plenty of good evidence and they threw it out because of that exact reason. Good for you, Mark Fincham and legislators of Arizona. Uh, Fincham goes on to say, while some may say there is no valid constitutional nor statutory grounds for such an action, they clearly are disregarding longstanding jurisprudence. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution provides, in relevant part, each state shall appoint, in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct, a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. United States Constitution Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, emphasis added, the Supreme Court has described the constitutional authority of the state legislatures to determine the manner of choosing electors as plenary. The Supreme Court of the United States has even noted that Whatever provisions may be made by statute or by the state constitution to choose electors by the people, there is no doubt of the right of the legislators to resume the power at any time. And uh, some of this is coming from uh, Bush v. Gore, uh, from uh, McPherson v. Bleaker, Blecker. So these are other, other uh, court, court uh, happenings that have given them uh, some, a little bit of guidance, I guess you could say. Uh, let's see here. Fincham goes on to say, uh, one significant common law principle is the actions taken as the result of fraud or illegally illegality are void ab initio and can be rescinded. Okay, so common law principle, it might not be in your state constitution or your standard operating procedures, but common law principle says Anything, any action taken as a result of fraud or illegality, they can be rescinded. And uh, they have a case, United States versus Bradley, on that one. This principle has been applied to reverse a fraudulent election even after the election was certified and illegally certified candidate was sworn and sitting in the legislature. See Marks versus Stinson 
1994, or vacated in part or affirmed after reprimand, remand, that there is no process under current law for Arizona legislature to decertify an election. Are you listening, Robin Voss? Just, just, just change out the word, the name Arizona with Wisconsin, Robin Voss. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think these, I think a lot of these guys are networking together, which is why I can say, you know, uh, Mark Fincham knew that, uh, in, in, uh, the Antrim County or the Matt DiPerno case that they needed to have a specific relief for the plaintiff. They're all networked, so I'm sure Janelle Branchin and Tim Rantham uh, have already tuned into this letter that uh, Mark Fincham has written so that they can kind of learn the steps on where they need to go with this. Uh, but like I said, Robin Voss, if Arizona can do it, Wisconsin can do it. So uh, Fincham concludes that there is no process under current law for the Arizona legislature to decertify an election does not mean that the legislature cannot provide a remedy for outcome determinative fraud and illegality in the conduct of the election, exercising powers it has directly from Article 2 of the federal constitution. For as the Supreme Court stated in McPherson, there is no doubt of the right of the legislature to resume the power to appoint electors at any time, for it can neither be taken away nor abdicated. In the case of Maricopa, Pima, and Yuma counties, the fact that there is evidence showing illegal acts occurred, whether by intent or omission, does not matter. The margin of error exceeds the margin of victory and confidence. If we are a nation governed by the rule of law as we so often espouse, then violations of the law must have consequences. In that regard, the 2020 general election is irredeemably compromised and it is impossible to name a clear winner of the contest. God bless Mark Fincham. I don't care if Mark Fincham is palling around with Ali Akbar and, you know, Representative Gosar and their little brothels. Okay. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Right now, Fincham is doing stuff for the people and the state of Arizona and our sovereign and sacred right to vote. Okay. So, uh, very good there guys. Very good there. Okay. Uh, but, but what else then, you know? Okay. So, uh, Senate president, Karen Fan. she's praising Fincham for giving them that release. Hey, WC Cranop. Thank you for donating 460 gold pills, sir. Thank you very much. Good to see you and appreciate it. Um, so she, she's praising him, but at the same time, uh, getting back to President Trump's statement, getting back to Maricopa County, the BOSPOS, right? Um, uh, they are continuing to play this. The, they're trying to get this long game to the 2020, the 22-month marker. If they can just cross that 22-month finish line and they can delete all the data and not be held accountable by the statute of limitations to hold on to that uh, information for 22 months after an election, then they won't have to worry about it. They can rest easy at night, okay? But, uh, well, that's not, I mean, like I said, that's not the case. They are still... They are still defying subpoenas and orders and requests. So uh, this one came in on March 9th, okay? This is from the Office of the Arizona Attorney General, Solicitor's General's Office. Now, I don't know if this letter is a subterfuge or what it is, but this is what the Attorney's General Office had to say 
to the Maricopa County Recorder and the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. Apparently, they've been requesting information from them. The Attorney General's office has been requesting information from them. And uh, they haven't been responding. They have been defying the face of the law in the state of Arizona. It says, uh, this is the third request for records of information. They want voter registration records, ballot affidavit, signature batching, and renewed requests. It says, Dear Mr. Novak, the Elections Integrity Unit of the Arizona Attorney General's Office, the EIU, is in receipt of two pilot studies conducted by Dr. Shiva Ayudare, MIT PhD, that reviewed over 2,000 ballot affidavits of voters who cast ballots in Maricopa County for the 2020 statewide general election. In the study, it is alleged that over 250 of those sampled ballot affidavits contained signatures that did not appear to match the voter's signature. Notably, the pilot study compared the ballot affidavit signatures with signatures found on the publicly accessible and notarized deeds available through the Maricopa County Recorder's Office website, not against the signatures used by election officials as contained in the voters' registration records. Very interesting, guys. So, Attorney General's Office receives this report from uh, Dr. Shiva. Okay. And you guys remember Dr. Shiva did a uh, press conference uh, last month, I think at the beginning of the month, where he was talking about new findings uh, that you should that expressed concern over the legitimacy of this election in 2020. So AG's office gets it, and uh, they've already made three requests, and they've gotten no information back. Okay, uh, I guess we'll, we'll just go through a little bit of this. Uh, it's a request for voter registration records in order to accurately assess the issues raised in the report. The Election Integrity Unit hereby requests copies of the voter registration records of the people listed in the attached confidential exhibit who are purported to have signatures that did not match publicly available records. Okay, so they want that. Uh, let's see what else they want. They want uh, a request for documentation and communications regarding ballot affidavit signature batching. Furthermore, in reviewing the responses to the Election Integrity Unit's previous request for records, the document entitled EV17 SIGVER Standard Work Signature Verification VRAS High and Low Confidence.PDF Confidence Manager and Audit. Oh, wait, wait, sorry indicates that the uh, MCRO employees will have four options when reviewing signatures, high confidence, low confidence, manager, and audit, and that the user is to select the mode as directed by the supervisor. However, in careful review of the documents disclosed to the EIU, there are no written procedures describing how signatures are batched and specifically what constitutes high or low confidence in signatures. So then they will have information that they need to provide based on that. They were not given any direction about how to do their job. So how did they do their job? Renewed request for public records. In the EIU's October 7th second request for information, the EIU requested all written procedures, policies, guidelines, and manuals, excluding the 2019 elections procedure and the related addendum, used by Maricopa County to conduct the 2020 general election, whether official or unofficial, whether issued or written by a Maricopa County or another county agency, vendor, or third party, 
including the original and subsequent updates to those documents. Based on our initial review of the materials submitted to the EIU on or after February 1st, 2022, the EIU was unable to locate a number of policies referenced within the documents provided and known to exist from prior litigation. Uh, specifically, the document entitled VR001, Voters Unable to Mark uh, to make a mark final.pdf references ballot curing procedures des designated as policy EV001. The EIU was unable to find policy EV001 within the document set, nor were we able to find any documents purporting to be policies that use that numbering system. Although the disclosures included EV EV1 and a series of documents thereafter, EV1 is the UOCAVA process guides the Yokava, and does not appear to be a policy related to curing procedures. In fact, no documents describe policies on how to cure inconsistent or missing signatures. Instead, there are technical documents on how to use the signature verification program, scripts for calling individuals whose ballots were identified as having signatures that were inconsistent with the signature on file, and signature verification training materials. But there are no policies that resemble the policy referenced in VR001, nor any policy number EV001. So, a good question, Karen Fan. What are they hiding? Are they hiding the fact that they are making up documents and standard operating procedures and rules and regulations and there's nothing to support that? They're just putting it on paper? Kind of like all of these... Uh, Ballots that dropped in the middle of the night, there's no voter to support that. But as long as you have the election rigging information center, and as long as you have, uh, as long as you have dirty voter rolls, don't worry, we'll find someone to match that ballot, right? They are, uh, they are, they are, they are just, uh, they're really hoping that they'll get away with no one noticing what they're doing. And uh, I don't think that they've, uh, I don't think that they expected America to be awake, honestly, is what I think. I really don't think they expected America to be awake. Last statement from President Trump, ladies and gentlemen. This one coming from the 18th of March, and it's exactly on top of Arizona. It saith here, and I state, When is the Attorney General of Arizona going to rule on all of the election fraud and large-scale election irregularities that wait before him. People want to know whether or not Attorney General Brnovich is up to doing the right thing, or is it just politics as usual? As an example, the strongly Trump-endorsed Carrie Lake, who is running for governor, has made the fraudulent 2020 election a primary part of her campaign. She is leading massive numbers over her weak rhino competitors. This is both the issue of the day and the crime of the century. And now, on top of everything else, it was just announced by the New York Times that they, in collusion with other fake news media, covered up the Hunter Biden crime story prior to the elections. A 15-point difference. Wow. What a country. What a country indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, 
What a country indeed. So, we here at the sleeping, or the sleeping, we here at the Sea Report have referred to uh, A.G. Brnovich as the sleeping bear. Since day one. We were hoping if you poked him enough, he might actually get up and do something. Well, I hope that my reality was not painting and projecting the worlds because he has been just that. He has been the sleeping bear. He has done absolutely nothing. And I keep on good faith and repose, trying not to slam into this sleeping bear, okay? Trying to give this man the benefit of the doubt, all right? And, uh, you know, because, because, because when you have an active and an ongoing investigation, as America and the world was re-educated about during President Trump's optically seen time in office, you never leak the details of your investigation. So it could be, just look at John Durham, right? I mean, do you think that this man, Attorney General Brnovich, is... Uh, you know, espousing to be like Durham? Do you think that he, uh, do you think that he looks up to John Durham as his role model on how to uh, lay down a whopper on ne'er-do-wells and illegal, uh, illegal spirited individuals? Maybe. I mean, that's what I was saying. I was like, okay, okay, Bernovich. You might not have done anything, but play with your nunchucks and go fishing. But Let's give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you're running this the proper way without leaking, without being a, a showboat and getting in the media and be like, I'm talking about the Arizona elections and uh, we're going to look at the certification. We're going to arrest people. Telegraphing your moves, Mark Bernovich. You're not doing that, but are you doing anything? Okay. <sighs> I just don't understand how this man hopes to win an election for Senate. For the United States Congress, if he does not pull through, come through on this election matter, legal matter in his home state. I don't know how he hopes to take a seat in office in the hallowed halls of Washington, D.C. if he cannot execute election integrity and arrest the people that need to be arrested. Because we're waiting, Brnovich. I know we're still waiting on the Splunk Logs. I know we're still waiting on the routers. I know Maricopa County, we just read the letter from your office, says three times the charm, and they still have not delivered the information that you need to uh, complete your investigation. So hopefully that letter was a signal that he's doing something. But we have to take a look at the background as well, ladies and gentlemen. We have to. And it's not to say that there is guilt by association. He could be, uh, he could be embedded. He could be, uh, you know, uh, um, he could be a, a spy or something like that, right? He could be. But uh, this article came to our attention some weeks ago. And that is uh, uh, Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich 
caught hanging out with Maricopa County recorder that he should have prosecuted. Now, this is I live in denial with my comb over former Maricopa County recorder, uh, was it Richter? Steven, is it Stephen Richter? I think his name is Stephen Richter, right? Stephen Richter, right? Now, guys, I love the shape of my skull, so please don't criticize me for calling this man out on his comb over. He's clearly leaving. He's clearly living in denial. Okay, we've seen photos. We've seen the photos, Richard. Get over it. Trim your hair. Cut it or shave it, my friend. That looks terrible. Okay, right? Okay, right. I used to have a comb over. Okay, so Arizona A.G. Brnovich failed to prosecute Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richard. Now, Stephen Richer, who ran on a platform against, uh, was it uh, Fontes? I think it was Fontes. The former uh, Maricopa County um, recorder there, Adrian Fontes, right? That he was going to be, uh, he was going to be uh, transparent and he was going to be lawful. But most importantly, he was going to be boring, right? That was Stephen Richer's platform when he went in to be Maricopa County uh, supervi- um, recorder. And, and he was among the worst at obfuscating and uh, pushing back on information that they needed. This man took a tour of all of the local Arizona news agencies just talking about the big lie and, and how stupid the forensic audit was in Arizona and how it would never amount to everything Stephen Richer, okay? Should have been prosecuted. They called for the Arizona Senate called for him and the other members of the Board of Supervisors to be jailed for defying legal subpoenas issued by the Arizona Senate. So apparently, I mean, this could be a conflict of interest here, right? Someone who's supposed to be investigating this individual is hanging out with the individual. I once heard a funny story about a drug dealer who was on probation and when he was going to make a deal, it was his probation officer that was making the purchase. This is kind of the same situation here, Mr. Burnovich. <laughs> what oh Okay, let's see what this says. So it says, uh, A.G. Burnovich was uh, hanging out with Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richer. Richer's office held up the Arizona audit last August by defying subpoenas from the AZ Senate for routers and administrative passwords. Instead, a source tells Big League Politics that Brnovich was spotted hanging out with Richer at a backroom political club called the Teneo Network. Where have we heard Teneo from before, ladies and gentlemen? For some reason, when I think about Teneo, I think about Blackberry, I think about Obama and Clinton and Biden and Epstein. That's who I think about when I hear the name Teneo, okay? So very interesting. They have a Teneo network in Arizona. And if you look at this photo carefully, it seems like Brnovich has got some emphatic information to share with these people. Right? Look at that. They caught him in an... This is, this is the sleeping bear in action in an action photo, right? His hands are moving, right? Yeah. So that's that. It says here, Brnovich is currently running for U.S. Senate in Arizona, but he has been derelict in his duties of prosecuting fraud in the 2020 election. 
Uh, let's see here. Paul Gosar says, we need to demand the attorney general indict, follow through with the audit. He's running for the U.S. Senate. Why not make him do his job? Make it conditional on that. And they should. Uh, regarding uh, the former Maricopa County um, recorder, Stephen Richer, Arizona governor candidate Carrie Lake recently said he doesn't care about election integrity. He only cares about making it easier to cheat. Uh, Brnovich went last year viral for playing with a pair of nunchucks in a video he posted to Twitter instead of prosecuting Maricopa election elections officers like Richer, who were illegally withholding evidence of fraud in 2020 election. The attorney general of Arizona has shown contempt for the people of the state, refusing to investigate or prosecute the illegal withholding of evidence of fraud in the 2020 election. The Maricopa County recorder refused to comply with Senate subpoenas demanding evidence of the fraud. Instead, the two appear to hang out with each other behind closed doors. Arizona voters should clean house. Yes, that's Mike Lindell. So, very interesting. So this was from uh, Big League Politics. We got the sleeping bear hanging out with the comb over. Uh, this next article is from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, it talks about who this Teneo Network is. Okay, so let's dig a little bit deeper into the fat here. It gets juicy. Teneo Network, FDD, Coke, and Bill Crystal. Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich caught hanging out with hashtag never Trumpers at secret Arizona gathering. Now, do you guys think that this spells the writing is on the wall for Mark Brnovich? Do you, do you think that this information could suggest the trajectory that Brnovich is going to take? Do you think that Brnovich is going to allow the Maricopa County to ride out the 22 months? We're getting pretty close, guys. We're getting pretty close to that 22-month mark. We're getting damn close to that 22-month mark, guys. We're getting uncomfortably close. Uncomfortably close. It, I mean, could be, guys. It could be. Let's see. It says here, uh, the Gateway Pundit received exclusive access to the Teneo Digest on Teneo Network's invite-only Substack page. Um, it says here, the, the gathering, as pictured here, and uh, this is Stephen Richer with the comb-over right here. Okay. All right. So it says, uh, the, this gathering took place at Teneo affiliate and Arizona State University law professor Ilan Werman's home. The Gateway Pundit previously reported on the Marxist indoctrination camp called Arizona State University. It appears that another ASU professor and Foundation for Defense of Democracies advisor, David Kilcullen, is in attendance. Both are to the left of Mark Burnovich. So David Kilcullen, they look like foppy little soy boys and they probably kiss each other. And uh, who's the other one? Ilan Werman. Oh, wait, to the left. My bad. <laughs> that's them over here. I was looking at, sorry, that's, that's, their, that's my left, not his. My bad. Forgive me, uh, soppy little soy boys. Okay, you still probably kiss each other. According to the Teneo webpage, uh, Teneo calls itself a civic and social organization based in Austin, Texas. It appears to be quite an exclusive group. On their Substack page, Teneo advertises and encourages members to apply for the Foundation for Defense of Democracy's Media Fellows Program. Alliance for Justice reports that since 2010, Teneo has received at least $250,000 from the Koch Donor Advised Fund Donors Trust. Uh, 
News articles on the Foundation for Defense of Democracy's website refer to the historic January 6th false flag riots, rally, and march on the nation's capital. It says, the January 6th mob assault on Congress and the stain on the image of American democracy. The January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol by supporters of former President Donald Trump. And the January 6th U.S. Capitol insurrection. Another FDD article says Trump's term in office will forever be defined by the terrible events of January 6th. Nothing will change that, not even the truth, according to them. As a matter of fact, never Trumper Bill Crystal sits on the board advisors of FDD. The Gateway Pundit reported that Crystal is leading an effort to stop election integrity efforts. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com. That's www.thecreport.com. And be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pill.net. And cover up the fraudulent 2020 election with rhinos in Maricopa County. Vocal Never Trumper Ben Shapiro is also part of this secretive group. Oh, he's the fast talker, isn't he? The Teneo Digest on November 20th contains a photo of a private backyard meeting between Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich and others. This could be a campaign stop, but a closer look at the bottom right of the image will show what appears to be the unmistakable, unmistakable clown hair of Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richer. I was right! It's the unmistakable clown hair of Stephen Richer. Right, that one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't see one any further down than that, right? Everyone else's crown is pretty full of hair, right? Okay. Anyways, all right. So I just, I stand vindicated. Okay. Anyways, so uh, it says here, there is an open criminal investigation into the stolen 2020 election and the 2020 elections officials, or at least we think there is. Although Stephen Richer was not the acting county recorder until January 2021, the cover-up is worse than the crime, and it certainly appeared to us that Richard was fully committed to covering it up. Mark Brnovich is supposed to be investigating these people, not drinking beers and winning their votes, because after all, he needs to get his money from somewhere, and it looks like he knows where to go. The Gateway Pundit reported that Stephen Richard ran on exposing former recorder Adrian Fontes' criminal actions. Is Attorney General Brnovich, the sleeping bear, taking this investigation seriously? Why is Mark Brnovich hanging out with never Trumpers and possible witnesses in election fraud investigations? After multiple attempts to reach the office and media contacts of Brnovich and Richer and multiple direct messages on Twitter, the Gateway Pundit correspondent Jordan Connardson tweeted at the two for comment on this backyard meetup. Still, no answers have been given. So uh, I guess we'll have to see where this goes for uh, A.G. Brnovich, guys. He very well could be. He very well could be. I mean, the, the Gateway Pundit's right. He is probably uh, 
making a campaign stop on the way to the U.S. Senate. That's what this seems like to me. If I had to go by my gut feeling, I would say that's exactly what this is to me. But as per the usual, ladies and gentlemen, we will keep you guys abreast on uh, the information that we find, okay? We've been following this story since day one, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Sea Report. Uh, we've been following election fraud and integrity measures closely here at the Sea Report, ladies and gentlemen, as this is one of the primary stories that I feel, at least in my curatorial powers of headlines and uh, current events, that we should be paying attention to. Because think about it, guys. What do they keep saying about Ukraine and Russia? It's serving as a big distraction. A distraction from what? From how bad Joe Biden's record is in uh, in regards to the way he's been running this country. The way his shadow, his shadow government, his administration has been running this uh, government or this country. Uh, 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 could they be that they, they, they're trying to distract us from the, the god-awful truth? of the uh of the uh hunter biden laptop from hell because let me tell you what if they can kick up ukraine and russia a notch oh it's gonna do it's gonna serve its purpose right there's gonna be a cyber attack there's gonna be 10 days of darkness it's gonna be the russians so this way no one can get information about hunter biden's laptop from hell oh boy that is an oldie but a goodie ladies and gentlemen an oldie but a goodie. Someone was like, why don't you adjust that to say 2024? 20, because you know why? I don't have any amount of expectations. I've learned a long time ago. Don't have expectations. They will always defy your expectations. And that's quite all right. Got nothing wrong with that. But uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be 2024. I think it's going to be sooner than that. It might be a day before 2024, but it will still be before then. I don't think that um, I don't think that the uh, the deep state globalists, uh, transhumanist uh, pedophiles. I don't think that the Satanists. I don't think that they have that much lifespan left. You know. So anyhow, guys, welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. Thank you for uh, that brief uh, intermission, ladies and gentlemen. As we get into the second and final half of our show, half I said. Because I know this is going to take some time, guys. So uh, uh, what we're about to cover. Uh, this is The C Report. I am your host, Michael Aaron Cossidis, otherwise known as Mr. C. You're watching us on Mr. C Channel or Mr. C TV on platforms such as the foxhole.apphill.net, uh, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Rumble. If you have any or all accounts on any or all of those platforms, please, by all means... Hit that subscribe button. Hit that follow button. Hit, uh, they don't have notif the, the, the bell. No, that's, that's just Susan Tube, right? Anyways, subscribe, follow, share the links, let everyone know about the show. And then, of course, if you are with us on the live stream or you're catching a replay, by all means, uh, find our podcast, The Sea Report. Uh, we are housed over at anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. Whom I might add, they just demonetized us. But, you know, the more people listen to the show, the better we'll deal with that. To kind of get it out there, it's uh, anchor.fm slash the C report. And uh, when you do that, ladies and gentlemen, you can take the C report on the go. 
You can catch all of our uh, all of our episodes for the Sea Reports there, and uh, you can also get other episodes from other shows that we produce here at Mr. C TV, including Lone Star News, which is uh, Texas news and current events, as well as Mr. C in the Dark, which is a late night talk show, news show, fun show that's a lot more casual than the Sea Report, and uh, you'll get those if you subscribe or follow our podcast as well. Uh, yeah, and uh, don't forget, guys, if you would like to check out uh, thecreport.com, we've got a lot of information over there. Uh, we got a blog, we've got a mailing list, uh, you can get access to previous episodes, uh, you can find out where to listen to our, um, listen to our and or see our show news updates. Uh, we also just opened, we just launched a store, uh, the, the uh, Mr. CTV, I guess, uh, boutique. <laughs> If you want to call it that, the Mr. C TV boutique, where you can get yourself Mr. C apparel, home goods, and uh, other things for your uh, self to enjoy. Right. I, I might add we have a uh, um, everything turns to shit limited edition woke General Victoria Victoria Mark Millie mug. Currently, I don't know how long we're gonna have that one for, but I would recommend you guys if you uh, if you want a mug that commemorates. Woke General Victoria Mark Milley and uh, his wokeness and it turning to shit. We've got a coffee mug right for you guys. And you guys will love it in all of its lipstick and press-on nail glory. Go and check it out. TheCReport.com. Upper right-hand corner. Click on store and it'll take you right to it. And you can check it out there. And you will be supporting the show if you do that. Since we don't do sponsors, I figured uh, I figured I would cave and uh, offer some type of merchandise for the uh, listeners and the viewers. I've been requesting it for quite some time. The underoos and the hole puncher we're working on, ladies and gentlemen. I promise. Skeeterberg just asked, "Does the boutique carry underoos?" We're working on it, Skeeterberg. I promise you. I promise you. Okay. Hey Sonia JHC, hey Two Rivers, hey Bubbles, hey uh, Slug Trail. Good evening, good to see you guys. Welcome into the chat room. Hey Persnick, what's up? Glad you guys are joining us here on this evening of evenings at this moment of moments. Uh, if you've been with us since the jump, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are entering hour number three here at the Sea Report on this Monday night, March 21st, 2022. We're doing a little bit of an extended report tonight because we were off the last two Sea uh, Report business days. And uh, so it's just that's just the flow of the go, ladies and gentlemen. If you're here for it, I'm here for it, okay? And we are currently live right now. It's uh, 10.43 p.m. Central Time. Texas time is what I like to say. Uh, But we've been talking all about election integrity, election fraud, the elections, period, this entire night of night so far. We had a whole great lineup of Trump statements that came out within the last week and a half to two weeks, uh, a week and a half, uh, where President Trump was talking about uh, uh, things that are related to this topic. Very, very important, guys. Our vote is not just our voice or our choice. It is literally representative of our freedom, of our God-given freedom. Okay, it's literally representative of our ability to be free. 
so, 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 so much more than what people make it out to be. It's so much more than that, you know? A very smart woman once said that the American vote is the most coveted thing in this world, on this planet. It's the most coveted item by any human being on this planet, okay? And that very smart woman I am uh, paraphrasing slash quoting, we'll talk about her a little bit later on tonight. But it is, if you think about it, the most coveted item on this planet is our vote because our vote is representative of our freedom. It's representative, it's symbolic, That is what that represents, our freedom. But in order for that vote to continue to represent that freedom, we must have a process that has integrity, it is transparent, it is accurate, and it is devoid of fraud and bad, uh, bad actions. Because if our process of voting is defiled, our freedom is defiled. And if our freedom is defiled in time, we are no longer free. That's why they have this phrase, well, we're free on paper. Why do they say that? They say we're free on paper because the powers that be, the globalists, the deep staters, the new world order, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them, They have not managed to regulate and overwrite our electoral process. They've been trying. Every time those rascally Democrats pass an HR1 or something to that effect, they are trying to take our electoral process away from us. The founding fathers, the framers of our Constitution, those who worked on this, gave the power of regulating and declaring anything with elections back to the states. They understood that elections were probably not something that should be centralized and the power of it going to one central entity. Why is that? Because then, uh, you know, they they say, oh, uh, um, um, consistent regulation throughout all things is the best thing to do. You know, so everyone is the same, right? No. I mean, you know, uh, everyone's different from sea to shining sea, right? From amber waves of grain up to the Purple Mountain's majesty. You're going to have something different that will require a specificity for that region. Uh, uh, A number for that population, okay? That, that they will need to have that ability to adjust in that respective state. Aside from that, if you gave central control on elections to an overlording, uh, you know, tyrant, there's no telling what could happen, right? But they've been trying to do that. The uh, Democrats, the progressives, the socialists, the communists, they've been trying to do that for a number of years, but none so much more. Then after the 2020 election, where they narrowly got back into the castle, right? We, the American people, had a reprieve between 2016 and 2020 with a man like, a human like Donald Trump in office. One whom you can say as much as you want to about him, okay? 
But if you look at his track record, and if you look at what it did, and who it stood in defiance of, and what regulations it defied, and everything it defied, ruined, destroyed, and then rebuilt, you cannot deny that this man was onto something. That maybe this man is not beholden to anyone above him. And uh, he, was truly, uh, he was truly not part of the club. That infamous, God forbidding, so to speak, George Carlin club that none of us are invited to. So uh, they ha- we had a reprieve for those four years. Can you imagine, guys, the, the globalist deep state people were doing such a job on this country and they had to do it in such a way that neither legislators would notice and or act on it and that the people would not notice, period. Took them, it took them 250 plus years to get where they are today, okay? It took the globalist, deep state, whatever you want to call these people, 250 plus years to get where they are today. And Donald Trump ruined it for them in four years. In four years, he destroyed everything that they were doing. So much so that to the point that when they managed to hijack the office of the presidency, they had to go into ultra super obnoxious clown mode and destroy the country in a manner of years. Well, who was it? Was it the Nicaraguan president? Was it the president of Nicaragua? There was a, there was a Central American or South American president. I think it was Nicaragua, if I'm not mistaken. This is a recent headline. A recent headline. Let me see if I, can, if I can't uh, pull that up for reference real quick. But this president from another country... Oh, I, I take it back. It's the El Salvadoran president. I found it. El Salvadoran president, Naib Bukele, okay? The El Salvadoran president made a statement. Now, I guess that was either today or yesterday. But he made a statement and it caused everyone's ears to perk up. Like they're like, huh? Did that guy just say what I've been thinking, but haven't managed to find the words to put to it or even the presence of mind? The El Salvadoran president, President Bukele, and I'm probably not pronouncing his name right, but he is a handsome man. He said that uh, the United States of America cannot be destroyed so quickly unless the enemy is from within. That's coming from the president of El Salvador. Okay. Such wise words for such a young leader, right? But he just, he just pointed out the, uh, he just pointed out the sleeping Brnovich in the room. He just pointed out the giant bear, the big elephant, the, the rhino, the hippo, whatever. There's a great big fire right there in front of you and it's in the room and it's burning. He pointed out the obvious when no one else was saying, because we have always known, you know, we have always known that once Biden got back in, he was going to destroy everything that President Trump did. And that is part of the strategy, I believe, 
on why the Trump administration did what it did as quick as it did and the moves that it made. Because they were able to show we the people and much more so the sleeping Americans how it could be. Gas at $2 or less? What? Jobs returning? What? Inflation down? Huh? No war? No conflicts? Helped us all to remember, at least on some level, what it was like to be confident on the world stage and in our lives. Oh, this is what is well, this is what it is like when you have a leader that's confident and does what's right by the people. You feel good. You act good. Yeah, but they brought in Joe Biden. By design, ladies and gentlemen. You heard you heard Barry Sotero, Barack Obama. Never underestimate Joe's ability to TSU, tear shit up. No. To ruin things, to mess things up. That's what he said. By design. Uh, Joe Biden is clearly the fall man, right? They're like, we're going to put you in there for four years if you make it. You're going to undo everything, take all of the blame, and you'll go down in history a second to Jimmy Carter. No, first to, yeah, to Jimmy Carter, right? Or something like that. Like, yeah, that, that's about where that's going to be. Like, you know, it'll be you and Jimmy. They already tried to spin that yarn, right? But like President Trump said, uh, Jimmy Carter mishandled crisis, but Joe Biden, he created the crisis. So there is a big difference there, you know? There is a big difference, Right there and in that. But anyhow, ladies and gentlemen, as we've uh, been going on and on and on about tonight's episode, uh, talking about more more stories about election integrity, election fraud, um, the 2020 theft elections, how we're going to fix those matters. That, this has been coming on all fronts, okay? This has been coming on all fronts. This is how it had to be for the best to come. And it's yet to come. But it had to be this way first, guys. It had to be this way. Okay? So, election integrity and the revealing of the fraud that took place in the 2020 election has been a work in progress. Okay? It has been a work in progress. It's not been anything easy. What it has done for us, we the people, has illustrated really what lawfare looks like. It's given us an understanding of what they mean by the long game. Okay, and you could say the long game is something like, oh, you know, yeah, justice takes time. The wheels of justice are slow to turn. You could say something like that, right? But if you want to put it in literal, tangible, empirical terms, think about the jurisdictional system as being the long game, right? And why are we doing it that way? Because just as the same reason that, uh, you know, uh, bad actors or people with maleficence are when it comes to the law, they don't want you to go to the courts. They don't want you to go into litigation. Because when you do that, It enters into a system that becomes empirical and unquestionable and documented, okay? It enters into the books of history, into the ranks of of, um, reasonable and reliable memory. There's precedence for it, right? 
So, the long game is literally that. Now, we're beyond a point as a civilization at just, you know, throwing bombs and shooting guns and arrows and rocks at each other, okay? A wise woman once said, we are in a civilized revolution. And we'll talk about that wise woman in just a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. We are in a civilized revolution, okay? The, the revolution will not be televised, but it will be streamed. Okay, there's that little piece of a ditty for you, right? The revolution will not be televised, but it will be streamed. Do you know why the revolution will not be televised? Because they're going to censor that. And I think we're seeing that today. But it will be streamed because we are here right now, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I'll, I'll, make, a, I'll, make, a, I'll make a mug that says that, Okay. The revolution will not be televised, but it will be streamed, okay? Because it is. We are living through a civilized revolution. We have a pathway of nonviolence through litigation. It might take forever and a day, but it is there for us. And so as long as uh, the bad guys don't get uh, too ravenous in that corner they're backed into, then perhaps we can follow through with this path. And we won't have to subjugate ourselves to Minutemen militias blowing up buildings and fighting the enemy in a kinetic war. We've come so far at this point without drawing a weapon, without, uh, uh, um, without shedding blood. And I mean, I mean in mass. I don't mean, yes, there have been victims on both sides along the way. The Tree of Liberty has been watered through and through, ladies and gentlemen. But what I'm saying is that, you know, it's why I say I'm so proud of the patriots and the Americans right now, because we have come this far, whether they realize it or not, we have come this far without getting a Minutemen militia together and just, we're going to go to, you know, I mean, that's what they tried to say the January 6th false flag riot was, okay? They tried to say the January 6th false flag riot was like a Minutemen militia going up and saying, we're done with this. We're going to shoot you all and kill you all and take over the government because America, right? That's what they wanted that to be painted into the minds of all the sleeping Americans and the zombies out there and the leftists and the progressives, the communists, the socialists. That is the picture that January 6th false flag riot was supposed to paint in their minds, It did not work because there were already so many people awake. It couldn't hold its ground. It just bounced right off of us. We're like, what? Really? I mean, come on. There's like, what? Nigh on 2 million people there. I mean, that's pretty 100th monkey syndrome if you ask me. But let me uh, let me move away from that. Right. So um, that was that was that was their whole point to it, guys. That was their whole point to it. That was what it was supposed to be represented. But I'm so proud of us because we haven't done that yet. We haven't, we have, we have not gotten so desperate that we're just going to draw our ammunitions and bear our arms and go out there and say, we're taking our government back, right? We're, we're, we're going down this course. They want to play the long game. They took 250 years to conquer this country. Oh, well, I think we can, I think we can invest a few years or, you know, more into it, guys, without sinking to their level. 
Look at the example of President Trump in four years. Not a single war started, not uh, as, as little bloodshed as possible, and definitely no American lives lost. That is the reason why President Trump decided to gracefully leave office and fly off. And if you guys saw President Trump's last speech... As he was about to board uh, the helicopter to Air Force One or whatever, his last speech he gave as the uh, as the optically in White House president on January twentieth, two thousand twenty-one. That last speech he gave, I'll never forget it. You could see it in his eyes. Even before he said, but he will be back. He turns away and he looks back at the audience and you can see it in his eyes. There's just the slightest, slightest, slightest sense of fear. Because that's the gamble right there. That is President Trump standing at the craps table. Blow on this for me, please. Blow on this. Blow on these dice for me. Because he knew that once he was out of the office, at least as far as optics are concerned, it could really go any way. But he had to walk on faith and trust that we, the American people, would take care of business in his absence, optically speaking. So that this way his team could come around from the backside and bring it home. And it feels like we're right there, guys. It feels like we're right there. But I'll never forget it, guys. I could see it in his eyes. He knew this is that moment where we're going to see. Like, we could really lose it here. We could lose it all right here and now. The military did not drop out of the sky. They did not arrest these people for this fake coup. I mean, this fake, uh, fake um, inauguration and this coup of our country. They didn't do any of that. It had to be this way. But, but even if the Trump administration had something planned behind the scenes, he still knew it could really go south from here. It could really go south from here. He knew it. I could see it in his eyes. I saw it. It was just for like an instant towards the end of his speech. He turned away and looked back and you could see it in his eyes. He was afraid. And I'm not saying he's afraid, but I'm just, he acknowledged the fact that there's a possibility that things could not go the way that it is planned and or the way that they are going to try and make it to be. And I I never, that is one moment I have never forgotten. And that is actually one of the moments that keeps me going because uh, I don't want to let the man down. I don't want to let the man down, you know? It's why I'm doing what I do, okay? It's not for me, it's for him. (laughs) I don't have a, I don't have a future progeny to speak of either. So, uh, you know, it's for y'all. But, um... With that in mind, guys, everything has gone the way that it needs to be for a reason. Okay, we've, we've heard that time and again. And the long game as it stands through litigation and through this entire process that we have experienced. And, and you know, guys, I understand that if you're listening to my show or if you're even me, 
we're really living, you know, vicariously through the lives of patriots and heroes who are on the ground doing the work, okay? I'm not filing lawsuits, okay? I'm not going over there. I mean, you know, I write my, I write my representatives. I talk to them, whatever, you know. Uh, I do what I can with the elections, but I, I'm not filing affidavits, okay? So, so, you know, through this current events and news show that I do, we're living vicariously through the lives of these American heroes. These people who are unsung for now, okay? They're unsung for now. But, you know, that's why we also follow these stories. Election integrity and the fraud, the theft, the obvious theft of the 2020 elections will go down in history. It will, this is history right now, okay? As we live and breathe, we are experiencing a moment in time that will forever be recorded and remembered as long as our species is alive on this planet, as long as the United States of America is still around, okay? This moment in time is being gelled, solidified, a marker in the history of a group of people that called themselves American citizens in this country, on this nation, under our flag. And so that's why we cover it incessantly. Even if it's the smallest update, we need to talk about it because we're on a path that has never been laid before. Ladies and gentlemen, we're on the pathway that has never been laid before, okay? That's why President Trump had that look in his eyes, because he knew we were entering into unmarked territory, that we were traveling down an unknown path. And it is only by faith that we will get to the promised land, we will get to the end, that we will, we will see the prize that we have been fighting for, struggling for, praying for the entire time. No other time in history has been like this, ladies and gentlemen. No other time in history. No other decade. No other century. The last time it was like this was during the American Revolution, guys. When, when our country was founded is the last time we had this kind of energy, that we had this kind of integrity and light and, and intellect to see, to act, to believe. That's the last time. So, these stories are very important to us. Now, let's talk about why I've got Sisa, Sisa, on the screen, okay? This is going to go into the rest of the story now. We've been talking about uh, the 2020 elections, the long game, lawfare, litigation, all that good stuff, okay? All that good stuff. Why it takes us so long for justice to, uh, the wheels of justice to turn. Why it takes so long to get justice served nice and hot on your plate at the table. I told you why it's taken justice so long to get served. Because they're backed up in the kitchen and the line's out the door and the cooks cannot keep up with the orders. That's why justice is taking so long to be served. Be patient. You read the reviews. Right? You saw the cars in the parking lot. It's going to be worth it. Okay? The dish will be as good as they promised you it would be. But, um, 
Okay, so we talked about Arizona and Wisconsin, right? They're my top two for decertification at the moment, right? Go to thecreport.com. Go look at the leaderboard, the All-American Race to Decertify. Who will be first, right? Let's make a competition out of it. Why not? Let's make it fun. Let's make it fun. Will it be Wisconsin or will it be Arizona or will there be a dark horse coming out of nowhere? And who could that dark horse be? South Carolina, New Hampshire, California, New Mexico. Who will be the first to decertify? Well, um, the other thing about it is, guys, as I was saying, they've, we've, we've come at it from so many ways. If 2020 hadn't happened, and I'm talking about, of course, the coup of our government, the takeover by an illegitimate regime, we wouldn't have seen all of this that we're seeing now on this path to uh, taking back our republic from the immediate threat of the Biden regime, which is, uh, you know, on the surface, uh, a threat that's deeply embedded in our country, probably since day one. We're talking about the globalists who control him, the, uh, the uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, New World Order, Illuminati, globalists, they're the deep staters, you want to call them the Khazarians, whatever you want to call them. The, the royal bloodlines, I don't care what, whatever you want to call them. These are all the same people. Satanists, pedophiles, they're all the same people. They're all the same people who are doing this to our country. They're doing it to the rest of the world, okay? So, because President Trump took a step back, and because we have this clown in office destroying our country as it is, and because we have a population of people who are awake and active, we have been able to see everything that we need to see, know, learn, record, and uh, archive about election theft. We've been able to see all of that, guys. We are privileged to know what we know about election theft and election fraud because it had to happen this way so that your elections from 2020 and on would be secure. That's why. As we've covered here at the Sea Report, and many other people have, but not enough people have, from Arizona, Maricopa County, to Antrim County, Michigan, to Wyndham in New Hampshire, to uh, what's happening, Otero County, New Mexico now, right? Right now, okay? To, uh, to Wisconsin, okay? To California, right? In Santa Barbara, okay? To South Carolina, right? Okay? To Texas, right? Who am I missing? Pennsylvania. Fulton County, Pennsylvania, Right? We have seen these stories of election fraud surface. When President Trump lost the election on coup night, 3 November, his legal team went to work, okay? They had options. They had options. From what I've heard from first-hand accounts, they had options. Were they going to attack, legally speaking, through litigation, through lawfare, were they going to attack six counties where there was obvious theft? Were they going to go after multiple counties to try and cover this theft? Were they going to present information and affidavits? Were they going to open up ballot boxes and have a count? What were they going to do? 
Ultimately, they cited the six. They had Nevada, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and I'm missing one. But nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, nevertheless, I'm going to want to remember that now, but anyways, that's okay. That's okay. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. It's my mind's apart. Okay. But as I was saying, they chose to go to these six different counties, the states, okay, to handle their litigation, to show the fraud. They had affidavits, thousands of affidavits. And what happens? The judges dismiss the cases. Why? Technicalities. They're, Arizona, thank you. I'm so dumb. Arizona, duh. Um, uh, thank you, uh, Nana Mary, 1957. Good to see you, ma'am. But um, they had no standing, right? Judges, the judges throw out all of the cases without looking at the evidence, which opens up the doors for all of the lefty, progressive, socialist, liberal, left-leaning liberals to say, there's no such thing as election fraud. There's never been a such thing as election fraud. They couldn't prove there was a such thing as election fraud. It's a big lie. And why is that again? May I remind you? How to, uh, to load your informational ammunition? Oh, yeah. They never found evidence because the judges dismissed the cases without looking at the evidence. A technicality. Same thing that happened in Nantrum County. The judge didn't look at the evidence because there was no way to, uh, there was no way to uh, offer any relief to the plaintiff. That the judge could see because there was no precedence because he couldn't figure it out himself because there was no state law that gave them a recourse to a fraudulent election. So where do I get the relief from? Let's just throw it out. Woo. Save my deep state uh, judge's butt. I don't have to worry. I'm, whoever came up with this is brilliant. No relief. Let's just throw out the case. It's, uh, it's unrealistic. We're not even going to look at the evidence and we'll be able to keep the big lie going that there was no election evidence fraud found because they could not submit it to a court where it became on record, became documented, and became uh, with precedence. We couldn't be, well, you remember the case where this evidence was suggested? There is evidence. It really, really helped the train, the Trump, uh, the never Trumpers, the everyone, it helped anyone who stood, stood opposed to president Trump. Okay. It helped them. So that happens, right? Uh, we have, um, in this instance here, getting into tonight's story, uh, the, uh, dominion voting election system or elections voting system, right? You have these guys and, and now we, we, you guys all know, if you've you followed these things, these stories, this knowledge, this information stream uh, about the, the histories, the origins of like Dominion and Smartmatic and Sequoia and Heart InterCivic, you know, uh, a lot of information since 2020 uh, has come out about that. But a lot of information was also out there prior to that, as we've covered here at the Sea Report. I mean, as far back as like 2004, okay? Uh, because that's when they were really, they, I mean, the uh, elected representatives, officials, investigators, etc., were kind of wondering, like, uh, it seems like there could be some kind of, uh, you know, uh, 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 voter fraud that could be happening with these electronic machines, right? And because of that, well, I mean, the case 
continues to grow. All right. To finally, we get to the point of 2020. We stand where we stand. Okay. Dominion goes out on this huge, uh, you know, litigation spree. Starts lawfaring with everybody under the sun that ever said the name Dominion. Okay. But I mean, we all know more specifically Mike Lindell, Fox News, Newsmask, The Epoch Times. There were, a, there were a whole lot more. I mean, there was like something like 20 lawsuits, I think, or more that Dominion had put out. You know, let's not forget, uh, let's not forget Sidney Powell, right? Also a big contender for tonight's story, Sidney Powell. So... Oh, oh, and, and just not to forget this Cyber Infrastructure Security Administration, CISA, right? That was created as uh, under the wing of the Department of Homeland Security that was created by President Trump to ensure that we had the most secure and safe elections. That was their job. Chris Krebs was the original, what, uh, CEO, president, founder, whatever, uh, boss of CISA. Um, they, they come around. This is, a, this is a Trump-created department in Homeland Security Agency, CISA, okay? So we had all these things going on at 22. There's just so much more. There's a, whole lot, there's a whole lot of undercurrent here that I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with. But the main thing here was that we had Chris Krebs, the head of the agency of CISA, who was later fired for his statement that the 2020 election was the most secure election in the history of the United States of America. Later fired, okay. You had CISA pulling this number. And then you had Dominion voting machines coming into question about whether or not their machines were secure. That is the basis of their litigation. When they started suing all the networks, they sued suing anyone who talked or defamed Dominion voting elections equipment or systems. So we know where that goes, right? As far as, as, far as where those stand. There are a couple of lawsuits that are still active, you know. Uh, they tried to really tear down Sidney Powell. Litigation still pending, all right? As it stands, though in uh, whether it be like the Supreme Court or federal court, a Supreme Court, federal court, um, there is not but one lawsuit that still remains. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Now with CISA and the Cyber Infrastructure Security Agency or administration, I apologize, uh, they recently released a statement. Now this has to do with the state of Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, now the state of Georgia has been in play for election decertification for a long time. I think they're number three on our list for states to decertify. If I had to guess, I would say it's going to be Arizona, Wisconsin, and Georgia that decertify, followed by Pennsylvania, okay? I don't know when Pennsylvania is going to come into play, but Jake Corman, the uh, Senate pro tempore there in uh, Pennsylvania is really, if you want to talk about stretching it out 22 months, he's doing a pretty good job. Rhino, Senate president pro tempore, sorry, pro tempore, uh, Jake Corman. Okay. 
So that, there you go with that. I don't think Pennsylvania is going to be in the game for decertification anytime soon. I'll be surprised if they beat Georgia and Wisconsin and Arizona or any of those three states. But Georgia could have gone into the certification a long time ago, you know, um, because they've had they uh, Brian Kemp, Rhino and Bradford Raffensperger, Democrat, have been in the know about all of the fraud or severe mismanagement from the jump. They've known about it from day one. OK, they've known about it. They may not have been able to quantify it in a manner that they could decertify, but they knew it was there and they chose not to investigate. Brian Kemp certified the election that was fraudulent and Bradford Raffensperger, the secretary of snake, has done nothing but play defense for that decision since day one. Okay. So we know that voter GA through Garland Favorito has really brought the fire in his very meek and humble manner to the state about the fraud that's been taking place in Georgia. But there's still little movement in that manner. And they have brought so much information about fraudulence and mismanagements and just things not the way that they should be that you can you you would lack confidence in that electoral process and you would lack confidence in whether or not the 2020 election was carried out accurately in the state of Georgia for the year 2020, just based on everything that they have shown us. But that is still not enough. Even with True the Vote coming out, with this big ballot trafficking uh, scandal that Bradford Raffensperger, Democrat Secretary of Snakes in Georgia, has been forced to open an investigation on, they still have not even talked about decertification in Georgia. But I guarantee they'll get there before Pennsylvania. So, something new is on the horizon, ladies and gentlemen. I keep saying there are many ways to get there. Think about Wisconsin. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin said, and I quote, to a point of paraphrasing, there's no fraud in the 2020 election. It just doesn't exist. They keep looking for it, but it's not there. There's no fraud. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin said that. So, Representative Janelle Branchen and Representative Timothy Rantham said, okay, I'll take your there's no fraud in Wisconsin in 2020 and I'll up you, you broke the law. So what is the pathway that Wisconsin took to decertification? The law was broken in the state of Wisconsin and they may not get their forensic audit before they decertify, but they will decertify because the law was broken. The pathway will be different for everyone, but it will lead to Rome in the end, okay? That is why this is a blessing, because we are seeing all the various ways that we can get there. So we know for next time and it won't happen again. And we're seeing all the various ways that they executed their fraud. There's like more than 20 different ways that they executed fraud, not just through ballot drops, not just through ballot harvesting, not just through ballot trafficking, not just through drop boxes, not just through, uh, not just through uh, commissioners and, and agencies uh, superseding the law and creating their own election laws, not just through Zuckerbucks. Okay, there's like 20 or 30 different ways that they did this. Okay, documented. And we get to see that now during this terrible dark night of Joe Biden because we have not stopped. We have not lost faith. We have not petered out. 
we're continuing to take those notes and we're continuing to track this stuff and try to hold people accountable. So, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, many pathways there. Okay, how's Georgia going to do it? Because it's pretty clear that Georgia, they're pretty corrupt over there. Their, their, their legislation is a pretty blue house, right? Pretty blue house, those legislators over there in Georgia. Even the red ones are blue, right? That's why I say Brian Kemp may be a rhino, but if Brian Kemp is a rhino, Bradford Raffensperger, the secretary of snakes, is a straight up Democrat. He's a straight up Democrat. He's just, ru- he, he's just running around under Republican clothes, ladies and gentlemen. Not a, not a rhino, okay? I mean, yes, a rhino, a re- Republican in name only, but uh, I, I think the rhinos are more beholden to the pocketbook than the political parties. And in my opinion, Bradford Raffensperger has been nothing but an activist for, you know, uh, the Democrats, the progressives, the socialists, and the communists, Right? Regardless of what he says. But Bradford Raffensperger, even though he's been forced to open up an investigation because of True the Vote and the ballot trafficking scandal that they brought to light, still talks for all intents and purposes like he is a bona fide Republican. You know why? Because he's up for re-election. But here's the beauty of it all. When you have two vying competitors who are secretly on the same team they're gonna they're gonna there's gonna be some friendly fire right they're gonna accidentally spill the beans somewhere because they still have to save their face you know the republicans and the democrats of georgia as per the united states of america might really be on the same team but they have to look like they oppose each other and in this, uh, in this facade of political differences, they will have a conflict. And that just means, well, to the best man, the victor, right? May the strongest survive. And, uh, well, they might just end up being political roadkill. Friendly fire. Because that's kind of what's happening right now in Georgia. And this has nothing to do with True the Vote. And this has nothing to do with Voter GA. This has everything to do with a Dominion voting machine report that was created that reveals the inequities, the inefficiencies, the failures of Dominion voting software and machines at being secure and trustworthy to place our confidence and utilizing them as a voting agency, election agency in our states. Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen. Now, this story broke probably at the end of January. It resurfaced in mid-February, and it has resurfaced again here in the third month of 2022, March. Okay? Uh, And it's quite the interesting story. Now, uh, let me see here. What do I got next up for you? Let's, 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 talk, let's talk about this. Okay, so this is a report, okay? We had a professor from, I think, the University of Michigan write up a report, okay, about he did a forensic audit of the Dominion voting systems to see if they were, in fact, not to be trusted during an election, okay? Now, this report was um, the report was sealed by a judge. 
Because the information in that report, well, she never really gives a clear reason why, but it's pretty obvious. Like they, they feign, uh, they feign um, lack of security for future elections if this report goes public. Do you really think that that's what's going on here? Do you really think that this judge is concerned about future election security if the report is released? Or do you think it's possibly because this report proves that Dominion voting systems are not good and may have well been hacked during the 2020 election, which is the crux of everything that Dominion has been fighting in lawsuits against the news agencies, the reporters, the people, the investigators who have been decrying their machines and their system from day one. Very much so, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see here. We have this report. It says, America's corrupt election system revealed in secret Georgia report. Another pathway to the end, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what it has to say. It says, in a crucial court case currently playing out in Georgia... The entire corrupt facade of America's election system has been revealed, and the picture it paints is damning. Election integrity groups commissioned a report by a computer science professor at the University of Michigan, J. Alex Halderman, who is an election security expert. Halderman produced a 25,000-word report that's so explosive, neither the federal judge in charge of the case nor the United States federal government wants it released to the public. Halderman asserts that Georgia's electronic voting machines suffer from specific, highly exploitable vulnerabilities that allow attackers to change votes despite the state's purported defense. Who owns and operates those electronic voting machines in Georgia? Dominion Voting Systems. Halderman was given 12 weeks of access to an unused Dominion ICX voting machine, the same machines used in Georgia and 16 other states. His conclusions completely destroy the false narrative about the 2020 election being the most secure election in history. In fact, Halderman claims that Georgia voters face an extreme risk that electronic voting machine-based attacks could manipulate their individual votes and alter election outcomes. Since Halderman is a well-known election security expert who has testified before Congress, the usual attempts to discredit Halderman as either a conspiracy theorist or an amateur have not been successful. In September of 2021, Halderman made a sworn declaration to the court regarding the vulnerabilities of the Dominion machine that he inspected. Those seven pages should be read carefully by the American public. In February of 2022, Halderman sent his complete report only to CISA and to Dominion Voting Systems. What was the response from the federal agency supposedly tasked with keeping America's voting system secure and the company responsible for the machines used in Georgia? CISA and Dominion both filed emergency motions to keep Halderman's report sealed from the public. So very interesting information there, guys. Now, just getting out at the head of it, I will tell you 
because we're going to get into this. The Halderman Report, 25,000 words, is still not public, okay? It is still sealed. There are a bunch of interested parties who are seeking to get their hands on this document. Now, as I said, it is still sealed, okay? It is still under lock and key. The report, I will tell you from everything I've read on it, does not implicate or state that fraud did occur in the 2020 general election. It doesn't say fraud happened in 2020 election because of X, Y, and Z by the Dominion voter machines. What it does say and what it explicitly um, shares is that the machines are hackable, okay? So if you were to get your hands on that bit of evidence and you were to align it with what they found in Arizona and what they found in Michigan, there is a plausible way of saying these machines are hacked. Well, why has, why has Arizona and Michigan, aside from the fact that they didn't look at the evidence in Michigan and aside from the fact that they don't have the routers uh, that have gone through in Arizona, why have they been able to say to them, that's not possible? There's no way they were hackable. Why do you think that is? It's because Dominion voting, electronic voting machine systems, uh, voting systems have consistently fought and said, and even through litigation and lawfare, that their machines are not hackable. They don't connect to the internet. There's no way that what you say in Antrim County and in Maricopa County can be true. But in this 25,000 word report, J. Alex Halderman makes it explicitly clear through his own forensic audit of the machine, how it is done, how it can be done, and he posits everything. But the thing about it is the, the, the document is still under lock and key. So up until February of this year, no one had been able to see the report. And, and, uh, and even in the state of Georgia where this report originates from, not even the Secretary of State, Bradford Raffensperger, who's so concerned about election fraud and security, has even attempted, until now, to get his hands on this document. Now Bradford wants to see it because uh, it's a re-election season and he has to act like he's a concerned uh, Republican. He has to act like he actually cares about the elections. Let's finish this up real quick. It says, uh, notice, it took CISA more than five months to file its statement of interest in the case. According to the Constitution, elections are administered by the state, not the federal government and its agencies. It's not clear that CISA has any standing at all in the case. In addition, CISA only intervened after there was a push to publicly disclose Halderman's report in the media, at which time CISA asked the court to keep the report sealed, even though elections using these voting machines are taking place in America right now. That is crazy, guys. That is crazy. Like, we have a report that explicitly details how these machines are hackable and can uh, be fraudulent. And they're still sitting on it. And here we are. We already had our primaries here in Texas. It's 2022. Okay. We've had elections since 2020. We've had elections since this report was penned by the hands 
of one J. Alex uh, Halderman. Okay? Now, what I have on the screen for you here, guys, is the seven-page statement or declaration that J. Alex Halderman made in regard to his report. Because people were refuting this thing left and right. They're like, nah, it's not real. No, that's stupid. It's a conspiracy theory. No one's going to look at it. Blah, blah, blah. So J. Alex Halderman makes this statement. Now, we're not going to read this entire document, but we're going to look at some highlighted points, okay? Declaration of J. Alex Halderman, plaintiff Donna Curling, and uh, the um, defendant would be Bradford Raffensperger et al., okay? Now, it says here, let me go ahead. I think I can expand that one more time. Okay. It says here, my July 1, 2021 expert report describes numerous security vulnerabilities in Georgia's Dominion ICX BMD. BMD stands for Ballot Marker Device. These include flaws that would allow attackers to install malicious software on the ICX, either with temporary physical access, such as that of voters in the polling place, or remotely from election management systems. They are not general weaknesses or theoretical problems, but rather specific flaws in the ICX software, and I am prepared to demonstrate proof of concept malware that can exploit them to steal votes on the ICX devices. Like I said, this is not the 25,000 page report. This is a carrot dangling in front of all of us truth seekers, okay? Now, Halderman in this declaration is trying to tell the courts, look, I ain't playing games here. This is non-refutable. This is scientifically proven. There's something wrong with these machines and they can be exploited. Are you listening to me, America? I don't know. Do you th I think they were listening because they sealed this uh, case. Now, we can access this because this is a declaration. This is not the actual report, okay? Uh, so right here it says in part four, my analysis also concludes that the ICX is very likely to contain other equally critical flaws that are yet to be discovered. Jurisdiction can mitigate this uh, serious risk through procedural changes, such as reserving BMDs, ballot marking devices, for voters who need or request them. Election officials cannot make an informed decision about such urgent policy changes or any other mitigations until they have assessed the technical findings in my report. However, to my knowledge, the Georgia Secretary of State's office has yet to even request access to it, despite plaintiffs' repeated offers to make it available to appropriate individuals at the secretary's office. So Bradford Raffensperger couldn't care less back in, uh, what was it, September of 2021? Yeah. Couldn't care less in September 21. Could not care. It says, nor do these problems affect Georgia alone. In 2022, the ICX will be used in, in parts of 16 states, Nevada, Louisiana, Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Michigan, Illinois, Kansas, Ohio, Missouri, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, and Washington State. Okay. So let's see what else we got here in the statement. So it says right here in, in uh, section eight, informing responsible parties about the ICX's vulnerabilities is becoming more urgent by the day. 
foreign or domestic adversaries who are intent on attacking elections certainly could have already discovered the same problems I did. Yet Georgia's 2022 primaries are less than nine months away, and other states that use the ICX will conduct high-profile elections even sooner. It is important to recognize the possibility that nefarious actors already have discovered the same problems I detail in my report and are preparing to exploit them in future elections. Providing my report to CISA through its CVD program will ensure that Dominion and affected jurisdictions are able to begin appropriate mitigations as soon as possible. And I think up here it says uh, CVD is a process that they're, that CISA is supposed to do. I don't know if uh, I got... Oh, it's uh, uh, CVD, V as in Victor, stands for Coordinated Vulnerability Disclosure. It's a program that they're going to use to try and repair and create... A, uh, identify, repair, and create a patch for the Dominion Ballot Marking Devices, ICX... So that this way, it's like an update to their software and the bug is fixed so it cannot be infiltrated. That's what they're supposed to do. In fact, that's where we are in this process as far as that is concerned. But that's not the end of our story. Okay, so I think we're done with this. Now, that's the information I want to share with you from his declaration. Okay, this is from J. Alex Alderman. Okay, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's seven pages. There's a lot of good information in there. I think the real meat and potatoes, of course, is in that 25,000 word document. Uh, but nevertheless, ladies and gentlemen, we got a little bit more for you guys. Uh, because not only do we have this declaration that's already damning as it stands, right? It's already, it's already letting the cat out of the bag. It's just the report tells you the exact mathematical, scientifical, technological, uh, non-lay terms. In other words, the long math of how it's done, okay? How you exploit these features. That's what the report says, 25,000 words. This one here is just a declaration. We have also the summary of the report, which is also very damning for not revealing the exact how and, uh, and, and what of his report, okay? But this alone, guys, is enough to set off alarms, all right? Now, this here, guys, is a letter from CISA, okay? Now, this is CISA's declaration of, hold it down, don't unseal this document. We don't want the world to know that Dominion voting machines are absolutely 100% hackable, right? Okay? So, uh, this comes from CISA. This was filed on uh, February 10th, 2022. It says here in, uh, it says here in the highlighted... Uh, this is to notify the court of CISA's view that premature disclosure of Dr. Halderman's report, even in redacted form, could, in the event, in, in the event any vulnerabilities ultimately are identified, assist malicious actors and thereby undermine election security. As explained herein, CISA thus respectfully submits that public disclosure, even in redacted form, should await completion of the normal CVD process and proposes that it notify the court within 30 days of any status update regarding the process and its anticipated timeline. Okay, it goes on to say, as confirmed in CISA's letter, uh, 
The CVD process requires the agency to coordinate between and work with the reporting source of the potential vulnerabilities, which would be Dr. Halderman, and the vendor, which would be Dominion, to analyze the potential vulnerabilities, including the risk they prevent. Develop mitigation measures to mitigate the risk of the potential vulnerabilities as needed. Facilitate sufficient time for affected end users to obtain, test, and apply any recommended mitigation measures prior to full public disclosure of the potential vulnerability. And strive to ensure accurate and objective disclosures by the vendors. So, CISA is saying, we're going to get the report, we're going to work with them, don't release it to the public yet. Now, there's a lot of reasons why you could understand that they don't want this released. Obviously, you know Dominion does not want this released, because it proves that they've been lying. Whether they knew about, whether they knew about it or not, it shows that these voting machines are in fact very vulnerable, beyond a shadow of a doubt, and they very well could have been exploited in the 2020 general election. Was that the only way that they did it? No. Okay? No. We know through the other forensic audits and the other investigations throughout the country that there was more ways than just the uh, vulnerability of the Dominion voting system machine here. But the point of the matter is all of their lawsuits stand at becoming null or moot because of this factoid, all right? And not only will they lose contracts with the government, not only will they lose money, but they stand to face lawsuits themselves, okay? So there's a whole bunch of reasons why Dominion does not want this discovered, okay? And like I said, Halderman has said in his report, it never says that this, was, this, ex, this uh, vulnerability was in fact exploited in 2020, but it leaves room for investigation, which is another thing that these people do not want to happen, okay? So that's CISA. And, and based on this letter here, that's reasonable, right? I mean, of course, they're going to ask for it to remain sealed, but it's reasonable. There could, uh, someone could read the report and they're going to go and exploit tomorrow's election. Because we, uh, we gave them the information. H hide the information so this way no one can go and exploit the elections. We all know that's a bunch of hoopla here on our channels. But uh, anyhow, uh, let's take a trip back to, uh, I think this is August of 2021, okay? And this is an article that talks about, uh, it's from, uh, I think it's from Buzz. No, it's not from BuzzFeed. It's from... Uh, it's from one of those lefty organizations. It's not, it's not BuzzFeed, The Daily Beast. It's from The Daily Beast, I think. And uh, this talks, uh, this headline, Judge Seals Report on Voting Machine Vulnerability, kind of explores a little bit about why they made that decision, but it also gives us some, uh, some more names to follow as we continue on this report. It says, uh, Judge Seals Report on Voting Machine Vulnerability. It's the kind of report that could be weaponized by those looking to cast doubt on the United States election results. A cybersecurity analysis that found flaws in Georgia's voting machines and warns about the potential for future attacks. But a federal judge has sealed the report and her attempt to shield the public from bad faith efforts to undermine the 2020 election could instead fuel the conspiracy theory dumpster fires and keep the voting machine maker from figuring out how to fix it. Now, I want to know if I give you guys the right date on that. Let me see. Yeah, August 2021. OK, all right. So uh, and so it goes on to say. 
The 25,000 word report commissioned by election integrity groups does not touch on the 2020 results at all, but the report authored by a University of Michigan computer science professor who has testified numerous times on Capitol Hill about U.S. election security, J. Alex Halderman, claims that Georgia's ballot marking devices, the BMDs, suffer from specific highly exploitable vulnerabilities that allow attackers to change votes despite the state's purported defenses all by using malware. In a public court document, Halderman urged that his report be shared with Georgia election officials and the voting machine manufacturer to address the vulnerabilities it describes before attackers exploit them. Now, guys, a little bit of backstory. Because this, 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 uh, this is a, uh, a report. I mean, this is a, a, uh, an article from 2021. And I don't... I don't know if I have other stories about this tonight, but there, I have them. I just don't know if I put them in my in my uh, tab for this night's show. The people who, okay, so one has to ask: J. Alex Halderman does a forensic audit on these Dominion machines and writes a report, just like the Arizona Senate did, and just like Cyber Ninjas did, just like they did in Antrim County. Just like Pennsylvania is feebly trying to do right now in Fulton County. Who authorized, who hired J. Alex Halderman to file this report? Like, who hired Michael Gableman to do the Wisconsin report? Well, it was Robin Voss in, uh, in, in Wisconsin. Well, who hired J. Alex, Han- Alex Hal- Halderman in Georgia to do this investigation and report? Who was it? Who done it? Do you guys know who did it? Do you guys know who did it? Do you guys know who wrote the, um, the, uh, the smoking gun that this judge, an Obama appointee, is trying to hide? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it was none other than um, uh, grassroots voter activist groups that were funded in large by none other than Big Mama herself. Stacey Abrams, ladies and gentlemen, Stacey Abrams, through her various uh, non-governmental organizations, hired J. Alexander Halderman to write a report about Dominion voting machines because she was so hell-bent that she won the Georgia governor elections in 2016. This report was written in 2017 by a Democrat funded organization. Do you see why I'm talking about they start to turn on each other? It's survival of the fittest, their political roadkill, because they're on the same team and they're pretending to be enemies. And the Democrats have cried election fraud and the conservatives have cried election fraud, okay? But in this cycle, this four-year cycle, right? The Democrats... We're trying to get Trump out in 2016, hence the PP Clinton dossier, right? Okay. Well, in other parts of the country where uh, Miss Tooth Gap herself, Big Mama, Stacey Abrams, would not concede the election, she invested in this report and this Obama-appointed judge had to seal the report because it was, uh, it was uh, dangerous to our elections if it got into the hands of a cyber criminal. 
eating themselves, walking all over themselves, hitting themselves in the face. This is friendly fire, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. But what the Halderman report will prove beyond a shadow of a doubt is it's going to vindicate all of the conservatives, all the America First patriots that were saying that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dominion election systems can be hackable, which will lead to open investigations. Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's the fun part of this, that this comes from a Democrat. Okay. now Halderman wrote his report after he was given 12 weeks of access to an unused Dominion ICX voting machine, according to court documents. Several sources who spoke on the condition of anonymity told the Daily Beast that the secret report makes two points. Hacking these specific ballot making marking devices is easier than previously believed, and Georgia does not have a process in place to catch it if it ever happens. Georgia voters face an extreme risk that ballot marking device based attacks could manipulate their individual votes and alter election outcomes, Halderman wrote in a signed declaration on August 2nd. While Halderman's claims are unverified, don't uh, address while Halderman's claims are unverified, don't address the 2020 election and provide no evidence that anyone has taken advantage of the alleged vulnerabilities, their mere existence will likely be enough for many stop-the-steal advocates who believe the 2020 results were illegitimate, despite no evidence of widespread voter fraud, because the judges threw out the cases without looking at the evidence. Let's not forget that, the Daily Beast. Which is why perhaps... U.S. District Court Judge Amy Totenberg made the report a confidential document for attorneys' eyes only. At a recent hearing, Totenberg sealed the report, citing a strong reluctance to draw any public scrutiny to the sensitive details in the case. Totenberg would not even allow an election integrity group to openly advocate for disclosure of the report, according to a transcript of a July 26 court hearing obtained by the Daily Beast. Instead, the judge asked that any such argument be filed in secret under seal. There are so many other ways to educate the public besides trying to use this case, Totenberg were warned on the call. I am at the end of my rope about that. Okay, so the judge is saying... You can find other ways to prove this uh, election fraud or these uh, voting machines aren't good, but not this way. You can prove your point any other way but this way. Not this case, not with Dominion, not with these voting machines, not with the Halderman report. I'm sealing it under secrecy. The worry appears to be that this report could fuel baseless accusations by Trumpists who are locked in court battles with Dominion. Federal judges in other states have tossed out multiple instances of the so-called Kraken lawsuits, alleging Dominion conspired with foreign countries to rig the election. Meanwhile, Dominion has filed defamation lawsuits against Fox News, Newsmask, One American News Network, and the former chief executive of Overstock.com. That's uh, Patrick Byrne. Okay, let's not forget Mike Lindell, right? But Patrick Byrne of Overstock.com. Totenberg decided to limit circulation of the report, opting to keep it to attorney's eyes only and away from engineers at Dominion itself out of concern that exposing it to company employees would make it subject to disclosure in other litigation. 
I'm concerned enough about the information contained in it. I've seen how this can blow up, Totenberg said, according to the transcript. That decision could stoke conspiracy theorists, but experts in the right-wing media ecosystem were also concerned that any information about potential issues with voting machines might be exploited. Okay. So uh, then it goes on just uh, these people. Sam Jackson, an assistant professor who teaches about online extremism, just to prove their point. Uh, Matt Gertz, a senior fellow at Media Matters for America, which scrutinizes right-leaning media, expects the very well-developed conspiracy theory network built in recent years on social media and alternative TV stations like Newsmask and One News America to wrongfully use the existence of the reports to undermine the validity, validity of the elections in the minds of conservatives. So that's what the rest of this article basically talks about. Um, but yeah, so that was that was just a doc, uh, an article talking about the judge and her decision to seal the um, seal the uh, report, guys. Okay, so uh, let's see here. We're gonna go to another story to follow this up because what you got going on right here. And this is currently playing out in Georgia courtrooms is you have Brad Raffensperger who has uh, subpoenaed or has issued a request to J. Alex Halderman to release the document to his office for Brian Kemp, who's running for office, who's like, well, you have this report that was made by Stacey Abrams and I'm running for reelection. Yeah, you know, so now Kemp is concerned. OK, Kemp is concerned and he and he's having his little boy, Bradford. Uh, try and get this report so this way, ahead of the Georgia elections, they can try and make sure that they don't get stolen from them, right? Because if uh, if uh, you rhinos, Kemp can steal an election or, you know, be complicit in one, who's to say that they're not going to use it against you? They eat their own, the left do. They eat their own, the globalists do. And so now he has cause for fear, right? He's, he has reason to be paranoid. He was complicit in what they did in 2020. And uh, now he has to be afraid for his position. Okay, Uh, this article, why the debate over a computer scientist's dominion report is so heated is uh, current of this month, 2022. Uh, It says a version of this post. Okay, remember that. It says conspiracy theories collided in Georgia in late January, resulting in additional confusion in a longstanding lawsuit over the state's use of dominion voting machines. At the center of efforts by entities on both the left and the right is a court-sealed report by University of Michigan computer scientist J. Alex Halderman, claiming that the Dominion voting system has a vulnerability that could be exploited but has not yet to manipulate votes in a future election. Fox News and One American News Network are now seeking... Whoops. Are now seeking... Uh, a copy of the report. And this week, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution suggested Georgia's Secretary of State had ignored the report, leaving gaping holes in the state's election system. There's much, much more to the story. The upshot is that this lawsuit continues to be used today by those perpetuating Trump's big lie as evidence of their claims. Yeah, they're going to be like, what is this guy at the Sea Report doing? He's just using Halderman's report to perpetuate the big lie, this Mr. C is. Uh, 
The lawsuit was initially filed in 2017 by the left-leaning Coalition for Good Governance and a group of individual voters to force Georgia to use paper-backed voting machines. Can you believe it? The Democrats wanted paper-backed voting machines. At the time, Georgia was using outdated DRE machines. Then, the state, amid the litigation and after the legislature authorized and funded new machines in early 2019, replaced the DREs in 2020 with a paper-backed voting system built by Dominion. But the lawsuit, now known as Curling versus Raffensperger, did not stop. It instead shifted to alleging that the new system was so insecure as to be unconstitutional. Over four years of litigation, the plaintiffs have not succeeded in their goal of moving Georgia's elections almost exclusively to handmarked paper ballots. While using District Judge Amy Totenberg, while U.S. District Judge Amy Totenberg has expressed public concern over the Dominion system, she has not been persuaded to make the state abandon it. So far, Totenberg has not forced the state to make any major changes to its voting system that it was not already prepared to make, even as her August 2019 order required the Secretary of State to replace the DREs by the state's 2020 deadline. Experts who have reviewed Halderman's report, such as Juan Gilbert, the University of Florida's computer science department chair, have not found it to be nearly as dire as Halderman has publicly suggested. As part of the suit, Judge Totenberg granted Halderman unfettered access to the Dominion voting system in order to inspect the security of the machines. Because of his access, Totenberg sealed the report, making it available to only the attorneys on the case and the expert witnesses. And even though the state on January 27th asked Totenberg to unseal the document so as to clear public confusion, she seemed unready to do so. I'm unhappy about the course of political treatment of the report. It's out of hand, Totenberg said in a court. But I'm not going to release it without seeing what is being proposed with redactions. Still, the general contents of the report aren't exactly a secret. Halderman has long claimed that ballot marking devices could be manipulated by malicious actors. Halderman made a public high-level summary of his findings in early August. Marilyn Marks, the executive director of the Coalition for Good Governance, who is among the plaintiffs in the curling case, then distributed this summary to every county in Georgia by email the day after Halderman filed his report. VoteBeat was provided with a copy of the email. She called Halderman's finding an urgent concern, alarming enough for counties to reconsider their use of ballot marking devices this fall and instead use hand-marked paper ballots and the Mr. C. Hole Puncher with voluntary robust audits. No county acted on her warning. Despite Judge Totenberg's sealing Halderman's assessment, the publicity campaign some of the plaintiffs have mounted over the report, which none of them have seen in full, has resulted in two media dust-ups over its contents, to the obvious discontent of Judge Totenberg. The first was in August, when Halderman first publicized what he claimed were massive security flaws in the system. And then, in late January, when the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported that the state had done nothing to unseal the report or to act on its findings.
This is the exact kind of speculation Totenberg sought to prevent when she sealed the report. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution quoted multiple people without noting which of them did or did not have knowledge of the report's full details, but who nonetheless implored the state to act. That's not the responsibility, uh, the responsible way to present these issues. The report, as far as is publicly known, does little to materially advance what Halderman has been claiming about ballot marking devices for years because it's not a surprise that he found ways to infiltrate the system. Judge Totenberg gave Halderman complete access to the machines along with passwords, and his report indicates that he did his research over 12 weeks. If you gave me access to a bank for 12 weeks, handed me the keys, and told the security guards to stand down, I'm pretty sure I could rob it. And I'm pretty sure that that is a very lame analogy, okay? Because uh, just because you have access to a machine does not mean... What, what, what they're implying here is that, what, he, uh, he made it up and uh, he, he... It's just a stupid analogy. I mean, it makes no sense. This is an unrealistic threat scenario that ignores the effectiveness of physical security measures, machine testing, and risk-limiting objects that election officials and experts generally put their trust in. Now, I will tell you that last sentence right there from this uh, media outlet... This is an unrealistic threat scenario that ignores the effectiveness of physical security measures, machine testing, and risk-limiting audits. Okay, that statement, they basically paraphrased Dominion's CEO's stance on this entire report, okay? Basically, what the CEO of Dominion said was, well, you know... uh, Uh, Professor Halderman's report only looks at one aspect of elections. You need to consider the ballot uh, counters, the the paper ballots, the security measures, the machine testing, the risk-limiting audits. Oh, oh, CEO of Dominion, do you mean a full forensic thorough audit of the uh, vote? Uh, Isn't that what Arizona did? And look at what you guys said about that. Hypocrite. 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 These guys are just playing for Dominion based on that statement. That is exactly the point of view of the CEO of Dominion regarding this report. What they said right there 100% reflects his statement. The security of the system is not dependent only on the system itself, but everything that surrounds it. The seals, the padlocks, the cameras, said Tammy Patrick, who's basically just mimicking parroting what the CEO of Dominion said. This person is a senior advisor at the Democracy Fund and former elections administrator ha, in Maricopa County, Arizona. Doesn't that make sense? A former administrator in Maricopa County, Arizona, a senior advisor to the Democracy Fund, says it doesn't matter what Halderman's uh, report said. You have to consider everything, forensically speaking, holistically. If you leave the keys in an unlocked car and you're surprised I can drive away in it, that's not a measure of the car's security. So they're saying because he had access to the machines, he was able to exploit the machines. No, he was looking for evidence of it. Duh. So they're saying if you hadn't done that, no one would have known. So we're not going to release the port so no one can do it. No one needs to know about it. There's nothing to see here. Turn away, look away, run away. Dominion and the Secretary of State offered similar responses. Whoopsie. Am I still live? I don't know. Hold on, guys.
The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm/theseareport. And thanks y'all. I'm back. Okay guys, that was weird. All right. Well, it seems I got booted. I'm talking about my uh I'm talking about my actual um uh, live streaming platform. Totally shot down. Totally shot down. I had to uh do some things real quick to try and get this back up. Uh sorry about that guys. I was not expecting that to happen. Oh boy, what fun. What fun. Okay. All right, you guys stay tuned. You guys stay tuned. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Wowzers. Okay. All right. Uh, throw me some five by fives, ladies and gentlemen. You can toss a few cookies while you're at it. That was crazy. All right. That was, yeah. Hey there, three letter agencies. How you guys doing? You guys enjoying the show? Because we ain't done yet, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-uh. Okay. You can keep a C down as long as you want, but they don't stay down. Brothers and sisters. Okay, that was fun. No, refresh was not what I had to do to get back on the air, guy. That no, I tried refresh. Website unattainable. Website unreachable. Website, 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 website. You cannot get to this website. Period. Dang. Okay, all right. Well, okay, we're back, guys. We are back. We're back. We're back. Have you no fear? The FBI did not come crashing through my door. They did not arrest me. Okay. That was wild. Okay. All right. Uh, all they succeeded in was getting me off my train of thought. Okay. That's about it. Uh, but we're back. Okay. So where were we? All right. We're talking about uh, Dominion. We're talking about this uh, lawsuit here. I mean, this uh, this report. Uh, we're talking about uh, what they are fighting over. Man, you know what I could do? Hold on. Let me do this real quick. Hold on. Just so I can get a refresher. I want to. I want to stay on the same train trajectory I was on. Hey, WC Cranot, thank you for the cookie. Relanon, thank you for the 140 gold pills. I know there have been more of you guys uh, donating out there. Thank you so much. Appreciate you uh, for sending some gold pill love my way over at Foxhole. Hold on. Creative writer, thank you so much for gifting the can. Five by five. We all need a drink after that DDoS-like challenge, dude. They totally, they totally jammed my internet. What the hell? That was crazy. They jammed my signal. I put it, I put it on some, I put it on some toast bread. I put it on a bagel. I ate that jam. I guess Dominion don't want us talking about this. 
This is about to go everywhere, guys. Okay, so we'll pick up right here. We're talking about this Maricopa County, Arizona woman who uh, now works for Democracy Fund, who uh, seems to think that uh, um, uh, Jay Halderman's uh, report uh, could not prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that, I mean, that's not what he was there to prove, okay? That's what the gold standard for auditing the uh, Cyber Ninja's forensic audit of Maricopa County was for, okay? They're the ones who looked at the seals, the padlocks, and the cameras. That is not what was in question during Halderman's report or what the scope of his investigation was. Now, back to this. It says, Dominion and the Secretary of State offered similar responses when they debate the debate resurfaced in January. In a statement, Dominion said the best way to review security is holistically taking into account procedural and technical safeguards, but that Halderman's review did not take this approach. The Secretary of State's office in its statement said the review was written by an individual who's paid to espouse opinions supporting the elimination of electronic voting systems. Okay, so still they're making excuses. Now that is not the, uh, the length of Dominion's statement on that. That's just a piece of it. But basically he says, you can't discredit our voting machines without looking at the entire electoral process forensically, which is what Arizona was for. That's not the path that they are going to take in Georgia, clearly. Okay, now the Secretary of State's office, Brad Raffensperger, discredits the uh, document because it was made by their political opponent, Stacey Abrams, by saying that this individual uh, wrote this report because he was paid to write this report. His findings were discovered because he is working for the Democrats. Okay, just so they can get rid of the electronic voting systems because it was sour grapes for them in 2016. That's what he says. Okay. Um, That's punchy. You might expect as much from a defendant in a lawsuit, but neither statement is necessarily untrue. Halderman is being paid. So it's true. His on a technicality. His assessment was done with more access to the system than any bad actor would have and has been reviewed by two state experts, neither of whom was persuaded that the state's system was at imminent risk of harm. Halderman himself has repeatedly and publicly acknowledged there is no evidence that the machines were manipulated to affect the election results in 2020. That's not what this is about. With that in mind, then why not just release the report? If they're so afraid of of the, the supposed fraud that they call a big lie in 2020, just release the report. Because what Halderman has done is he's found that there are vulnerabilities... And they should probably have been addressed prior to the next upcoming election after 2020's general election. And they've known about it. And they've still sat on it. And now they're going to attack Raffensperger and Kemp for not doing anything about it. And that's going to get them in a hot spot in the red zone, in the danger zone, for their upcoming re-election bids. So now they want to do something about it. Okay. And uh, Raffensperger's over there decrying it and saying bad things about it, okay? So there's that. But I think the main concern here for them, ladies and gentlemen, is that the, uh, the, um, uh, the, the MAGA patriots, the America First movement, the Trump supporters are going to be able to uh, point at this report and say, you were wrong. Dominion can be hacked. And we can't have that. That is what they're mainly afraid of. That it's going to vindicate the myriads of people who cried theft, fraud, 
and a coup in 2020. It's a big business. Like it says right here, there are a lot of people who want to get their hands on this report. Okay, not just Brad Raffensperger, not just Brian Kemp. It says, folks are clamoring to get access to Halderman's sealed report. The state of Louisiana, Fox News, and One News America have all asked Judge Totenberg to see it. Louisiana, which has already been denied access, says it wants a copy because it's considering buying a Dominion system and would like to see what the vulnerabilities are. Fox and OANN want it because they think it might con contradict Halderman's testimony in defamation lawsuits filed by Dominion and Eric Coomer, a former Dominion employee. In that case, Halderman testified in defense of Coomer and his work at Dominion. Coomer's work was high quality, Halderman says, and there's no evidence that Dominion machines were compromised. Like I said, it's just that he found how they could be compromised, okay? Despite what Fox News' lawyer might hope, Halderman's positions in each lawsuit are not necessarily contradictory. It could well be true that the 2020 election was secure, as he asserts in the Fox defamation suit, and that untapped vulnerabilities still exist in Dominion systems, as he asserts in the curling suit. Okay, so there's that, ladies and gentlemen. The story continues. The story continues. Uh, so we saw Halderman's declaration. Um, whoopsie. Uh, we see all this infighting. So who is J. Alex Halderman before we move any more forward? Or if we, before we move forward? Before we advance further, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, uh, DBC Cranop, thank you for the cookie. Most appreciated. Uh, it says here, oh, so this is this is J. Alex Halderman on the screen, guys, in case you were wondering. Uh, just so you can get a face to the name. Uh, in this article, he says, I hacked an election. I hacked an election. So can the Russians. Okay. So uh, we're not going to read this article. It's actually very short, but I just wanted to point out some of his credentials cited in this, uh, cited in this uh, article. Um, it says here that uh, J. Alex Halderman, oh, sorry, let me expand that. This is J. Alex Halderman, professor of computer science and engineering, who routinely uses hacking to demonstrate how vulnerable electronic voting actually is. He has turned a voting machine into a Pac-Man game and famously hacked a mock election in D.C. several years ago, changing, to changing votes to famous robots. Uh, Halderman, uh, do we get any more? I think it's some of the Halderman, uh, worked with the New York times editorial department to produce the video. I hacked an election. So can the Russians in it. He explains how he did it. Uh, he says after the chaos of the 2000 elections, we were promised a modern and dependable way to vote. Halderman said in the video, I'm here to tell you that the electronic voting machines Americans got to solve the problem of voting integrity. They turned out to be an awful idea. That's because people like me can hack them all too easily. Our highly computerized election infrastructure is vulnerable to sabotage and even to cyber attacks that could change votes. And it goes on to say he testified before Congress, uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, and he advocates backup paper ballots that could be make that could make true audits possible. OK, so that's a little bit about him. Professor of Michigan, the University of Michigan. Mr. Uh, Professor. J. Alex Halderman. Such a happy soy boy he is, right? Okay, so uh, that's the man. 
His 25,000 word report is sealed. He releases a declaration that kind of stokes the flames. Let's take a look at his summary. Okay, now this is his summary. Keeping in mind, many people want this report. And uh, there are many different ways to election integrity. Okay, we're almost done with tonight's show. We got one more story after this, guys. And uh, we'll call it a do. Oh, man, this is, I haven't done a show this uh, of this uh, stature, caliber, whatever, length in a, uh, in a minute. Whoops, what am I doing? Okay, so let's get this roll. Oh, what am I doing? Come on, screen, work with me. There we go. Okay, so uh, this is his... Um, this is basically the summary of the report. Now, the reason why Halderman... Uh, as an extension of his seven-page declaration, submitted this to the court is because um, apparently they weren't taking him serious enough. And then as the last article stated, there were two state representatives that did their own investigation and wrote their own report and uh, basically said, ah, Halderman's full of it. So Halderman, being astute as he is, wrote this summary to refute those two reports. So let's see how juicy this gets. Keeping in mind, this is not the 2,500, 25,000 word document, okay? This is not the actual report. All of these are under penalty of perjury. Everything, right? Uh, so he says, I have reviewed the experts' disclosures prepared by Dr. Juan Gilbert and Dr. Benjamin Adida for state defendants. So that was uh, Georgia hired these two yahoos to disprove his report. It says, neither Dr. Gilbert nor Dr. Adida offers any rebuttal to the numerous critical vulnerabilities in Georgia's ballot marking devices that I described in my July 1st, 2021 expert report. Okay, so we're not going to read it all, obviously. This is like a 20, 24 page report. So uh, let me see here. Uh, moving right along, we'll just go straight down to section number four. Okay, it says so here. In my report, a 25,000 word document that is the product of 12 weeks of intensive testing of the Dominion equipment provided by Fulton County, Georgia, I find that Georgia's ballot marking devices contain multiple severe security flaws. Attackers could exploit these flaws to install malicious software, either with temporary physical access, such as that of voters in the polling place, or remotely from election management systems. Remotely. And I think this is why Dominion says no go on this report because he proved remote access. Okay. He says, I explain in detail how much, uh, how such malware once installed could alter voters votes while subverting all the procedural protections practiced by the state, including acceptance testing, hash validation, logic and accuracy testing, external firmware validation and risk limiting audits. Okay. Finally, I describe working proof of concept malware that I am prepared to demonstrate in court. My report concludes inter alia that Georgia's ballot marking devices are not sufficiently secured against technical compromise to withstand vote altering attacks by bad actors who are likely to target the future elections in the state. 
that the ballot marking device's vulnerabilities compromise the auditability of Georgia's paper ballots, that the ballot marking devices can be compromised to the same extent as or more easily than the DREs they replaced, and that using these vulnerable BMDs, ballot marking devices, for all in-person voters, as Georgia does greatly, uh, does, greatly magnifies the level of security compared to using hand-marked paper ballots and providing BMDs to voters who need or request them. Uh, so this is in response to uh, Dr. Juan Gilbert's declaration or report. Uh, he just really tears into this Dr. Gilbert. Rather than engage the facts in my report, Dr. Gilbert responds largely with vague generalities. Okay, so uh, he gives no indication that he has ever used an ICX ballot marking device, let alone tested its security. So he totally just discredits the man, but it goes on here. He says, my testing has shown that ballot marking devices used in Georgia suffer from specific, highly exploitable vulnerabilities that allow attackers to change votes despite the state's purported defenses. There is no evidence that Georgia ballot scanners suffer from the same extraordinary degree of exploitability, nor does Dr. Gilbert contend that they do. He ignores the relative ease with which Georgia's ballot marking devices can be hacked, including by a voter in a voting booth in mere minutes. That extreme difference in security as compared to other voting technologies, particularly hand-marked paper ballots, is far from irrelevant, as Dr. Gilbert implies. Uh, it says here, furthermore, even if the scanners were just as insecure as the BMDs, Georgia's practice of requiring essentially all in-person voters to use highly vulnerable BMDs would needlessly give attackers double opportunity, the, uh, double the opportunity to change the personal votes of individual Georgia voters. So basically, Dr. Gilbert is uh, positing that the scanners, not the ballot marking devices, are the ones that are uh, in question here. And uh, that was um, uh, the that was Doctor that was Professor uh, Halderman's refutation of that, and he also saying, well, you know, if it is the scanners, then there's two times the attack that can be made on the Georgia voter, not just one, you know, which is the ballot marking devices, which he is explaining those. That's the problem. Okay. Uh, lastly, Dr. Gilbert also ignores that accepted election security pro protocols include an effective measure to protect against hacks of ballot scanners when the ballots are handmarked rather than generated by ballot marking devices, namely reliable risk limiting audits, which would have a high probability of detecting any outcome changing attack on the scanners. So he's saying that a risk limiting audit would easily detect a scanner attack but not a ballot marking attack. It says, not only do Georgia's ballot marking devices defeat the efficacy of risk-limiting audits, but Dr. Gilbert continues to ignore the fact that Georgia requires an risk-limiting audit of just one statewide contest every two years, and to my knowledge, has not adopted specific adequate procedures to ensure a reliable risk-limiting audit for that one audit every other year. And when they say that this risk-limiting audit is applied to one contest every two years. Take Texas, for example, when they're doing this sham forensic audit here. One contest means not the entire election. It means one contest. So in Texas, they decided to audit with a risk-limiting audit the Texas Railroad Commissioner position, office, contest. Not the governor, 
not everything on the ballot. One contest is not the entire ballot. It's just one of those, uh, one of those uh, um, contests. Yeah, one of those contests. So that is it. That's the extent of a risk limiting audit. Uh, 1% or 2% of the electronic ballot images in some states, depending on where you are, you look at 1% to 2% of all the ballot images in, in a, a risk limiting audit, which means it's just a portion of the ballots in one contest. It's not thorough. It's not full. It doesn't give you the depth and the breadth of everything that happened. You don't look at every ballot image. You don't look at any paper ballots. You don't look at any of that. But because it's at random selection and it's one contest chosen by the Secretary of State usually... That is enough to satisfy that nothing went untoward in those elections. Bull crap, ladies and gentlemen, is what I think about that. Bull crap. Huge bull crap. Big old steaming pile of it. A big old cow pie, ladies and gentlemen, right there and then. Uh, he goes on to say, my report details several routes by which malicious hardware or software can manipulate the QR codes and cause the recorded votes to differ from voters' selections. Okay. In principle, a rigorous risk limiting audit would be likely to detect such an attack if the attacker changed enough votes to alter the outcome of the contest being audited. But again, Georgia rules require such an audit is only a single statewide contest once every two years. Uh, as my report explains, this leaves the vast majority of elections and contests in Georgia vulnerable to QR code and other attacks. Yet Dr. Gilbert says nothing about this threat. In addition to the barcode-only attacks I just discussed, my report demonstrates that Georgia's BMDs can be manipulated so that both the barcodes and the printed text indicate the same fraudulent selections. No audit or recount can catch such fraud because all records of the voter's intent would be wrong. The only reliable way to detect it would be if enough voters carefully reviewed their ballots, noticed that one or more selection differed from their intent, and reported the problem to elections officials. And if Georgia officials then discerned from the pattern of voters reported that the ballot marking devices were systematically misbehaving. Okay. All BMD ballot marking device ballots are potentially voter verifiable, but unless enough ballot marking device ballots are actually voter verified. Ballot marking device based attacks could alter election outcomes, even in the rare instances where the state conducts a risk limiting audit. And unless every ballot marking device ballot is actually voter verified, BMD based attacks could alter individual voter selections without detection. So whatever is wrong with these ballot marking devices, and that is the that is when uh, you know you punch the screen, da 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 da. You confirm your vote, and then your ballot pops out, and then you take it to a machine and you drop it in. At least that's how we do it here in Texas. Those ballot marking devices, when they print out, okay, according to this hack, they can change the vote in the machine. And then when it's printed, it reflects the vote. So there's no way to detect unless the voter verified their ballot before they turned it in that, the, that those votes were actually fraudulent is what he's saying. Okay. The attack takes place both in the system and on print. So you cannot detect it unless enough voters say, hey, I didn't vote for this. And they report it. 
And then all those reports are turned into the election, uh, the election workers there, and then they turn it into the state, and then the state sees a pattern. And if the state doesn't see a pattern, or if not enough voters say something's wrong here, then it's just the fraud is done. Uh, bingo boingo, it's over, com- complete. Okay, so he goes on to uh, talk about uh, this Dr. Gilbert's uh, lack of actual uh, investigation and study in his report. Throughout the rest of this, he talks about, um, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the, the voter verification and stuff like that. A lot of hands-on things, uh, studies that talk about the voter verification, etc. Percentages based on how long voters actually or how many voters actually review their ballots, how many don't, what's the percentage, real world versus, uh, you know, scientific method, etc. Versus case study. Okay, so that's what all of this is about here the error rates, the margins, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and et cetera. He really goes in on Dr. Gilbert. I'll tell you that, guys. He really does. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's see. Where are we going to next? It's a good thing I read all of this before because then I'd be like, what are we going to read next? Okay, uh, let's see here. Let's keep on going down, down, down. And I'll have these posted at thecreport.com shortly, ladies and gentlemen, in case you want to go through any of this information or in case you would like to download it for yourself and have this on record. Okay, let's see what this says. It says, uh, given the ineffectiveness of such defenses and critical security problems in Georgia's BMDs, I, like Dr. Appel, recommend that ballot marking devices be reserved for voters who need or request them, as in the case in most states. Okay, so uh, he's already gone through, I guess, the second uh, researcher investigator by now. He's still knocking Dr. Gilbert. Okay. Uh, He says here, what my report shows is that vote-stealing malware of the type I have constructed would not be detected by any of the defenses that state defendants purport to practice. I describe in detail how much malware would defeat QR code authentication, logic and accuracy testing, on-screen hash validation, and external APK validation as was used by ProVNV after the November election. Dr. Gilbert offers no rebuttal in these findings. He does not dispute them or even address them. Moreover, there is already an example of undetectable attack entered into testimony. This is called exploitation of the Drupal vulnerability discovered by Logan Lamb in the Center for Election Systems server. Uh, The Drupal developers state that any server running the vulnerable software after the initial disclosure of the vulnerability should be assumed to have been compromised unless it was patched within hours of disclosure. Okay, so uh, let me see here. As Lama tested, the developers of the primary tool for detecting this vulnerability stated that neither the defensive tool nor an expert can guarantee a website has not been compromised. They can only confirm with certainty that it has been compromised. So in other words, there's no way of detecting whether there's a bug in it unless the bug has bitten them. That's the only way. Okay, Uh, so this is talking about other malware inside, potentially inside the machines, okay, is what this is talking about. And uh, any, any, any software that has, it's been disclosed has this vulnerability should be assumed to be compromised, whether they see evidence of a compromise or not, within hours of finding out, okay. According to the timeline presented in Lamb's declaration, he found the KSU server to be 
in a vulnerable state on August 28, 2016, nearly two years after the initial announcement of the critical vulnerability, which was dated October 15, 2014. The KSU server image also contains evidence that a second vulnerability, the so-called shell shock flaw, was exploited on December 2, 2014. This vulnerability was publicly disclosed more than two months earlier and widely publicized in the media as a critical vulnerability, yet the KSU server remained unpatched. Okay, really easiest way I can explain this is there was malware inside the server called the Shellshock flaw, and basically what it is, it's, it's code that is written to hide itself once it's executed. That's the easiest way to put it. I mean, it's it's put in the system. It's written in a way that the computer thinks it's a command and then it executes and then it's gone. Okay, that's the easiest way I can describe it. So at KSU, Kansas State University, apparently on a server, this was there. And that is, as uh, Dr. Uh, Professor Halderman is saying, uh, an example of an undetectable attack. And, and so that could be the case with these uh, ballot marking devices as well. Um, it goes on to say here, the KSU server image also contains evidence. Oh, wait, we saw that. Okay, so this vulnerability was publicly disclosed more than two months earlier and widely publicized in the media as a critical vulnerability, yet the KSU server remained unpatched. An attacker who compromised the KSU server could therefore have maintained undetected access to the compromised server. Since the server remained in a vulnerable state that undetected for almost two years, it is highly likely that it was successfully attacked at some point in time. An attacker who did so would have been been able to have laterally move to move laterally to other systems within the CES network and to other components of Georgia's voting system. As I have previously pointed out, many election system components that could have been compromised in this way are still in use in Georgia today, where they provide a means by which attackers could spread vote stealing malware to the ballot marking devices. Okay, and I think we're almost done with that. Uh, his declaration of, oh, where'd it go? What is this? Hello? Hello? Okay, we're back. All right, I don't know what's up with that. Okay. To Dr. Adida. Again, they're talking about risk-limiting audits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. QR codes. I think that's mainly the gist of it. Okay. Mainly the gist of it. So this is a, a Professor Halderman's summary. I declare under penalty of perjury laws of the state of Georgia and the United States that the foregoing is true and correct. And that this declaration was executed the second day of August 2021, Rushland, Pennsylvania. So there's that, guys. When we're talking about uh, Halderman, this um, report that has been locked, uh, kept under lock and key. They don't want nobody to know about this, right? And uh, everyone wants it. Everyone wants it, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone wants it. So that brings us to Dominion. And our final story for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for being here with us on this extended edition of the Sea Report on this now the 22nd day of March here on uh, Central Time. Um, okay, so Dominion and CISA, the Cyber Security Information uh, Security Administration, whatever, um, don't want this out there. 
In fact, the Biden administration does not want this out there. Everyone is trying to hide this, even though everyone wants it. Okay. Um, Dominion stands to lose a lot. Because as Mr. Halderman, Professor Halderman revealed in that summary, which is again, that is not the 25,000 page document, right? That's not the gold that everyone is digging for. But it says enough. Okay, it says enough. Now, that summary said point blank period that the Dominion voting machines, ballot marking devices can, could, might have the ability to be exploited off site through election management systems. So the only way in my simple little mind that I could figure an electronic device can be hacked remotely would be if there were provisions in that machine to be remotely accessed, which means they would need to have a connecting device to a Wi-Fi uh, stream or to the internet, right? And Dominion has made it pointedly clear that, that their voting machines cannot be connected to the internet. Okay? So I think that is really where they stand to lose a lot of their credibility and open them up, open themselves up to a lot of liability and investigation. And you know, if it's just that one foot in the door that these machines can be connected uh, online somewhere, then... Uh, investigations are merited investigations are uh, warranted investigations are proper credible could there be something to all that big lie hoopla that's been going on and hasn't gone away for all of this time could there be something to it do you think ladies and gentlemen it is very quite possible that dominion will have to face that if this report goes public Okay, now, right now, from what I understand is happening is Sisa is working with Dominion and Halderman to create a patch and then they have to test it. They have to do all this stuff. It's going to run the course of 22 months, ladies and gentlemen. And by then, states will be able to erase all their data and then they're past the statute of limitations and then they erase it. And then you know what? They don't have to worry about the cover up of the crime of the theft of stealing the 2020 election. That's the long game right there. They're using litigation to get to that finish line of 22 to 24 months so they can erase the data and it's gone and there's no proof, there's no evidence that they did any wrongdoing. That's why we need audits in all 50 states. That's why we need this to happen as quick as possible. But there will be many different pathways to it. Now, this report is hot, 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 hot. It is scorching hot. And that judge, that Obama-appointed judge, Judge Totenberg, is doing everything she can not to release it. The state of Georgia wants it. All those news pundits want it. Everyone wants it. But when we're talking about Dominion voting systems and all of their lawsuits, right? And all the people who have filed lawsuits against them. You know Dominion has just run rampant all over them litigiously. 
billion dollar payouts, billion dollar fines and, and for, for what they're saying is defamation, okay? There, um, there are very few lawsuits that are still working to sue Dominion, okay? There's one in particular lawsuit that I wanted to talk about tonight because, um, I mean, it still has standing in courts, think in a state Supreme Court and federal court, there's one lawsuit that still has standing before the judge. In fact, the plaintiff on the lawsuit recently filed um, a uh, uh, recently filed a notice to uh, a notice to um, basically force basically force uh, Professor Halderman to include his report in their lawsuit. Now, interesting enough, because I keep saying there will be several different ways to get there. Wisconsin, they chose the breaking breaking of laws, illegal activity. You broke the law in Wisconsin. That's how we're going to prove there was fraud in this election. Now, this lawsuit is actually not about proving Dominion uh, voting machines can, uh, can uh, be ineffective or can be fraudulent or can be compromised to the point of being unconstitutional, according to some people. That's not what this lawsuit's about. This lawsuit is actually about defamation, okay? It's very interesting because I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit careful with my words here because it's kind of like when we're talking about the desire to audit a state, as with Senate President Karen Fan, as with uh, anyone who's been involved with the audits, Even though we President Trump supporters, even though we America first people are like, yes, we're like, this is about getting Trump back in office. But what you have to say at the front of it is that uh, it's because we want election integrity. Okay, we want election integrity. We want we don't care who's right. We want to care the outcome. All we care about is uh finding out beyond a shadow of a doubt that our elections are secure and if not so we can fix them and if they are well then you know i guess joe biden somehow won from his basement and uh never campaigning 81 million votes not one single build back better hat out there not not one single uh parking lot full of people not one single gymnasium full of supporters nothing nothing but i am not purporting i'm not I'm not saying that the motivation behind this lawsuit is, uh, is just that, to prove that Dominion um, is hackable and, and uh, that their equipment is, um, is basically invalid. That's not what I'm saying. That's not the intent of this lawsuit. Uh, but the lawsuit uh, was filed by uh, Torp Sahari Morris, um, who is otherwise known as uh, Tori Says. Uh, who is actually another, uh, she's actually an investigative journalist, a whistleblower, uh, and she has her own uh, talk show and radio show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but uh, Torp Sahari Mars or Tori um, filed a lawsuit for defamation against Dominion, which I think is rather smart. Well, not because she was defamed, she was. Um, but because in, in this lawsuit for defamation against her character and, you know, against her work, and, and what she does, um, she may very well secure the information 
that we need to move forward against Dominion to get them out of our states and off of our electoral process. It's a different road to get there. It's a different kind of attack. It's, isn't, it is involving litigation and it is involving lawfare. It's the long road. We have to find every way that we can. But there's something else that's also very interesting about this lawsuit that's finally come to light. Now, she's had this lawsuit filed for some time. I think, I think she said January. It's in an article we're going to hear read here in a minute, I think. But um, aside from that, having, having this um, lawsuit filed for quite some time, in the lawsuit, she also includes an affidavit. Okay. Now you guys remember when President Trump's legal team went to task of uh, calling out the uh, uh, the theft and the fraud of the elections in 2020. We had thousands of Americans who were uh, filing affidavits. Okay. All of them have been dismissed. Tory's affidavit has not been. It's been sequestered away. It's been what? What? what the, the question you would have to ask is why. Why have they chosen not to address Tory's affidavit? Why haven't they said she perjured herself and thrown her in jail? Why haven't they fined her? Why haven't they taken her to task for the big lie, for participating in the big lie, just like they're doing with Sidney Powell, just like they've done with Fox News, the Epoch Times, Newsmask, OAN, all of them? Why have they not done it? It has to do with litigation and lawfare, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said earlier, the bad guys don't like it to get to the courts. Prince Andrew would rather settle his case than have to stand deposed and answer questions which will go on record, which will go into documentation, which will then at that point be submitted to the jury and it's there, it's done. Like this is on record. We cannot have this. Just like the judges threw out all of the, uh, dismissed all of the election fraud cases, the Kraken lawsuits, they didn't look at the evidence. So this way, the left can say today that there was no evidence of fraud. It's a big lie. That's why they don't like litigation, ladies and gentlemen. That is the number one reason, even though it's one of their most favored tools against conservatives, truth seekers, patriots, President Trump, anyone who's standing to fight for America themselves, truth or freedom of speech. They will use it against them, but they can't stand it when you use it against them. Oh, rats. It looks like the uh, it looks like the people have learned how to use litigation against us, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Tory Morris, who not only has a lawsuit against Dominion and it's still standing, it's still active in court to this day. She's also running for secretary of state in the state of Ohio. I'm like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. Talk about putting your money where your mouth is. Talk about walking your talk. Okay. Anyhow, let's get back to the lawsuit. Okay. So uh, in this lawsuit, she has an affidavit. Now the affidavit, admittedly, I've been wanting to get my hands on for some time. Couldn't find it on the internet. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning this affidavit is because the affidavit her affidavit about election fraud in 2020 says everything, ladies and gentlemen. It talks about the machines. It talks about past elections. It talks about a whole bunch of things, okay? And no one on any legal team, no one on any side, no judge, no one 
has refuted, questioned, or brought in proof or evidence against any of her statements. Again, these affidavits, as with all of these affidavits, they're all on penalty of perjury. So you stand to be fined or you stand to be imprisoned or both, you know? So uh, no one has touched her affidavit, okay? No one has touched it. Interesting enough, interesting enough, this, the same affidavit that she filed for herself and that is also part of her lawsuit was also used as evidence by Sidney Powell in her case against Dominion. So Torp Sahari Maris, in effect, was Sidney Powell's star witness. Okay, now, not to go off and digress, um, I understand that there's a lot of infighting in the Patriot community. It is what it is. What are you going to say about it, right? Why? I don't understand. Um, on this side of the screen, I would think it's because uh, it's part ego. It's part free market. You know, you don't you want to be better than your competition. And, and even though we're all here trying to save this country through our, our activities on screen and through our words and our energy, you know, uh, you still want to be the best of the best. So I guess there will be infighting for that, right? I guess, I guess. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the free market reigns, but where truth is concerned, people need to know where to back off, okay? People need to know where they're hurting progress versus trying to make themselves better than they are, Okay. That's all I got to say about that, because from what I understand, and like I said, Tori has her own show. It's called Tori Says. Uh, it, it's, it's like it's exactly like a, it's a show like this. It's about uh, current news, events, information, uh, you know, uh, angles, um, you know, like like for me, it was what Alex Jones. Uh, it was uh, X-22 and Tori Says, right? Those are the tables that I, I fed at until, you know, I could no longer do it. Don't got the time. You know, sometimes my information ran a couple of weeks ahead of their information, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't matter. Right. But it's that that's what I'm saying. You know, she her her um, her, her podcast or her show, from what I understand, is uh, is like in the top one percent of podcasts in the world. Right. Anyways, that's not the point. The point of the matter here also is that. From what I understand, she's also been defamed a lot. Now, this happened through uh, mudslinging, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in the lawsuits, because this is, this is what we're talking about here, the lawsuit, is that she is suing for defamation against Dominion. So one has to say, wait, so this isn't an election integrity lawsuit? This isn't a uh, Dominion is fraudulent lawsuit. This isn't a uh, 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 take back the office for President Trump lawsuit. It's not. On its face, it's not. It's because in her pursuit of truth through these affidavits and the work that she does, her name was dragged through the mud, Dominion, Media Matters, etc. went in on her, okay? So she is going to defame them. In the process of uh, suing them for defamation, she is requiring and sharing evidence and proof that the Dominion voting system machines are 100% hackable. Timing is everything, as they say. And it's very interesting that when this Halderman report comes back into the light and everyone's fighting over it, 
Torp Sahari has already uh, has already subpoenaed uh, Professor Halderman to get her hands on that report to submit it as an exhibit in her lawsuit because it is discoverable evidence that supports her lawsuit. That's pretty cool, guy. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's pretty like, wow. Like, how are we going to get from that point to this point? Well, that's how. Uh, so let's see here. What do I got? Okay, so this is actually from her website. Um, she's doing a response to Ministry of Truth, uh, or sorry, ProPublica. Um, but I'm, we're not going to read all of this. Um, I want to actually, we're going to go over the affidavit. Because like I said, I've been wanting to read this affidavit for quite some time. This was, this was the affidavit that Sidney Powell used in her uh, lawsuit against Dominion. Okay, this was like, this is the word, bird. And uh, I was like, I really want to know, you know, what, Tor- uh, what Tori had to say about that. Uh, because she's the one who wrote it up. It, it ha- it's all the evidence that Sidney Powell used. It's got to have some good stuff in it, right? Um, we're going to read uh, pieces of this article for context, um, because as we move into the affidavit, it's going to be kind of like, oh, okay, well, this makes sense. That makes sense now, because I had this kind of uh, foresight into it. Okay, uh, so it says here, <clears throat> uh, let me see if I can expand this one more time for you guys. Just one moment. Can I expand Yeah. No, maybe not. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's, that's legible, right? It says, uh, though, uh, actually, let's just start. Let's just start up here. Let's just start up here. Uh, for over two years, I have been reporting how the Republican Party was responsible for helping rig the 2020 elections in collusion with the Democrats. Cindy McCain, along with representation from the IRI, had a delegation go to Ukraine to observe their elections. Zelensky was elected or selected in a landslide win over 70% of the votes. His story is an interesting one. Before becoming president of Ukraine, he was simply a comedian and not even a well-known one. People usually mocked Zelensky, calling him twinkle toes. Though what no one speaks of is the established and now verified close relationship between Ukraine and the 44th administration, which includes Barack Hussein Obama and Joe Biden. Obama helped usher in the 2014 elections after Joe Biden told them to fire a prosecutor or get no money. Ironically, in that same year, his son Hunter Biden is appointed to the board of Burisma. Uh, This is cited on page 27 of my 2020 election fraud affidavit. The whole affidavit completely cited and sourced has never been disproven, in fact, Almost everything I have declared under penalty of perjury over two years has been corroborated. In uh, 2014, your federal tax dollars were given to Ukraine for elections and 2,000 uh, and 2,000 temporary employees and 250 permanent employees to help execute the elections in Ukraine. The 2020 elections would suffer the same fate as the 2014 elections. Ukraine stopped counting votes in the middle of the night. By the morning, the person trailing behind won, and they blamed it on Russia. They quickly swept it under the rug and declared a victory for the guy Joe nominated. While our tax dollars are funding public broadcasting system PBS to berate and obfuscate actual election fraud, individual organizations like ProPublica are fact-checking something they already deemed to be untrue and coin as the big lie. 
These are the same fact checkers that perpetuated the big lie that there was Russian collusion and that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Okay. So we'll stop right there in that article. Now, like I said, the reason why she was writing this was because she was uh, answering questions that ProPublica sent to her. Here it says, uh, for someone who is a conspiracy theorist, I sure am right a lot of the time. In fact, right now, I am the only one fighting for election integrity with standing standing in federal court and in one Supreme Court. One could reason that if I was the loser, grifter, conspiracy theorist people claim, they would be mocking and laughing at my cases. Instead, they are all silent and defer to rumors and defamation to make their point. This is why Media Matters for America pulled the big guns with George Soros' lapdog, Mark Elias's firm, to defend them in her case against them for defamation. Okay. Uh, so I was going to just read a couple of these questions and answers for context. And then we're going to look at her affidavit. Because that's really why I wanted to present this to you guys. Uh, just to have on record more of the evidence... Um, against uh, these notions that there was no such thing as election fraud and that it was a big lie. And I made you wait to the end of the show to give it to you. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Where's the question I want to read? Okay, so it says here, question. Is it correct that you traveled to Washington, D.C. in mid-November and met with Patrick Byrne to present yourself to him as a witness to election fraud? Uh, Tory answers, A few days after the election, I traveled to Washington, D.C. At this time, Alaska was paused in counting ballots, even though like 10 people live there. I encountered Patrick Byrne when I was in Washington, D.C. to provide evidence and direction on documenting and capturing evidence of election fraud. All evidence provided was not taken at face value. That was regrettable. That was a regrettable factor as everything I presented has been proven correct and corroborated. All they needed to do was capture one router from Alaska and trace the route of the stolen data and the PCAPs to determine the hack that seems to be Shellshock. Now, you guys remember we mentioned Shellshock in Professor Halderman's report and his response to Dr. Gilbert and uh, Dr. Adida. It says, among other digital manipulation strategies to change the election outcomes. The attack was identical to the one deployed under the 44th administration in Ukraine in 2014. I am under the impression the same method was used in 2019, and this is why a comedian won the election for president in a landslide election. Notably, at the Munich Security Conference in 2019, Joe Biden stated that he was not willing to run as president unless their own person won the election in Ukraine. Once Zelensky won in a landslide, Biden announced his alleged run. While he never campaigned, he still won. I am pretty confident that there is a recorded audio of that conversation. And if memory serves me right, Yovanovitch was present. Uh, Is it correct that a team working for Patrick Byrne debriefed you about the evidence of election fraud that you claimed to have witnessed? Claimed it is a fact. My affidavit tells you everything you need to know that I have made public. In fact, in my defamation case, I filed two unredacted summaries of a report unlawfully under seal in Georgia that demonstrates that election fraud is 100% real, unlike the fake Russia collusion stories you ran with for four years. 
I made it public a 20 plus page declaration of Dr. Halderman this morning in my defamation case. I've attached this uh, to this correspondence for you to review. As you can see from the filings, uh, from today's filings in my defamation suit, Halderman's attorney is no longer his attorney, even though he identified himself as such. And therefore, it was important I filed a supplemental brief with the new material in my motion to compel. Okay, and I think that's the last question that we'll read. That was just for context. So you know where this is kind of coming from. And kind of to the extent, when we go through this affidavit, hey, here we go. When we go through this affidavit, it's a lot of information, guys. And uh, uh, there, there's a lot of discussion about the reputability of, uh, of Tori, Tori Mares. Uh, if I'm saying that not right. Uh, but what I can say, though, is that, um, you know, uh, just like you guys out there watch this show or watch any of the programs and shows broadcasts, read any of the media outlets, whether it is, you know, tried and true gateway pundit, uh, you know, the Epoch Times or anyone else, or even as you're scouring through any of the other um uh, you know, uh, a media outlets out there. It's all about using our discernment, right? It's all about uh, trusting our gut. And it is most definitely all about doing our own research. Okay. So with that said, you know, even though I've heard many stories of um, a defamation against uh, Tori uh, Mares um, and the work that she does, uh, I personally have not found that to be the case. Since I've uh, known about her show and who she, uh, who what she does, I, I can't say who she is because I don't know who she is personally. I mean, you listen to the show of anyone enough, I guess you could get to know them or feel like you do. But um, I, I personally have not found that to be the case. Okay, I have not found anything that people have said about her or any uh, misplaced trust to be true. You know, not like it, it's happened in the cases of other people. So, with that said. I want to share this affidavit with you. If someone like Sidney Powell could really take this into consideration, if she is indeed working with teams that work with President Trump and people like Patrick Byrne, and I know there's a lot of people that don't trust Patrick Byrne either, you know, uh, but uh, that's uh, that kind of says something about uh, what the person does, you know, and uh, what they mean. But uh, you know, she was a whistleblower and worked for the intelligence community or agencies, Um I mean, how could someone prove that, right? You know, so you just kind of take them at their word and then let the fruits of their labor tell you who they are, okay? Uh, so let's see, this is the affidavit. Uh, she says here, I've been a private contractor with experience gathering and analyzing for, for foreign intelligence and acted as a localizer during the deployment of projects and operations, both ACONUS and CONUS, that's outside continental United States and uh, in the continental United States. I am a trained crypt crypto linguist, hold a degree, a completed degree in molecular and cellular physiology and have formal training in other sciences such as computational linguistics, uh, game theory, algorithmic aspects of machine learning, predictive analytical, among others. Uh, it says, I have operational experience in sources and methods of implementing operations during elections, both uh, continental United States and outside continental United States or contingent, sorry, United States. I am an amateur network tracer and cryptographer and have two decades of mathematical modeling and pattern analysis 
In my position from 1999 to 2014, I was responsible for delegating implementation via other contractors, subcontracting with the United States or Nine Eyes agencies, identifying connectivity, networking, and subcontractors that would manage the micro operations. My information is my personal knowledge and ability to detect relationships between the companies and validate that with the cryptographic knowledge that I own, I know, and attest to, as well as evidence of these relationships. In addition, I am well-versed due to my assignments during my time as a private contractor of how elections outside a contingent United States for countries that I have an assignment at and in the contingent United States, and she's well-versed in the HAVA Act and more. On or about October 2017, I had reached out to the United States Senate Majority Leader with an affidavit claiming that our elections in 2017 may be null and void due to lack of EAC certification. Now, do you guys remember what I've said about EAC certification, right? Okay, that that was the easy way out. Okay, that was the easy way out. The machines and the vendors were not certified by the time of the 2020 election, which means if we had gone and said, hey, you broke state law, you broke federal law, these elections are null and void, we could have been out of this already. All it means is that the elections would have reverted back to the standing of 2016, but everyone would have been immediately disqualified, even the good guys, and they would have had to have uh, someone standing in place in every position, from county commissioner to sheriff to senator to president to vice president to governor to lieutenant governor. Every single position on the ballot for that, those years would have to be replaced and a revote would essentially have to occur. Uh, so that was the easy way out. Okay, so that's what she's saying here in her affidavit. Um, she went to the U.S. Senate Majority Leader with an affidavit claiming that our elections in 2017 may be null and void due to lack of EAC certifications. In fact, Senator Wyden sent a letter to Jack Cobb on 31 October 2017 advising discreetly, uh, advising discreetly pointing out the importance of being certified EAC had issued a certificate to ProVNV and that had expired on February 24th, 2017. No other certifications have been located. Now here's that uh, certification of accreditation. And this is why I wanted the affidavit, guys. I've been wanting this thing and they finally released it. So now this is, this is that. So there was a uh, effective through February 2024, 2017. Okay. This is the last known certification. That means the 2018, the 2019 and the 2020 elections, null and void. Okay. They, they are illegal elections based on our own rules and regulations and laws, federal and state. These have to be certified. Okay. They were not. Now, the Gateway Pundit broke this story in the main independent patriot networks, right? Like, uh, you know, the, the, the independents, you know, all the ones that we turn to, the Gateway Pundit, Breitbart, the Epoch Times, uh, you know, the, the National File, all of them. The Gateway Pundit broke this story. And the day after the Gateway Pundit printed this story on the lack of certification, they got them certified. The EAC certified the machines. The EAC, the EAC certified the, uh, the, um, the, uh, the companies that do the certification. So that was taken care of, retroactively speaking. But they're still invalid. So, ow. All right, so there's a certificate of accreditation, Pro-VNV Incorporated, Huntsville, Alabama. 
It says here, uh, Section 231B of the Help America Vote Act, the HAVA Act of 2002, requires that the EAC provide for the accreditation and revocation of accreditation of independent non-federal laboratories qualified to test voting systems to federal standards. Generally, the EAC considers for accreditation those laboratories evaluated and recommended by the National Institute of Standards and Technology pursuant to the HAVA Act, Section 231B1. However, consistent with HAVA Section 231B2B, the Commission may also vote to accredit laboratories outside of those recommended by NIST upon publication of an explanation of the reason for any such accreditation. So uh, this is United States Department of Commerce National Institute of Standards and Technology Certificate of Accreditation uh, for Pro-VNV uh, Voting System Testing. This one says uh, valid uh, March 26, 2020 through uh, March 31st, 2021. Uh, now it says here VSTLs or Voting System Test Laboratories are very important because equipment vulnerabilities allow for deployment of algorithms and, and scripts to intercept, alter, and adjust voting tallies. There are only two accredited VSTLs, Voting System Testing Laboratories. In order to meet its statutory requirements under HAVA 15371B, the EAC has developed the EAC's Voting System Test Laboratory Accreditation Program. The procedural requirements of the program are established in the proposed information collection, the EAC Voting System Test Laboratory Accreditation Program Manual. Although participation in the program is voluntary, adherence to the program's procedural requirements is mandatory for participants. The procedural requirements of this manual will supersede any prior laboratory accreditation requirements issued by the EAC. This manual shall be read in conjunction with the EAC's Voting System Testing and Certification Program program manual. So here you see, this is the uh, uh, document, United States Election Assistance Commission, the EAC. This is their spec sheet on states and uh, what their requirements are, if they're part of this uh, program, who, what they base everything on, right? So uh, for Michigan, it says the state participation is that they require testing by an independent testing authority. Michigan requires that voting systems are certified by an independent testing authority accredited by the NASED and the Board of State Canvassers. And uh, you know, it just goes on there about applicable statutes, regulations, etc. cetera, uh, fielding voting systems. <clears throat> this next one is for Wisconsin. Their participation with the AC uh, program says they require testing by a federally accredited laboratory. So that would be through the EAC, which would be SLI compliance or Pro-VNV. Wisconsin, Wisconsin requires that its voting system receives approval from an independent testing authority accredited by NASED, verifying that the voting systems meet all of the recommended FEC standards. Okay, moving right along. We got one from Georgia. Uh, Georgia requires federal certification. Georgia requires that its voting systems are tested to EAC standards by EAC accredited labs and certified by the EAC. Pretty easy for Georgia, right? Uh, Pennsylvania, uh, they require testing by a federally accredited laboratory. Pennsylvania requires that its voting systems are approved by a federally recognized independent testing laboratory as meeting federal voting system standards. 
And I think finally we have Arizona. Arizona requires testing by a federally accredited laboratory. Arizona requires that its voting systems are have a compliant and approved by a laboratory that is accredited pursuant to HAVA. Okay, so it says here, uh, section 18, Pro VNV and SLI Gaming both lack evidence of EAC accreditation as per the voting system testing and certification manual. Pro VNV is owned and operated by Jack Cobb. His real name is Ryan Jackson Cobb. The company ProVNV was founded and run by Jack Cobb, who formerly worked under the entity of Weil Laboratories, which is an aerospace defense contracting entity. The address information on the EAC, NIST, and other entities for ProVNV are different than that of what is on the ProVNV website. The EAC and NIST ISO cert issuers all have another address. Okay. So uh, that is evidence of what that statement says. Okay. Uh, VSTLs, the voting uh, systems testing laboratories, are the most important component of the election machines as they examine the use of COTS. Commercial off the shelf. Weil became involved with testing of electronic voting systems in the early 1990s and has tested over 150 separate voting systems. Weil was the first company to obtain accreditation by the National Association of State Election Directors, the NASED. Weil is accredited by the Election Assistance Commission, the EAC, as a voting system testing laboratory and uh, a VSTL. Our scope of accreditation as a VSTL encompasses all aspects of the hardware and software of a voting machine. While also received NVLAP accreditation to ISO and IEC uh, 17.025.2005 uh, from NIST. COTS, or commercial off-the-shelf, are preferred uh, by many because they have been tried and tested in the open market and are most economic and readily available. COTS are also the source of vulnerability. Therefore, VSTLs are very important. COTS components by voting system machine manufacturers can be used as a black box and changes to their specs and hardware make up change continuously. Some changes can be simple upgrades to make them more efficient in operation, cost efficient for production, end of life, and even complete reworks to meet new standards. The key issue in this is that most of the COTS used by election machine vendors like Dominion, ESNS, Heart Intercitic, Smartomatic, and others is that such manufacturing for COTS have been outsourced to China, which if implemented in election machines make us vulnerable to black box antics and backdoors due to hardware changes that can go undetected. Kind of like we mentioned, the shell shock that they found in uh, the KSU um, websites or servers, and then also the possible undetected um, uh, malware that could be in the, the uh, Dominion um, ballot marking devices. But again, these types of malware and um, hacking cannot be detected until they've been hacked, because you'd notice there was a change, but you couldn't find it otherwise. So... That is the statement, uh, I think, statement of fact behind what she's saying here, what this affidavit is saying. Now, it says, this is why uh, vote, um, 
This is why VSTLs are very important. The proprietary voting system software is done so and created with cost efficiency in mind and therefore relies on third-party software that is available and housed on the hardware. That is a vulnerability. Exporting system reporting using software like Crystal Reports or PDF software allows for vulnerabilities with their constant updates. As per the COTS hardware components that are fixed and origin may be cloaked under proprietary information, a major vulnerability, vulnerability exists since, once again, third-party support software is dynamic and requires frequent updates. The hardware components of the computer components and election machines that are um, COTS may have slight updates that can be overlooked as they may be like those designed that support the other third-party software. COTS origin is important, and the U.S. intelligence community report in 2018 verifies that. The Trump administration made it clear that there is an absence of a major United States alternative to foreign suppliers of networking equipment. This highlights the growing dominance of Chinese manufacturers like Huawei that are the world's largest supplier of telecom and other equipment that endangers national security. China is not the only nation involved in COTS provided to election machines or the networking, but so is Germany via Laos, L-A-O-S, founded Chinese linked cloud service company that works with Seidel um, named uh, Akame, Te Akame Technologies that have offices in China and are linked to the server that Dominion Software. Okay, so this uh, Akamai Technology, okay, um, that is a company that uh, works with Seidel, okay, uh, with networking and election machines uh, via LAOS founded Chinese Links Cloud Company, okay. So um, this uh, documentation here is just proof of evidence of that. Uh, Akamai Technologies have uh, locations in India, China, Japan, Singapore, and Australia and New Zealand. So definitely foreign countries, right? For networking capabilities with Dominion machines. Okay, so like um, uh, like uh, Sydney Powell kept stressing in her. Uh, litigation that our uh, data was going offshore to other companies, to servers housed in other c countries. What's up with that, right? Okay, so this is, uh, let me see what this is saying here. Uh, ISP organization level three communications. Okay, so this is like a profile on an ISP organization. Level three communications located in Alexandria, Virginia. All right. There is its uh, place of existence. Now it says uh, L3 level communications is federal contractor that is partially owned by foreign lobbyist George Soros. An article that the AP ran in 2010 spoke out about the controversy of this that has been removed. Uh, as for the company's other political connections, it also appears that none other than George Soros, the billionaire funder of the country's liberal political infrastructure, owns 11,300 shares of the OSI Systems Incorporated, the company that owns Rapiscan. Not surprisingly, OSI's stock has appreciated considerably over the course of the year. Soros certainly is a savvy investor. Uh, Washington Examiner rewrite. I'm not 100% sure what these images are right here, guys. Uh, 
tracer route connections, uh, hosting uh, connections, additional host icons. Uh, it says here, L3 communication systems East designs, develops, produces, and integrates communication systems and support equipment for space, air, ground, and naval applications, including C4 um, I, C4I systems and products, integrated Navy communication systems, integrated space communications and RF payloads, recording systems, secure communications, and information security systems. In addition, their site claims that MARCOM is an integrated communication system and that MARCOM is the foundation of the Navy's newest digital integrated voice data switching system for affordable command and control equipment, uh, supporting communications and radio room uh, automate, automation. The MARCOM uses the latest COTS digital technology and open system standards to offer the command and control user a lower cost, user-friendly solution to the complex voice, video, and data communications needs of present and future joint allied missions. Built-in reliability, rugged construction, and fail-safe circuits ensure your call and messages will go through. Evidently, a huge vulnerability. Michigan government site is thumped off Akamai technology servers, which are housed on Telia AB, a foreign server located in Germany. So uh, this uh, convoluted sentence here says that Michigan's government website is basically on Akamai technology servers, and they are housed in a foreign in Germany on Telia AB. Now it says here, Seidel, who is contracted with uh, the Associated Press, receives the results tallied by Seidel on behalf of Dominion. During the elections, the AP reported a site reporting site had a disclaimer. AP, the Associated Press, was powered by Seidel. Okay, so this convoluted sentence right here is basically saying that um, Seidel gives the Associated Press tallied results, but Seidel is working on behalf of Dominion. Okay. That is what that convoluted sentence says. Uh, so here is evidence of Michigan's website, michigan.gov, being housed on uh, Akamai Technology servers, the akam.net, akam.net, um, hostname Akamai Technologies, okay? Now, if we recall from up here in the, this portion of the affidavit, what did it say about Akamai Technologies? It says here, China is not the only nation involved in COTS provided to election machines or the networking, but so is Germany via Laos founded, uh, via Laos founded Chinese linked cloud service company that works with Seidel named Akamai Technologies. So Akamai Technologies works with Seidel and uh, Seidel works with Dominion. Okay, the plot thickens, right? Dur -dur -dur. It says here, Seidel was selected by the Federal Voting Assistance Program of the United States Department of Defense to provide a secure online ballot delivery and on-screen marking system under a program to support overseas military and civilian voters for the 2010 election cycle and beyond. Seidel was awarded nine of the 20 states that agreed to participate in the program, New York, Washington, Missouri, Nebraska, Kansas, New Mexico, South Carolina, Mississippi, and Indiana, making it the provider with the highest number of participating states. According to Dominion, uh, 1.4.1 software and firmware. The software and firmware employed by Dominion D Suite 5.5 uh, consists of two types. Oh, 5.5-A 
consists of two types, custom and commercial off-the-shelf COTS. COTS applications are verified to be pristine or were subjected to source code review for analysis of any modifications and verification of meeting the pertinent standards. The concern is the hardware and the non-accredited VSTLs as by their own admittance use COTS. The purpose of VSTLs being accredited and their importance in ensuring that there is no foreign interference, bad actors accessing the tally, da tally data via backdoors in the equipment software, the core software used by all CIDL-related election machine software manufacturers ensures anonymity. Algorithms within the area of this shuffling to maintain anonymity allows for setting values to achieve a desired goal under the guise of encryption in the trapdoor. The actual use of trapdoor commitments in Bayer Groth's proofs demonstrate the implications for the verifiability factor. This means that no one can see what is going on during the process of the shuffling. Therefore, even if you deploy an algorithms or manual script to fractionalize or distribute pooled votes to achieve the outcome you wish, you cannot prove they are doing it. And it points you out to this, the use of trapdoor commitments in bare goth proofs and the implica implications for the verifiability of the Seidel Swiss Post internet voting system. Okay. So algorithms shuffle the votes en route and uh, they can use, uh, they, can, they have a script here that can uh, make it unverifiable for you to know. Now, it says here, universal verifiability. Votes cast are the votes counted and integrity of the vote is verifiable. That is universal verifiability. The vote was tallied for the candidate selected. Seidel fails universal verifiability because no mathematical proofs can determine if any votes have been manipulated. Individual verifiability. Voters cannot verify if their ballot got correctly counted. Like if they cast a vote for ABC, they want to verify it was ABC. That notion clearly discounts the need for anonymity in the first place. To understand what I observed during the 2020, I will walk you through the process of one ballot cast by a voter. Step one, configuring data. All non-e-voting data is sent to CIDL offshore. So all non-e-voting data is sent to CIDL offshore for configuration of data. All e-voting is sent to configuration of data, then back to the e-voting machine, and then to the next phase called cleansing. Here's some concerns. Here we can see an or proof as coined by mathematicians, and or proof is that votes have been pre-tallied parked in the system, and the algorithm then goes back to set the outcome it is set for and seeks to make adjustments if there is a partial pivot present, causing it to fail, demanding manual changes such as block allocation and narrowing of parameters or self-adjusts to ensure the determined outcome is achieved. Okay, very, very convoluted. Okay, this right here. But... This is talking about the number of votes in the machines, okay? And what the affidavit is saying is that the algorithm will consider the number of e-voting uh, e machine pre-votes. And then it'll make the adjustment for the desired winner unless, unless there is a partial pivot... 
In other words, something happens that was not expected, like, oh, I don't know, everyone in America turning out to vote for President Trump and busting the algorithm, okay? Something like that, okay? And that would cause someone to make a manual change, like a a block allocation. A block allocation is X amount of votes inserted into the count, not actually counted ballots. Kind of reminds us of what? The midnight ballot drops across the board in 2020, that would be an example of a block allocation. Um, And so that's what the algorithm could do. Now, step two is called cleansing. The process is when all the votes come in from the software run by Dominion and get cleansed and put into two categories, invalid votes and valid votes. Step three, shuffling and mixing. This step is the most nefarious and exactly where the issue issues arise and carry over into the decryption phase. Simply put, the software takes all the votes, literally mixes them a, and then re-encrypts them. This is where if one had the commitment key, the trapdoor key, one would be able to see the parameters of the algorithm deployed as the votes go into this mixing phase and how algorithm redistributes the votes. This published paper from University College London depicts how this shuffle works. In essence, when this mixing shuffling occurs, then one does not have the ability to know that out, that vote outcome, that vote coming out on the other end is actually their vote. Therefore, zero integrity of the votes when mixed. And here are the algorithms, which we're not going to go through. Here's the uh, mathematics behind all that stuff. I don't know this stuff from Jack, so just take it in, ladies and gentlemen. Set up public key encryption, decryption, homomorphic uh, re uh, re encryption. Uh, it says here, uh, when, when this mixing shuffle occurs, then one does not have the ability to know that the vote coming out on the other end is actually their vote. Therefore, there's zero integrity of the votes. When the votes are sent to Seidel via Dominion Software Election Management System, the trapdoor is accessed by Seidel or trapdoor keys, the commitment parameters. And there is a graph of what that looked like. Ballot with votes, it goes into the machine, it gets encrypted by the Dominion machine, and then from there it goes to, well, it's supposed to go to Seidel for further encryption, but you have access via backdoor hardware and pre-tallied votes right here. Then uh, it goes through, I guess, what would be considered the mix or the shuffle, and then it's encrypted again by Seidel. It goes back to Dominion, and then the votes tallied are reported by Seidel, and then that goes to the Associated Press. The encrypted data is shifted into Seidel's platform in the form of ciphertext. This means it is encrypted and a key based on commitments is needed to read the data. The ballot data can only be read if the person has a key that is set on commitments. A false sense of security is provided to both parties that votes are not being replaced during the mixing phase. Basically, Seidel re-encrypts the ballot data that comes in from Dominion or any other voting software company as ciphertexts. Seidel is supposed to prove that votes A, B, C are indeed X, Y, Z under the new re-encryption when sending back the votes that are tallied, coding them respectively. This is done by Seidel and the election software company that agrees to certain generators and therefore together build commitments. And here's some more example of uh, coding, I guess you could say. Again, I have no idea what all this means. But that is script right there. Program script. 
Seidel and Dominion have an agreement. Only the two would know the parameters. This means that access is able to occur through backdoors in hardware if the parameters of the commitments are known in order to alter the range of the algorithm deployed to satisfy the outcome uh, da, 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 sought in the case of algorithm failure. Trapdoor is a cryptotech term that describes a state of a program that knows the commitment's parameters and therefore is able to change the value of the commitments however it likes. In other words, Seidel or anyone that knows the commitment parameters can take all the votes and give them to anyone they want. If they have a total of 1,000 votes, an algorithm can distribute them among all races as it deems necessary to achieve the goal it wants. Case study, see the Estonia elections. More uh, mathematics and scripting. Within the trapdoor, this is how the algorithm behaves to move the goalposts in elections without being detected by this proof. During the mixing phase, this is the algorithm you would use to uh, reallocate votes via an algorithm to achieve the goal set. And so that is what the algorithm looks like if you're going to change the votes in the voting machines. Uh, step four, decryption. Uh, decryption would be the decryption phase and temporary parking of vote tallies before reporting. In this final phase before public release, the tallies are released from encrypted format onto plain text. As previously explained, those that know the trapdoor can easily change any of the votes that the randomness is applied and used to generate the tally vote ciphertext. Thus, in this case, Seidel, who is the mixer, can collude with their vote company via uh, clients or an agency to change votes and get away with it. This is because the receiver does not have the decryption key, so they rely solely on Seidel to be honest um, or free of any foreign actors within their back door or the election company, like Dominion, that can have access to the key. In fact, a study in the University of Bristol made claim that interference can be seen when there is a great delay in reporting and finalizing numbers uh, under the University of Bristol. How not to prove yourself. Pitfalls of the fiat, shamir, heuristic, and applications to Helios. So it says here, zero knowledge proofs of knowledge allow a prover to convince a verifier that she holds information satisfying some desirable properties without revealing anything else. Hence, you cannot prove anyone manipulated anything. The trapdoor key holders can offer you enough to verify to you what you need to see without revealing anything and once again, indicating the inability to detect manipulation. There was no manipulation detected, so that means no manipulation occurred. Zero proof of integrity of the vote. Therefore, if decryption is challenged, the administrator or software company, company that knows the trapdoor key can provide you proof that would be passable of be able to pass verification blind. This was proven to be factually true in the case uh, by the University of Melbourne in March. White hat hackers purposely altered votes by knowing the parameters set in the commitments and there was no way to prove they did it or any way to prove that they did not. It's the perfect three-card Monty. That's just how perfect it is. They fake a proof of ciphertext with known randomness. This rolls back to the integrity of the vote. The vote is not safe using these machines, not only because of the method used for ballot cleansing to maintain anonymity, but the exposure to foreign interference and possible domestic bad actors. In many circumstances, manipulation of the algorithm is not possible in an undetectable fashion. This is because it is one point heavy. 
Observing the elections in 2020 confirmed the deployment of an algorithm due to the behavior, which is indicative of an algorithm in play that had no pivoting parameters applied. The behavior of the algorithm is that one point B is the greatest point within the allocated set. It is the greatest number within the AB points given. Point A would be the smallest. Any points outside the AB points are not necessarily factored and yet can still be applied. The points outside the parameters can be utilized to a certain degree, such as in block allocation. The algorithm geographically changed the parameters of the algorithm to force blue votes and ostracize red votes. Post-block allocation of votes, the two points of the algorithm were narrowed, ensuring a Biden win, hence the observation of no Trump votes and some Biden votes for a period of time. Here is the block allocation. So when everyone, their mother and the Amish came down to vote for President Trump, unlike in 2016, where the algorithms broke and uh, they couldn't do anything. So 2016... They're not expecting Trump to come out in full force. They're not expecting the people of America to come out and vote, right? And uh, so the algorithms broke. uh, And there are some other things that are going on in the background, uh, according to uh, um, uh, uh, Tory on the affidavit, uh, that they were unable to fix the vote. In fact, according to what she has stated, um, the reason why Governor Kemp and Brad Raffensperger let the cat out of the bag that the Department of Homeland Security had hacked their elections in Georgia in 2016, according to Tory says, was because they couldn't access another point to drop votes into the system. Something had broken, right? So um, you don't see the block allocation in 2016. The algorithm was broken and they had no way to fix it. Too many people turned out to vote for Trump. In 2020, they were ready, okay? So in 2020, they had their algorithm set at a much higher uh, number rate for votes. And, um, and then they did this drop of block allocation. Now, as she mentioned, the University of Bristol did a report and a study that showed the way to determine block allocation is in the behavior of what's going on during the time of voting. Uh, such, such would be stopping the count, When you stop the count, that is typically where the drop allocation is manually being inserted into the algorithm or into the computer system. And that's exactly what we saw in 2020. Uh, Aside from them, what, dropping all of these ballots at midnight, they stopped the the vote counting at 10 p.m., you know, most everywhere, right? So uh, that's where we are at this portion of the uh, affidavit. We're almost done. So this was in Arizona. There's your 143,100 votes dropped in Maricopa and Pima County. Um, uh, It says here, mathematical evidence of the seeding injection of votes at the beginning. A spike means that a large number of votes were injected into the totals. A normal vote pattern would look like a natural progression, smooth without extreme jumps. Um, Gaussian elimination without pivoting explains how the algorithm would behave and the election results and data from Michigan confirm failure of the algorithm. So there was failure of algorithm in uh, Michigan. And here you go. They had these spikes. So the block allocations are dropped in at this point here, this point here, and this point up here. 
November 7th, 54,000 plus votes. The digital fix observed with an increased spike in votes for Joe Biden can be determined as evidence of a pivot. Normally, it would be assumed that the algorithm had a complete pivot. Wilkinson's demonstrates the guarantee as this mathematical algorithm. Such a conjecture allows the growth factor, the ability to be upper bound by values closer to N. Therefore, complete pivoting can't be observed because there would be too many floating points. Nor can partial as the partial pivoting would overwhelm after the injection of votes. Therefore, external factors were used, which is evidence from the digital fix. Observing the elections after a review of Michigan's data spike of 54,199 votes to Biden, because it is pushing and pulling and keeping a short distance between the two candidates, but then a spike, which is how an algorithm presents, and this spike means there was a pause and an insert was made, where they insert an algorithm, block spikes in votes for Joe Biden were not paper ballots being fed or thumb drives, the algorithm block adjusted itself and the people were creating the evidence to back up the block allocation. So she's talking, they're talking about this one here. Like I was saying, if you notice how the, there's sudden jumps, the jumps are the algorithm adjusting itself to try and beat out Trump. Okay. Now there you have your big block adjustment. And then, of course, you create all the paper ballots and you drop them to back up the numbers that they have in the digital. Uh, it says, I have witnessed the same behavior of the election software in countries outside the United States and within the United States. In Ukraine, the elections conducted behaved in the same manner by allocating block votes to the candidate chosen to win. Observing the data of the contested states and others, the algorithm deployed is identical to that which was deployed in 2012 providing Barack Hussein Obama a block allocation to win the 2012 presidential elections. And I bet you that is how, I bet you that's exactly how Governor Abbott got 66% of the primary vote in Texas. I bet you, I bet you that's how they did it. Aside from the election rigging information center and all of their, that, but they're just creating ballots to and giving you voter accounts to back up the numbers that they're creating. But I bet you it had something to do with something like that. I bet you money. It says, um, it says here the algorithms, uh, the algorithm looks to have been set to Joe to give Joe Biden a fifty-two percent win, even with an initial fifty thousand plus vote block allocation provided initially as tallying began, as in the case of Arizona. So in Arizona, they gave Biden a 50,000 vote win. The algorithm was set for him to win at 52%. Okay. In the, uh, in the morning of November 4th, 2020, the algorithm stopped working. Therefore, another block allocation to remedy the failure of the algorithm. This was done manually as all systems shut down nationwide to avoid detection. Georgia, fixing the vote. Okay. So uh, here we go. Just more examples. There's 107,000 plus votes. In Georgia, during the 2016 presidential elections, a failed attempt to deploy the scripts to block allocate votes from a centralized location where the trapdoor key lay an attempt 
by someone using the DHS servers was detected by the state of Georgia. Okay, so that convoluted sense. She needs to, whoever wrote this affidavit needs to learn how to write, okay? Because this is hard to read, okay? So it says, in Georgia during the 2016 presidential elections, a failed attempt to deploy the scripts to block allocate votes from a centralized location where the trapdoor key lay an attempt by someone using the DHS servers was detected by the state of Georgia. So someone who was trying to fix those broken scripts from the Department of Homeland Security servers was detected in Georgia. The Georgia leadership assumed that it was Russians, but later they found out that an IP address was that of the DHS. In the state of Wisconsin, we observed a considerable block vote allocation by the algorithm at the same time it happened across the nation. All systems shut down at around the same time. So this was, what, 6.23 a.m. on November 4th. There's your block allocation of votes. That's a big, that's a really, really obnoxious looking allocation of fraudulent votes right there. In Wisconsin, there are also regularities in respect to ballot requests. The names and the addresses are hidden for privacy. Why? And it says, I can personally attest that in 2013 discussions, I can personally attest that in 2013, discussions by the Obama-Biden administration were being had with various agencies in the deployment of such election software to be deployed in Ukraine in 2013. On or about April 2013, a uh, one-year one plan was set to fund and usher elections in Ukraine. Joe Biden was designated by Barack Hussein Obama to ensure the, uh, the, election, the, Ukraine, the Ukraine accepted assistance. John Owen Brennan and James Jim Clapper were responsible for the ushering of the intelligence surrounding the elections in Ukraine. Under the guise of crisis support, the U.S. federal taxpayers funded the deployment of the election software and the machines in Ukraine signing on with CIDL. And here's that fact sheet. U.S. crisis support package for Ukraine. President Obama and Vice President Biden have made U.S. support for Ukraine an urgent priority as the Ukrainian government works to establish security and stability and pursue democratic elections and constitutional reform, revive its economy, and ensure government institutions are transparent and accountable to the Ukrainian people. Ukraine embarks on this reform path in the face of severe challenges to its sovereignty and territorial integrity, which we are working to address together with Ukraine and our partners in the international community. The United States is committed to ensuring the Ukrainians alone are able to determine their country's future without intimidation or coercion from outside forces. To support Ukraine, we are today announcing a new package of assistance totaling $50 million to help Ukraine pursue political and economic reform and strengthen the partnership between the United States and Ukraine. Right before the Ukraine elections, it was alleged that Cyber Cyber Burkut, a pro-Russian group, infiltrated election central election computers, and deleted key files. These actions support supposedly rendered the vote tallying system inoperable. In fact, the key files were the commitment keys to allow Seidel to tally the votes rather than the election machines. The group had disclosed emails and other documents proving that their election was rigged and that they tried to avoid a fixed election. The elections were held on May 25th, 2014, but in the early morning hours, the election results were blocked and the final tally was delayed, flipping the election in favor of Zelensky. 
The claim was that there was a DDoS attack by Russians when in actual fact it was a mitigation of the algorithm to inject block votes as we observed was done for Joe Biden because the keys were unable to be deployed. In the case of Ukraine, the trapdoor keys were altered, deleted, rendered ineffective. In the case of the United States elections, representatives of Dominion, ESNS, Smartmatic, Heart and Pacific would have to manually deploy them since if, they entry points, uh, if the entry points into the system seem to have failed. The vote tallying of all nations, uh, the vote tallying of all states nationwide stalled and hung for days as in the case of Alaska that has about 300,000 registered voters but was stuck at 56% reporting for almost a week. This hanging indicates a failed deployment of the scripts to block allocate remotely from one location as observed in Ukraine on May 26, 2014. This would justify the presence of the election machine software representatives making physical appearances in the states where the election results are currently being contested. A Dominion executive appeared at the polling center in Detroit after midnight. Considering that the hardware of the machines has not been examined in Michigan since 2017 by ProBNV, according to Michigan's own reporting, COTS are an avenue that hackers and bad actors seek to penetrate in order to control operations. Their software updates are the reason vulnerabilities to foreign interference in all operation exist. The importance of VSTLs in underrated to protect, is, in, is underrated to protect up foreign interference by way of open access via COT software. ProVNV, whose EAC certification expired on February 24, 2017, was contracted with the state of Wisconsin. In the United States, each state is asked to conduct and, uh, and IV and V independent verification and validation to provide assurance of the integrity of the votes. If the accredited non-federal entities have not received EAC accreditation, this is a failure of the state to uphold their own state standards and are federally regulated. That are federally regulated. In addition, if the entities had NIST certifications, they are not sufficing according to the HAVA Act 2002 as the role of the NIST is clear. Curiously, both companies ProVNV and SLI received NIST certifications outside the 24-month scope. ProVNV received an NIST certification on 26 March 2020 for one year. Normally, the NIC, NIST certification is good for two years to align with the AAC certification that is good for two years. Uh, the last ProVNV EAC accreditation certificate on of this declaration expired in February 2017, which means that the IV and V conducted by Michigan claiming that they were accredited is false. The significance of VCSTLs being accredited and examining the hardware is key. COT software updates are the avenues of entry. As per Dominion's own petition, the modems they use are COTs. Therefore, commercial off the shelf, right? Easy to get, easy to obtain. Therefore, failure to have an accredited VSTL examine the hardware for points of entry by their software is key. Now, wouldn't it be interesting if in Professor Halderman's report, he found that the modems used or commercial off-the-shelf modems, right? Nothing special, nothing. It's just off-the-shelf um, was the entry point in the, uh, the ballot marking devices. That remains to be seen because obviously his report's still sealed. But uh, 
All right, for example, an update of Verizon USB modem Pantech to undergoes multiple software updates a year for its hardware. That is most likely the point of entry to the system. So through the updates, that's where they can enter into the systems and they can, you know, hack them. Uh, during the 2014 elections in Ukraine, it was the modems that gave access to the systems where the commitment keys were deleted. SLI Gaming is the other VSTL accredited by the EAC, but there is no record of their accreditation. In fact, SLI was NIST ISO certified 27 days before the election, which means that Pennsylvania IV&V was conducted without NIST certification for SLI being valid. So all of this was invalid. They had none of the paperwork to do anything or prove anything. In fact, SLI was NIST ISO certified for less than 90 days. I can personally attest that high-level officials of the Obama-Biden administration and large private contracting firms met with a software company called GEMS, which is ultimately the software all election machines run now, uh, running under the flag of Dominion. GEMS was manifested from SOE software purchased by Seidel developers and U.S. federally funded persons to develop it. The only way GEMS can be deployed across all machines is if all counties across the nation are housed under the same server networks. GEMS was tasked in 2009 to a contractor in Tampa, Florida. GEMS was also fine-tuned in Latvia, Belarus, Serbia, and Spain to be localized for European Union deployment as observed during the Swiss port election debacle. John McCain's campaign assisted in funding the development of GEMS web monitoring via web services with 3EDC and Dynology. And there is a proof of John McCain's involvement. Uh, Akamai Technology Services Seidel. Akamai Technologies houses all foreign government sites. Akamai Technologies houses all government sites. Wisconsin, there's some examples here. Wisconsin has Edge Gateway Port, which is Akamai Technologies based out of Germany. Using Akamai Technologies is allowing .gov websites to obfuscate and mask their systems by way of Hurricane Electric, kicking it to anonymous Akamai Technologies offshore servers. Akamai Technologies has locations around the world. Akamai Technologies has locations in China, in Iran as of 2019, and they merged with Unicom, which is the Chinese telecom in 2018, and they house all state.gov information in Germany via Telia AB. In my professional opinion, this affidavit presents unambiguous evidence that there was foreign interference, complicit behavior by the previous administrations from 1999 up until today to hinder the voice of the people and United States persons knowingly and willingly colluding with foreign powers to steer our 2020 elections that can be named in a classified setting. Foreign interference is present in the 2020 election in various means, namely foreign nationals assisted in the creation of GEMS, Dominion Software Foundation. Akamai Technologies merged with a Chinese company that makes the, the commercial off-the-shelf components of the election machines, providing access to our electronic voting machines. Foreign investments and interest in the creation of the GEMS software. U.S. persons holding an office and private individuals knowingly and willingly oversaw fail-safes to secure our elections. The EAC failed to abide by standards set in the HAVA Act of 2002. The IG of the EAC failed to address complaints since their appointment regarding vote integrity. Christy McCormick of the EAC failed to ensure that the EAC conducted their duties as set forth by the HAVA Act in 2002. Both Patricia Layfield, IG of the EAC, and Christy McCormick 
Democratic chairwoman of the EAC were appointed by Barack Hussein Obama and have maintained their position since then. The EAC failed to have a quorum for over a calendar year, leading to the inability to meet the standards of the EAC. Akamai Technologies and Hurricane Electric raise serious concerns of the NATSEC due to their ties with the foreign hostile nations. For all the reasons above, a complete failure of duty to provide safe and just elections are observed. For the people of the United States to have confidence in their elections, our cybersecurity standards should not be in the hands of foreign nations. Those responsible within the intelligence community directly and indirectly by way of procurement of services should be able, should be held accountable for assisting in the development, implementation, and promotion of GEMS. GEMS, something general, Hayden. Hmm, that's redacted. In my opinion, oh, maybe GEMS is owned by General Hayden. Ooh, the plot thickens. In my opinion, and from the data and events I've observed, redacted with the assistance of ShadowNet under the guise of L3 Communications, which is MPRI, Military Protective Something Something Information. This is also confirmed by US uh, US.Army.mil, making the statement that ShadowNet has been deployed to 30 states, which all happen to be using Dominion machines. I would say go see the movie Shadowgate for that one, guys. Okay, so we are right there. At the end of the line, ladies and gentlemen, uh, based on my research of voter data, it appears that there are approximately 23,000 residents of the Department of Corrections prison with requests for absentee ballots in Wisconsin. We are currently reviewing and verifying the data and will supplement. And there's a list of people. And finally... I declare under penalty of perjury that the foregoing is true and correct to the best of my knowledge. Executed November 29th, 2020. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is the affidavit submitted by Torp Sahari Maris, otherwise known as Tori Says. Uh, this She is the star witness to uh, Sidney Powell's uh, case against Dominion. She has her own case against Dominion. And even though her case against Dominion, like I said, is a defamation case. Look at all this information that was in there, right? You know, I mean, all of, a, lot, a lot of this stuff, as she has said, has been corroborated or sourced since then. This was November 2020. Trump's team was working in those six states, what, November, December, right? They're doing everything they could before the inauguration in 2021. So literally, since that time, guys, since, since, I mean, we know that Sidney Powell was going around telling people, you know, it's Seidel, it's being outsourced, it's in Germany, it's Spain, uh, there's foreign interference. Sidney Powell was saying all this stuff. Uh, and then, of course, at that time, you also had the storm of like with Sidney Powell and and uh, Mike Lindell and uh, who's that other guy, the preacher guy that was out there. Um, I cannot remember his name. What was that man's name? It'll come to me in a minute. But anyways, you had all of these people talking about, you know, outside interference, uh, Seidel, the Dominion machines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. OK, then now you have. Professor How, um, Halford's um, report that may possibly corroborate everything that she said in here about 
the commercial off-the-shelf pieces that are inside the machine being what is making the machine susceptible to being hacked. And according to uh, Professor Halford's uh, report, that is exactly the case. That's exactly what happened, okay? Um, Very interesting, guys. Very interesting. I've been waiting for this affidavit to be released for some time. Um, But yeah, so like I said, it is a defamation lawsuit, okay, that's still active in the courts. And I guess uh, at current, including that affidavit, is also included the the seven-page declaration from from Professor um, uh, J. Alexander Halderman. I was saying Hofferman. Halderman. Sorry, it's late. I've been up here for five hours, guys. And also the 24-page summary in refute of the Georgia State um, investigators uh, that had something to say about Halderman's report. Okay, so I will see where this goes. I mean, say, for example, and the, the defamation lawsuit comes in them not being able to disprove her affidavit. No one has looked at the affidavit and said, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. That's a big lie. That's a big lie. That's a big lie. Uh, now sue her, fine her, and throw her in jail for, um, you know, um, perjuring herself. No one has done that. No one has done that. And now Media Matters, who's somehow tied to this lawsuit for defamation with Dominion, with Ali Akbar, Ali Alexander, and some other people, um, they, they are all standing... Uh, uh, as defendants in this lawsuit and media matters has hired Mark Elias in this case that she has against them. Those are some big guns, right? That's a whole lot to follow, but uh, this lawsuit just became public. They just publicized it on March 17th. So that's why it hasn't been out there. And uh, I was aware of it because back in the day, she talked about it like almost a year ago. So just had to just had to incorporate this in the tale of election integrity and proving election fraud here in these United States of America and in the 2020 general election. We're coming at them from all sides, guys. We're coming at them from all sides. OK, and uh, and it's all in the pursuit of truth and it's all in the pursuit of protecting our sacred vote and restoring our republic. Because we have to be shown, we can't be told, we can clearly see the ramifications of a uh, fraudulent election, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here at the Sea Report on this Monday into Tuesday. I can't believe we just did a five-hour show. The audience only got stronger as we went along. If you're still live with us, uh, let's see, we're over at Clout Hub. We're over at uh, Rumble. We are over at uh, Twitch. Please make sure that you uh, subscribe or you uh, follow freely. Just so you can get the notifications. And of course, the best for last. If you're over at pill.net or you're over at the foxhole.app, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Uh, Make sure you favorite us over at The Foxhole. Make sure you follow us over at pill.net. We do this every day, just about. And real quick, uh, we got uh, Two Rivers, Java, Woke One. Who else be hanging out? Looks like you guys are having at it for a minute. Sub Pack Vet was also in the house. Skeeter Burke. 
Skeeter Burke, I hope you enjoyed your uh, I hope you enjoyed your bedtime story there, ma'am, for tonight. The beautiful sound of uh, truth and honesty in, through litigation, through lawfare, etc. Okay, guys, awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, I have released uh, the I've released the scratching, as it were. Skeeterberg said something is happening in Colorado at 9 a.m. Lindell said it's pretty important. Some hearing evidence presented or something. Ooh, thank you for the uh, tip off there, Skeeterberg. I don't know. It's 2 a.m. Let's see if I'll be up at 9. All right, guys. Until then, uh, make sure you guys, you know, stop by the C-Report.com. Uh, join our mailing list. Uh, you know, uh, check out the website. Uh, look for our podcast, anchor.fm slash the C-Report. Uh, we're on all major uh, uh, platform, podcast platforms. You get Spotify, Go Ogle, iPodcasts, you know, what have you. And uh, spread the word, ladies and gentlemen. Let people know about this broadcast. Let them know about this show. Let them know about the work that we do. And most definitely, we will see you guys in the morrow. But till then, ladies and gentlemen, be safe, be blessed. God bless America. We'll see you next time.